Friday, March the 19th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. It is really the first day of March Madness. We had the play-in round and the, the four play-in games, and I gotta say, they were a couple of good ones. A couple games separated by just a few points. We had one go into overtime, but... 16 games starting uh, early in the morning for me on the West Coast Friday all throughout the day. Same thing on Saturday. Uh, A couple of the best days of sports coming up on uh, this Friday, Saturday. So hope uh, everyone is having a nice week. We, uh, We got our preview done for the NCAA March Madness Tournament on the last episode. So if you need a little help putting your bracket together, we spent about two hours with a bunch of different guests. So I'm just going to briefly go over a couple of plays that I have, but uh, this will be a little more uh, horse racing. We're going to talk some NFL free agency news, stable duel stuff. So we'll go Gulfstream Friday, Sam Houston, best bets for Gulfstream, Sam Houston full card, then Fairgrounds. They've got the Louisiana Derby on Saturday, so I'm going to hit the four graded stakes races there. Saturday at Sam Houston, there are seven stakes races at Sam Houston. It is Texas Champions Day. Sam Sherman is going to join me to talk about all of those stakes, so I'll hit races one through three. Sam joins me for races four through ten. I'll uh, close it down with race number 11, and then Kentucky Derby points. We have a two-hour conversation. Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne, we go through the top 20 points list right now, everyone, uh, the three-year-olds, we go 20 through 30, and then we go all the horses that are on the outside who have no points, but that are pretty talented. We tell you what everybody's done so far, where they're headed next, what the plan is. It is as in-depth of a a discussion on all of the three-year-olds this year who are planning to run in the Kentucky Derby as you will find anywhere. So really, really good to get you all caught up. And then this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, Cooper Loop. We talk some AEW, some Monday Night Raw, and some SmackDown on this week in wrestling. So before we get into NFL free agency, let's talk a little bit about March Madness and what's coming up. There is a free That's What G Said contest. It's at ESPN.com in the Tournament Challenge, and the prizes for the winner, a prize package. That includes $100 to win on any horse you want in the Kentucky Derby, Two candles from sarahcandles.com, any scent that you like, a $50 credit in your Stable Duel account, plus a Stable Duel t shirt. You will get a t shirt from Old Smoke Clothing. You'll also get to come on the show and be a guest host with me. The group name, that's what G said. The password, N C A A B. Password, N C A A B. Group name, that's what G said. Think about that. You could bet 100 to win on a horse, turn it into a couple hundred, a thousand. You're going to get a $50 stable duel credit. So you could win a couple contests, turn that into a bunch of money. You'll get a couple candles. You'll get a stable duel t shirt. You'll get an old smoke t shirt. And you get to come on the show here and talk with me and uh, tell us about how successful you are winning that bracket competition. So totally free. You can share it around with your friends, but just make sure you got to get into that contest. Friday morning before the games begin. So NCAA March Madness. Let's take a quick run through my bracket and give you some of the plays that I like. So uh, Andrew Champagne, good buddy Andrew Champagne, he's in Vegas right now. He put a couple plays in for me um, as he's over there. Best of luck to AC. So on Friday, some of the games that I like, I went with the over- in the Arkansas Colgate game, I've got over 161. 
Um, Texas Tech, I've got Texas Tech minus four. I've got Purdue minus seven and a half. And I've got Winthrop plus six and a half. Those are my four games on Friday that I'm going to play a few bucks on. Then on Saturday, I've also got four. Um, I've got the Bonnies, Moneyline, St. Bonaventure. uh, So straight up. I've got UC Santa Barbara plus seven. I've got Iona plus 17. I think they can keep that game a little closer than the spread. And I've got Ohio U plus seven. So those are my plays for Saturday. Uh, Taking a look at my bracket. Um, You know, nothing really too crazy for me in the West. I got Gonzaga. um, I guess, uh, you know, I go Gonzaga. Mm, Um Mizzou, UCSB, Ohio. So I do have a couple of upsets there. I think UCSB and Ohio could both win, and I think Ohio can win two games. I've got USC, Kansas, Oregon, Iowa below that. I've got Iowa beating Oregon. I've got USC beating Kansas, and I have, I'm have i a Trojan guy. I'm going to go USC to the Elite Eight. I think they can beat Kansas and Iowa. I don't think they can beat Gonzaga. So they're going to have to lean on Mobley. I'll, uh, I'll take a swing with them um, getting to the Elite Eight. So Gonzaga, USC, I've got in the final of that regional. I've got Gonzaga winning and going on to the Final Four in the, uh, in the East. I've got Michigan winning, uh, then I got St. Bonnie's winning, I've got Colorado, Florida State, BYU beating UCLA who won tonight, I've got Texas, um, I've got UConn, I've got, I'm going to play Iona in one bracket, and I just, Alabama's probably going to be a little too tough for them, but I do think UConn can beat Bama in the second round, I've got Texas making it all the way out of this region, uh, I think... Florida State has an opportunity to beat either Michigan or Bonnie. I, I may play Bonnie against uh, against Michigan because I think Florida State will beat him anyways and because I've got Texas coming out. So Florida State and Texas in the Elite Eight. Um, and then in the Final Four, I've got Texas, and then I've got them playing Gonzaga on that side of the bracket. Heading over to the south, I go Baylor, uh, Probably North Carolina. That was one I was I was wavering on, but I think Baylor will end up beating North Carolina anyways. Um, Winthrop is sort of the hot team. I'll probably go with them just because I've got Purdue beating uh, Winthrop, Winthrop or Villanova anyways. Uh, Baylor beating Purdue. Below that, I've got Texas Tech beating Utah State. Arkansas over Colgate. I think Texas Tech can beat Arkansas. Uh, I've got Ohio State, Virginia Tech, and then... Texas Tech beating Ohio State. So in the Elite Eight, I've got Baylor and Texas Tech. Baylor beating Texas Tech to make the Final Four. Over in the Midwest, uh, Illinois, Loyola Chicago, Tennessee, Okie State, San Diego State, West Virginia, Clemson, and Houston. I've got Houston beating Clemson and Houston beating San Diego State. I think they can beat West Virginia. So Houston over San Diego State in the Sweet 16 to make it to the Elite Eight. And on the top of that bracket, I've got Illinois over Okie State. Uh, uh, excuse me, Illinois versus Okie State, and I pick Cade Cunningham and Okie State to beat Illinois and make it to the Elite Eight. So Okie State and Houston there to make it to the uh, Final Four. Houston for me. My Final Four are Gonzaga, Texas, Baylor, and Houston. I've got Gonzaga versus Houston in the in the championship game with Houston winning it all. Gonzaga is going to be such a popular pick. I felt like uh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to to have them eliminated early when I really do think they're going to be so tough and they're probably the most likely winner. But if they make it to the final and I can and I can have a little separation at least in the final, maybe uh, a lot of people that pick Gonzaga, that's where I can uh, I can win a bracket or two or uh, pick up some money in that particular case. So the madness really begins on Friday morning, 12:15 uh 12:15 Pacific time, 9:15 or excuse me, 12:15 Eastern time, 9:15 a.m. Pacific time for me when I'll be 
waking up and drinking some of my mimosas there, watching the the first game. Let's see, what's our first game on Friday? We've got uh, Virginia Tech, Florida right off the bat, and we've got Colgate, Arkansas, Drexel, Illinois after Utah, Texas Tech, Oral Roberts, Ohio State, Hartford, Baylor, Georgia Tech, Loyola, uh, Oregon State, Tennessee, Liberty, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Cleveland State, Houston, North Texas, Purdue, Rutgers, Clemson, Syracuse, San Diego State, Moorhead State, West Virginia, and Winthrop Villanova to close it out. That is all on Friday. You can hear I am pumped, folks. And as we transition from uh, college basketball over to football. Got to give you some NFL news. We'll just kind of quickly go through some of the teams and, and some of the more recent big signings. And then, then next week, we'll do a full-on recap. I'll bring Eric on, uh, maybe another NFL guest, and we'll go through all the teams. We'll kind of give them grades and see how they've done. So uh, for the Bills, Trubisky is signed to be their backup quarterback. Bills also signed Emmanuel Sanders. They brought back Matt Milano, linebacker. A um, couple of their big uh, signings so far. The Dolphins uh, brought in Jacoby Brissett, one-year, $5 million deal for, uh, you know, as possibly a backup quarterback there. Malcolm Brown, um, Will Fuller, wide receiver. Um, Bernard McKinney acquired in a trade with Houston. Those are some of their big acquisitions. The Patriots, they've been going crazy. They brought Cam Newton back, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Trent Brown, David Andrews, Ted Karras, uh, Dietrich Wise, Devon Godshaw, Montrevious um, Adams, Henry Anderson, Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, Justin Bethel, Jalen Mills, and Nick Folk. So they have been busy, busy, busy. The Jets, uh, they brought in Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, a couple wide receivers recently, uh, Josh Adams, Carl Lawson, Draw Davis, Marcus May, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Justin Hardy. Over in the AFC North, the Ravens, not a ton. Uh, all of Josh Oliver, Kevin Zeitler, uh, Pernell McPhee, Justin Ellis, Derek Wolf, the Bengals, Brandon Allen, uh, re-signed Trey Hendrickson, uh, Awuzi, uh, Ogunjobi, Tony Brown, Mike Hilton, Brandon Wilson, Clark Harris. The Browns, I thought, have done quietly some really good work. Uh, Troy Hill and John Johnson, they really strengthened their secondary so far. Uh, Resigned Rashad Higgins, Takaris McKinley, Malcolm Smith. So I know those Rams players and uh, John Johnson and Troy Hill are really going to help the Browns quite a bit. I, I like those moves for them. Steelers, Ray Bay McLeod, Zach Banner, BJ Finney, Cameron Sutton uh, over in the AFC South. The Texans brought in Tyrod Taylor. Who knows what's going to happen with uh, Deshaun Watson? Um, not not great uh, stuff out there about Deshaun Watson right now. We'll have to wait till we hear more before we discuss uh, all the allegations against him. They brought in Mark Ingram, wide receiver Andre Roberts, Alex Erickson, Dontre Moncrief, Farrell Brown, Ryan Izzo, Marcus Cannon, Justin McCray, Justin Britt, Shaq Lawson, Derek Rivers. They've done yeah, they've done a lot. Christian Kersey, Terrence Mitchell, uh, Vernon Hargraves, Desmond Deadman King, Tavier Thomas, and Terrence Brooks. Uh, the Colts, Carson Wentz, obviously, Marlon Mack, they brought back. They brought in Carlos Hyde, Jamal Agnew, Phil Dorsett, Marvin Jones, Cam Robinson, Tyler Shatley. They've been busy. Dewan Smooth, uh, Alawu, uh, Jihad Ward, Malcolm Brown, Roy Robertson Harris, Sidney Jones, Shaq Griffin, Rudy Ford, and Rashawn Jenkins. Titans, Anthony Ferkser, Swain, Lamb, Sam Barillo, Autry, Jalen Brown, Jayon Brown, Bud Dupree, Janoris Jenkins, Kevin Johnson. Uh, the Broncos, Mike Boone, Hel- uh, Harris, Ronald Darby, Justin Simmons. The Chiefs, uh, they've bolstered the offensive line. Uh, they brought in the tight end, Blake 
Bell, and then they got Kyle Long, Joe Thune, and Mike Remmers, uh, Taco Charlton. They've got Ken, uh, over in the Raiders, they brought in Kenyon Drake, Theo Riddick, John Brown, Zay Jones, Derek Carrier, Richie Incognito, Rick, uh, Nick Martin, Denzel Good, uh, Yannick Nagakwe, Jonathan Hankins, Quinton Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, and Nick Morrow. The Chargers, they got Jared Cook, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsey, Michael Davis, and Badgley so far. Uh, over in the NFC, the East, the, the Cowboys, uh, Dak, their big move. Um, a couple defensive ends, Watt, uh, Watkins and Urban, Terrell Basham, CJ Goodwin, Jordan Lewis, Jake McQuaid. We got the Giants. They brought in, uh, they re-signed Leonard Williams, Kyle Rudolph, uh, John Ross, Devontae Booker, Mike Clennon. Reports of them with Kenny Galladay also. Um, the Eagles, not much. Um Andrew Adams, Hassan Ridgeway, Washington football team. They brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, Lamar Miller, Curtis Samuel, offensive guard Brandon Sheriff, uh, Tyler Larson, David Mayo, William Jackson, Dustin Hopkins, all some of their signings uh, in the, with the Bears. Andy Dalton going to be battling for their starting quarterback job. Allen Robinson, Jermaine Effetti, Marco Mario Edwards Jr., Angelo Blackson, Deion Bush, Cairo Santos, Pat O'Donnell, and Patrick Scales. The Lions obviously made that trade to bring in Goff earlier. Uh, they brought up backup quarterback Tim Boyle, Jamal Williams, Rashad Perryman, Tyra Williams, Josh Hill, Romeo Akaro, uh, Akwara, Akora, I can't say that one. <laughs> Romeo, Romes, and uh, Michael Brockers comes in from the Rams also. Uh, the Packers, Aaron Jones, Vikings, Chad Beebe, Rashad Hill, uh, Stephen Weatherly, Dalvin Tomlinson, Nick Vigil, Patrick Peterson. Uh, these are all either, you know, teams that are re-signing players. These are all the moves that they have made. These are players that would have been free agents that they've either re-signed, acquired in a trade, franchise tagged. The Falcons brought in uh, Lee Smith and Eric Harris. The Panthers, David Moore, Cam Irving, Tyler Moten, Pat Elfline, Denzel Perryman, Hassan Reddick, Morgan Fox, J.J. Jansen. The Saints are re-signing Jameis Winston, uh, Ty Montgomery, James Hurst, P.J. Williams, Marcus Williams, and remember Drew Brees now is officially retired. He made that announcement the other day. And the Bucks bringing the band back together. Chris Godwin, Gronk, Aaron Steine, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Kevin Minter, Ryan Suckup. Over in the NFC West, the Cardinals, A.J. Green, Kelvin Beecham, Rodney Hudson, Marcus Golden, J.J. Watt, Tanner Vallejo, Robert Alford, uh, Andy Lee, and Matt Prater. The Rams made the trade for Stafford and uh, linebacker Leonard Floyd. The 49ers, uh, Juszczyk, Trent Sherfield, Trent Williams, which was big for 49ers, uh, Alex Mack, D.J. Jones, Samson Ekubum, uh, Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Verrett, Seattle Seahawks, Gerald Everett, Gabe Jackson, Ethan Posiek and Puna Ford and Akello Witherspoon. So that is every move that has been made so far in NFL free agency. And uh, we're going to find out even more over the next few days. It's funny, we're, we're paying attention to March Madness. We're paying attention to, you know, spring training getting started for baseball. There's big Kentucky Derby preps all over the place. But there's just a ton happening in the NFL right now. So hopefully uh, in that few minutes, that'll get you caught up on everything if you missed some of the big moves out there. One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company, and their website is sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. The goal was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and high quality that everyone can enjoy. 
Sarah candles are all natural soy wax. That means they're free from the toxins that are found in paraffin wax, which is the wax that is used by a lot of other leading candle brands. The all natural soy wax will hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than that paraffin wax. These candles from Sarah are 100% lead free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro batches and hand poured to ensure the highest quality. 100% locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA. 25 different scents available, three different sizes, fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils. They even give you instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and how to get the perfect burn. You want to make sure you trim the wick. You want to make sure you're putting it out with the candle lid from Sarah Candles. They have the best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable pricing, longer burning Promo code GINO gets you 10% off the purchase. None of those toxins, none of those carcinogens, none of those pollutants that are present in paraffin wax. This is a great gift for someone, family member, friend, loved one. If you know they, they're they interested in candles, get them a few from Sarah. Let them know these are different. They're healthier. They're better for you. You and the kids and the animals all around aren't going to be breathing in those, uh, those toxins with the all-natural soy wax. Perfect gift for someone. Promo code G-I-N-O gets you 10% off your purchase. Stable Duel this weekend. The Stable Duel 16 series continues. It rolls on. So Stable Duel are the daily horse racing contest that you see me playing in uh, all the time. I'm talking about them. I'm posting about them on social media. You can play in these contests. Some of them, some days they're free uh, for as little as a dollar, all the way up to a hundred, five hundred, a thousand dollars sometimes in some of the contest. This week they're having, because of March Madness, a couple stable duel sixteen games on Friday and on Saturday. There's already been two on Wednesday and on Thursday. If you play in the stable duel sixteen game, it's sixteen dollars to enter. You get all the normal winning payouts. But if you finish in the top four, you're gonna be assigned one of the teams that makes the sweet sixteen. And if your team in the sweet sixteen continues on to the final four you get 100 bucks. If they make the finals, you get 300, and if they win it all, you get an extra $500 on top of the prize money that you'd already win for finishing top 4 in those contests. So on Friday at Golfstream, make sure to get involved. There's a contest for 16 bucks, and then there's another one on Saturday. So make sure to go build your lineups. It'll be really fun to have an an extra little action on a team in the Sweet 16. And, you know, you're already looking at Golfstream and, and probably going to be playing those races. So build your stable dual lineup. You can play in the $1,000 double up at Golfstream on Friday. Laurel Park has a $5 game. Tampa has a $10 game. Sam Houston has a $1 winner take all. Golden Gate has a game. Santa Anita has a $100 triple up. And they also have a $25 game. On Saturday, there's another one of those Gulfstream Stable Duel 16s. Um, There's a Gulfstream Park $100 game. Tampa has a $10 game. Sam Houston has a $25 game for their big night. Golden Gate's got a $5 game. Hawthorne has a free ride. Santa Anita has a $1,000 triple up and a $10 game. And then on Sunday, Gulfstream Park, you got the $250 triple up. You You got a $50 game. You got a $5 game at Tampa. A $3 game at Golden Gate. Hawthorne has a $5 game. Santa Anita has a $12 game and a $50 triple up. So look at all those options you have between Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Gulfstream, Laurel, Tampa, Sam Houston, Golden Gate, Santa Anita. Then you get Hawthorne into the mix um, for free, for a buck, all the way up to 1000 And make sure to get in those stable dual 16 games on Friday and on Saturday. 
Why not? You get, you get the bonus if your team makes the final four, and you get the bonus if your team makes the final, and you get the $500 bonus if you win it all. Stable, dual, always coming up with fun and creative crossover promotional events. So I mentioned Gulfstream Park Friday as one of those uh Stable Duel 16 contest. I have a couple plays for you for Friday at Gulfstream Park. Get those past performances out for March the 19th. And we're looking at the third race. I'm going to go to the number seven in here. Third time around. So three to one on the morning line will cost you 8000 in your stable duel lineup. But I think this could be an early exotic single for you in the early pick five. First time Lasix, the blinker's on, and Paco jumps back aboard. And I just expect a lot more speed out of this filly today. Um, she has a lot more speed than she was able to show last time out. You got Paco, blinks on, the drop, and the first time Lasix with the outside draw. Third time around is going to show a lot more today. The number seven in race number three. We move along to... Race number seven. Let's get confused. There's the number seven in race three. And now we're going to race number seven. And we're talking about the three Freedom's Flight, who he got a bad start last time out. And that was his first start since July at Ellis Park on March the 3rd. It's come. Just brutal start, never really has a shot there. That's against tougher $35,000 restricted claimers. Now you drop into this $16,000 non-three level, second off the bench, likes this trip. This is where both of his victories have come, going the mile in an eighth. Class drop, plenty to like about the number three, Freedom's Flight. At 5-1, to one, will cost you 6000 on your stable dual salary cap. 5-1 to one morning line. If we can get 7-2, to two, we'll make a win wager on the number three in race number seven. We move to race number 10, and at 8-1 to one on the morning line, the number six, Pearl Essent, will only cost us 3000 in stable dual. And if this horse is 5-1 to one or so, I'll make a win wager on her. She was three-ride going into the turn. Uh, she was in the two-path pressing. She was up to challenge, but she just could not get by Copper, who went wire-to-wire that day, just right up on even terms with Copper, but ended up getting a bit tired and faded. And I think Pearl Essent is very, very well meant in this spot. And Pearl Essent at 8-1 to one will use and make a win wager if we can get about 5-1 to one or so. So three plays for us Friday to use in your Gulfstream Park stable dual lineups in the third, the number seven, third time around. Uh, we'll make a... You know, probably an exotic single here at eight to one, uh, at eight thousand in your stable dual lineup, three to one morning line. Freedom's flight, the three in the seventh race. We'll make a win wager if we can get around seven to two, and the number six pearl essence for ten. Those are my three plays for Friday over at Gulfstream Park. Let's get to Sammy Houston for Friday. Big weekend at Sam Houston with the seven stakes races on Saturday. Uh, Martha Clausen previewed those seven stakes races with us on the the most recent episode of That's What G Said podcast. Sam Sherman is going to talk about the Saturday stakes with us in just a few minutes. But let's hit Friday first. Races one and two are Arabian races. I steer clear of those because I can't really give you a, a whole lot of insight. So let's go to the third race which kicks off the early pick four. And I'm going to go to Theorist. I'll single Theorist right right here because, you know, the way this race uh, shapes up, Good Ride Cowboy is going to take a lot of money. Theorist is going to take a lot of money. Clear Advantage will take some money. I'm, and I think Theorist is the, the most likely winner on the slight turn back in distance. I like the way he moved into contention, and that was by far his best career effort. Now he's going to go third start off the bench I'm ex- and second time for Broberg. I'm expecting him to improve even more here. He was tracking nicely from second. He moved up at the top of the lane. He actually opened up a length and I ended up just getting a, a bit tired um, and uh, 
good ride cowboy ended up being able to, to slightly pass him late but uh theorist top selection here will single with that outside draw gives him some options if he wants to go to the lead there's not a ton of speed in here if somebody else decides to go uh, like the one maybe he can sit off from the outside Let's move along to race number four here. Um, I'll play against the two Prairie Dress, who takes the blinkers off. You're leaving the Asmussen barn and coming into a barn who's, who's very good with new acquisitions and just a good barn overall, but you have a, a jockey who's really struggled at the meet, and it feels like Prairie Dress is just kind of lone speed, not one that wants to sit. She's going to have to deal with the layoff too, leaving the Asmussen barn. She's three-time been a beaten favorite, so I don't know if I really want to take another short price on her. I'll, I'll use the three four or five. I thought the three tell you ride queen gets a big jock upgrade today on the cutback in distance. Anything similar to that February 4th race would make her pretty tough in here. Uh, Scarlet O'Hanna doesn't have to improve a whole lot to be really competitive in here. And Euro Bell, um, Euro Bell in the career debut ran very well, then was sent to the bench for a few months after the December race, came back on February the 24th and just tried uh, a little bit tougher on the grass. So, you know, I think Euro Bell is in a much better spot here. Three, four, five for me in race number four at Sam Houston. In the fifth race, this feels like a real spread out race. There aren't a lot of horses here who have really turfy pedigrees. Uh, I think the seven who has a winning turf sib is one you want to throw in this first time starter. I thought the 10 who uh, the dam only ran on turf once and finished third, and we know the sire point of entry, entry was very good on the grass. I think the 10 hatchet girl will enjoy the drop in class and enjoy the move to the turf. The number one ultimate force on the class drop with the speed from the inside could be pretty tough. The 11 Miss Pocha is one of the only horses who has is like any turf success whatsoever in this field. In fact, she is the only horse in here with a race at all on the turf, so... um She's actually run pretty well against Maiden Special Weights on the turf. I think she's probably pretty hard to leave off of your exotic tickets. The 8, you know, you want to go a little deeper. This one's damn also one on the turf. The 12, Telling Time, has a couple of winning turf sibs and some speed. So this is a spread for me. 7, 10, 1, 11, 8, 12 in race number 5 at Sam Houston. We move along to the 6th race, Allowance first level, 6 furlongs the distance. I've got them stacked 6, 3, 4, ready to roll first time gelding. Comes out of some really good races. Was behind Good Scout last time out. And look at who he faced prior to that at Indy, uh, Oaklawn, Fairgrounds. He's capable of a really big effort on his best day. So, ready to roll on all my tickets. American Code's no doubt the one to beat. Uh, Mesa Moon with the blinkers off. Uh, comes out of a couple stakes races and actually faced open stakes company in a pretty tough race on Ladies Classic Day last time out. So 6-3-4, I've got everywhere. Uh, 1A electoral, if in, I would probably include electoral in some uh, of my late pick fives or some late exotics uh, as we move along to race number seven in here. This one starts your late pick four. I think Hello Bubbles is a horse who I may single. Feels like she's going to get a really nice trip in here with uh, Uptown Bling at Home pretty quick. Tis Magic, very, very fast. And with those two in this race alone, they 
they should be cooking up front. Hello Bubbles came from off the pace in the first start since coming in from California and was facing better in California. It seems like she found a home out here. This is probably a good step up for her. So Hello Bubbles we've got as our top selection. I think Tiz Magic trying the five furlongs on the turf is a little interesting, mainly because of the distance for her. I don't think she's got a ton of turf, but um, I do think Tiz Magic has the opportunity to maybe sneak away if Uptown Bling at home doesn't want to get involved in a battle early on. So I would use three as a single in some places, three, four in some spots. If you want to go deeper, um, I've got them stacked three, four, five, six, seven. The five and six is maybe some uh, some prices to include yogurt getting LASIKs for the first time and, and coming out of some better races, uh, some, some decent races last year, really good ones on the grass, uh, spot on. Another one who wouldn't shock off of a, a good recent effort. So three, four, over, five, six, seven as we move along to race number eight at Sam Houston. College Party just fits the conditions of this race beautifully. These are horses who have not won two races since September the 19th. They're going to go five furlongs. Well, College Party won on September the 10th and uh, December the 5th. College Party getting some class relief in here. Last time was in at the $5,000 level. Beat open five claimers over at Turfway. The number two, College Party in all exotics for me. And the number four, Top Brass. If they go quick early on, Top Brass will likely be sitting right behind him. He is the one to beat in here. In the ninth race, I will probably just single the chalk of Secret Blarney. Chalky single. I do not really like anybody else in there in this race. They're just not in great form at all. And Secret Blarney is at least coming off of back-to-back-to-back-to-back pretty solid efforts. Like, overall, he's done... Not a whole ton wrong. He just hasn't won very much. Dropping in class today, I think he can crush this group. The one venture fourth, if you want to go a little bit deeper, also comes out of some better race. In the 10th and final, Friday at Sam Houston. I I don't love this card as much as I like Saturday's card. I had a hard time in this race too because it just looked really chalky to me. I couldn't make cases for the first timers to the outside. Bubble line doesn't really seem to have a whole lot of turf there. Um... David's Dream Girl, I mean, I couldn't make that much of a case for. I really was down to the chalks in this race again with the five airline drive and the three sweet Linda. So I had him 5-3 in race number 10 on Friday at Sam Houston. So let's uh, move from Friday to Saturday at Sam Houston. But first, let's talk a little bit about DRF. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And 
any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches, and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next, and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Let's head to fairgrounds for Saturday. Four graded stakes races and points on the line in the Louisiana Derby. Also for the Phillies in the fairgrounds Oaks. So race number 11 gets the past performances out. We're looking at March the 20th for Saturday. And it's the New Orleans Classic. Mile and an eighth for older. There is absolutely zero speed on paper. Zero. Owen Dale does not want to go to the lead. Ollie, my boy, doesn't want to go to the lead. Captivating Moon is probably going to run in the grass race, but doesn't want to go to the lead. Enforceable does not want to go to the lead. Chess Chief does not want to go to the lead. But by default, he might just end up being closer than everybody else in here. And Sonoman doesn't want to go to the lead. So I think you have to use Chess Chief with Saez jumping aboard, who gets aggressive sometimes. Uh, Chess Chief likes it at fairgrounds and did not run poorly in the mineshaft and could just end up being closer than everybody else in here. I think because of that, if you're playing a pick four, you have to use Roadster. Even off the long layoff, Roadster's now coming into the Stidham Barn. Hasn't raced since March of 2020. But Roadster might just be sent from the inside. Because Roadster accidentally is probably quicker than most in here. And maybe um, he's fresh. Owendell has a few times shown some type of speed. And maybe with Giroux jumping back aboard, they decide that there's not any other pace in here. Let's get aggressive. Um... So I think you have to use Chess Chief, Roadster I have to use, Enforceable, who doesn't really have pace to run at. I just thought he sort of bounced in his last start. He ran such a huge race on January the 17th that um, I'm not sure if he was like in too tough last time out or if it was just more that he just didn't, he had a little bit of trouble and he just didn't run all that well. I think he's going to run better in here. Those would be the four that I'm most interested in. Uh, I I don't love Owendale, but I, I could see them just trying to get a little bit aggressive with him because they've done that before, and it and it didn't work out poorly. Both times he showed a little more tactical speed in the Ali Sheba and the Pimlico Special, and he was run, the runner-up both those times. So maybe that's the plan with him because somebody's going to have to decide to get aggressive. I think it might be Chess Chief or Roadster. We'll let Unfortunate give us the chance to bounce back. Those are my, my the horse I like the most. 615 is how I have him stacked with Chess Chief on top. In the 11th This is another race Where the uh, the Munoz There's not a lot of pace And the last couple times Factor this has run He has been in situations Where it's been the opposite He's run into A ton of other speed But he doesn't really seem To have much other pace To oppose him in here Two Emmys can show A little speed sometimes uh, But factor this is faster uh, Conviction trade Can show a little speed Factor this is no doubt faster I'm using the one everywhere 
I think Colonel Liam is in really nice form right now. He's lightly raced. He's done little wrong. He's tough to to knock. The eight spooky channels coming off the win in the Connolly. His races prior to that were not bad at all against tough. And then Olympic runner who's just in really nice form right now. One eight five eleven is how I have him stacked with factor this trying to wire them in uh, the Grade Two Munoz Memorial. Race 12 fairgrounds on Saturday Let's get to the fairgrounds Oaks Race number 13 Zajil comes in for Pletcher I just don't like She comes out of a race that's been productive A whole lot of Bode, a whole Bodemeister came out of that race to win uh, Great stakes But I just don't think Zajil is quite as good as the uh, top other few in here And I've been waiting for Super Sensational to get a jockey change And we finally got it Johnny V jumps aboard You're going to get the massive jock upgrade After a couple of just horrendous rides um, Just really bad rides in, in in both the Silver Bullet Day and the Rachel Alexandra This horse had This filly had no opportunity in either one of them Clary Air might be the best three year old filly right now Travel Column was right there with her on the wire They are very good I can't separate either one of them So I'll use the two of them along with Super Sensational And all my exotics If Super Sensational is anything over 6-1 to one, I'm going to make a win wager on her 3-6-8 in race 13 I do think that Midnight Bourbon has an opportunity to, uh, with the outside draw, maybe he can track a little bit more just, just outside of horses, and I think he may be able to turn the tables on Mandaloon. I do think Mandaloon is very talented. I have those two on top, seven, six in here. Uh, the one star in my dreams, I'm expecting better for from him with the race under his belt. The number three, Run Classic, total the, kind of the wild card in here off of that uh, big maiden score. Proxy wouldn't be a shock. Hot Rod Charlie wouldn't be a shock. But I've got Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon 7 6 stacked right on top in Grade 2, Louisiana Derby, race number 14 on Saturday over at the fairgrounds. So big stakes Saturday over at fairgrounds with four of them on tap. Okay, let's go through races 1 through 3 at Sam Houston, and then Sam Sherman is going to join me to talk about races 4 through 10, the stakes races. So get the past performances out, Sam Houston, March the 20th. In race number 1, I like Jack's advantage. I think he's going to be able to sit off nicely, cutting back from the mile to 6 furlongs, sort of like he sat last uh, two starts back on January the 29th when he finished second. Seems to like it here at Sam Houston. He beat First Level Allowance Company last time out, so this is going to be a um, you know a, a very very logical spot for him. He'll have to run down a horse like Valiant Appeal, but I think he will be able to sit off Valiant Appeal because Tumbling Sky is also in here. So if Tumbling Sky and Valiant Appeal are showing a little speed early, Jack's Advantage is able to track behind them. I will single Jack's Advantage in some early pick five tickets. Uh, If you're looking to go a little deeper with some others, it would be um, Electoral, who, as we mentioned, is cross-entered. And so if Electoral ends up in this spot, I would also include Electoral uh, second time at Sam Houston. First start off the claim for Caldwell. The four, Tumbling Sky, and the two, Valiant Appeal would be the others. So I have six over, five, four, two, single six on one of the uh, the pick fives. In race number two, Texas Red, $7,500 non-two claimers, five and a half furlongs, the distance. Oh, snap. You get uh, Luzzy jumping aboard, and I think that's a, a big jock upgrade too because Luzzy's so good on the speed horses and he'll be aboard this pace horse cutting back from six and a half to five and a half with the inside draw. He'll hopefully try to get him uh, out early on and uh, get off of the rail a little bit or just be able to use some of that speed so you don't have to worry about getting shuffled back. Uh, oh snap 
going to be pretty tough in here. Wildcats Bling is unfortunately the other one. It seems like it's sort of a formful race where Wildcats Bling can sit a little bit off if need be. He also has a little bit of speed, so uh, 1-6 in sort of a chalky second. In race number three, it's Sam Houston, mile on the turf course. I'm going to look to the number seven, Temple of Soul. I was so impressed with his maiden uh, victory going a mile in the 16th on February the 26th. He just missed on January the 15th. Those are his turf races, so he's able to track off if need be. He's got some positional speed. Uh, I think Temple of Soul is going to show up with a really nice effort in here. The number four, Half Hours to Keep, comes in from Fairgrounds, has been facing tougher, so uh, to me, a must-use in, in your early pick five. The number five, Victory Boulevard, very logical. Another one who is coming in from Fairgrounds and is coming out of tougher races and will likely enjoy this company a lot better towards the outside I think you want to probably use the 10 Sierra Hotel Echo Delta Shield really really quick and might be able to steal this race from the outside the game plan with this outside draw stretching out from 5 has to just be go and uh, and try to you know steal this race try to get in front if possible and maybe Temple of Soul can track behind uh, one or two of those speeds 7, 4, 5, 10 in race number 3 at Sam Houston. Now we're going to go to race number four. Then we're going to bring in Sam Sherman to help us out talking races four through ten. Following that, we'll do a little, re- we'll hit race 11 and we'll recap the Saturday at Sam Houston. And it is a big day coming up over at Sam Houston on Saturday. We have seven stakes races, $100,000 each. It's pretty crazy to think this meet is uh, winding down now. Joining us again, he's joined us a few different times throughout the uh, the meet. Is Sam Sherman, owner, handicapper. Sam, buddy, how you doing? I'm great, Dino. How are you? Doing well, man. It's uh, I can't believe the time is flying. It's been a, another very successful meet. Had the little little hiccup with the the ice storm there and the and the bad weather for a lot of you in the in the Houston area. But again, uh, the money's been pouring in from the handicappers. It seems like each and every year more people are catching on to the really good product that they've got down down at Sam Houston. Yeah, I think the low takeouts helps, and I know the uh, they've increased purses twice for the horsemen. So everyone here is really excited about that as well. Yeah, I think the. The bottom level claiming races are worth like twenty five thousand now, which is I mean you're not going to find that anywhere else. I don't think so. It's it's really exciting time in Houston. Top to bottom, and uh, this weekend's very cool because on Saturday it's like the final really big day of the meet, where uh, this day is a focus for all the Texas breads. It's cool when the horses who are uh, ones that are running a lot of races and make up the bulk of a lot of cards there at Sam Houston, Lone Star, other uh, other Texas tracks, they get to run for really big money this week, and in particular, you know, uh, people have chances. Just like you do with a horse that you're uh, in uh, in with here, where you just claimed a horse, and now you get the opportunity to kind of take a shot and run for some big money. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like a lot of these Texas spreads, unless you're at the really top end, you have a handful of horses. A lot of them have been in claiming races in the past, mm-hmm. so you kind of you know some of these races you can really take a swing in because um, you know other than the top top Texas spreads, everyone's kind of kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's not like. There's not a lot of separation between horses. You get a horse that's kind of sharp, that's got a, in really good form, or if they're just going to get the right kind of trip in in the race, they they absolutely could win. And um, I think we got some really good uh, wagering opportunities, and we get to see some some really cool horses, some some of the the big name and the better Texas breads that we'll see. So 
Uh, we're going to jump into the stakes race races for all of you following along. We're going to go races four through ten, seven stakes races on the card. So get your past performances out for March the 20th on Saturday. And uh, we got the older sprint here starting things off in race number four. This is the $100,000 Spirit of Texas. And uh, we'll talk with you right off the bat about Shotsoft. Uh, you know this one uh, as you uh, got involved with Gustaf- uh, with Gustafson, who's been having an excellent meet on Shotsoft. And it's cool. You, you win a, a race impressively and, and why not take a shot in a spot like this yeah he was texting me before that race he's like imagine if he draws off by five or six we'll just enter the stake i mean that's exactly <laughs> what happened um I, I definitely was not expecting that i think the nomination deadline was the day of the race so immediately after austin texted the racing secretary said add him to the nominations um really lucky too to ju- to uh the Dodge direct dial in here. I think this race is wide, wide open. Yeah. I mean, you look at, I mean, you got good judgment, who's obviously sharp right now for Asperson, but just like we were talking about, we got a horse who was in for a claiming tag a couple back. And um, you got, you know, other than, other, like, after good judgment, who's sharp. W- this is what you were talking about. You've got, you know, um, Gunner, who wouldn't be a shocker. <laughs> Pilot who wouldn't be that much of a shock He's a suitor who I, I kind of like moved up Into contention on the cutback but Nobody like scares the heck out of you Yeah I think a lot of people in here Are going to single good judgment and I don't think He's a single at all No, I mean, If you just go back and look at the form for his last Two races I mean yeah he won both But he really wasn't beating much You know in that allowance race open allowance He's beating like an Iowa bred And a Texas bred who had both run for 5,000 And the 30,000 you know non Four he beat a Texas bred again he's kind of He's won two races in a row, but I'm not really sure what he was beating in there. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a, a standout by any means in here. Um, yeah, you're. I, I thought the uh, he's a suitor is a bit interesting. I, I like the cutback. Um, he's got a really big effort two starts back when he was uh, runner up behind Good Scout that day, and that allowance race with Good Scout and ready to roll. Just comparing it to the allowance race that Good Judgment comes out of, I thought that one is just like much much tougher. And then he ran into Direct Dial last time out. He broke through the gate before the race and he was actually up in contention. He moved right up on even terms with the leader and then direct dial ran right by him and he tired. And um, so maybe the cutback will help him. So, yeah, I thought he was a player, but um, they they all sort of look in that next tier um, look the same. I really don't think, you know, your your horse, even just based off of numbers and figures and, and, and what he earned last time out, he really wouldn't have to improve all that much to be competitive in here. No, I mean, he was I mean, when they talk about a horse being geared down at the end, I mean, he was geared geared down I mean, I don't necessarily think we're going to win the race but i think we're going to outrun the eight to one odds and i just think i don't know i think good judgment in here is beatable I, i'm pretty surprised direct dial's not in here i guess steve wanted to separate good judgment and, and direct dial but i mean direct dial this race is two to five and probably wins like he looks like a two to five shot i think you know eight horses in here i think almost all of them have a chance to win I agree. Even a horse like a uh, best little man from the inside faced a, like an open claiming race and valiant appeals in, in good form. And um, prior to that, beat Texas bred first level allowance company. I, he wouldn't be that much of a shock if he was competitive. And none of them really like some of them. They're not consistently standout numbers and figures. A couple of them have jumped up and run a big race in here, but. This isn't, yeah, it's it's more wide open to me also than than just good judgment in here. I had him, you know, uh, three seven. Five, four, all, all kind of in the in the same mix. So, um, yeah. a fun race, and there are two pick fives, I believe, on Saturday. So, I think you can play the early pick five, and this will this will be a part of that early pick five. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think this is a race to go deep in if you are going to play that early pick five. And I mean, I, looking at the early few races, I mean, it could if the money's in the pool, it could it could seriously pay a lot. 
separate once or twice from a, a big favorite or two, and that might be the place to do it in race number four. Let's head to the fifth race. We've got Direct Dial here, the star of Texas. Um, I mean, he's he's really good. He's going to try to stretch his, himself out to a, a mile in here after winning at, at seven furlongs last time out. Uh, can anybody beat him? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to win the race. I think Steve, um, Hall of Fame trainer, don't get me wrong, I think he made a mistake by trying to win both of these races. I, I mean, Direct Dial's four to five in here. I, I don't think he's going to win. I, I'd rather take Kanai Bob, who's probably going to be two to one. Just because, I mean, Direct Dials, he's a he's a stone-cold sprinter. He's routed twice. I mean, last time he routed, he was a three-year-old in against, like, Texas Stallion Stakes. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, I mean, he just was the best horse of his, you know, year. So, he won that race. Can I, Bob? I mean, he's a router, and he's done really well. Look, look at the speed figures when he routes on the dirt. I mean, they're pretty, pretty competitive in here. Um, he won, you know, this race last year when it got moved to Lone Star by 10. I mean, he's a... Uh, I would single Kanai Bob. I like that's him the only way you can. Yeah, that's the only way you could play it. I think it, unless you're going to maybe single a middle price horse somewhere earlier in the pick five, because um, I I don't see really. I think it's I, I don't see anybody else beside Kanai Bob. If like direct dial might still be like if he's he's feels like he could still be better than the rest of this group and get the mile. But but Kanai Bob is a good horse and and and, and he's very very capable in here. I I agree. I would lean Kanai Bob because this is definitely the type of situation where a lot of people that know the name Direct Dial and they're they're fans of his will end up singling this horse. And if you can beat Kanai Bob, if you can beat Direct Dial with Kanai Bob in a pick 5 scenario, that'll pay very very well and, and get you probably more separation than they might be on the uh, like on the win end. Yeah, and you might get a better price in 2 to 1 just because like you said, the name recognition of direct dial because can I Bob got third on the turf last out? I mean, he was just on the turf because there wasn't a stakes route that day. Um, so he had to kind of go or sorry, a dirt route. So he had to go on the turf route. I mean, he's not a turf router. I think he's a yeah, he's, he's better on the dirt. He's he's fine on the yeah. grass. He's not bad, bad, but he's just much better on the dirt. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, uh, fifth race, another uh, what we look to be beatable favorite, and that's the key. Sometimes, right? You don't always need twenty to one shots, but if you can beat the favorites here and there, or you just don't, you just don't get strings of like odds on morning line favorites over and over and over. Um, that's where where these rolling exotics can uh, can really pay, especially if you beat Steve. Yeah. Oh, him in particular. Yeah. The yeah. name of the name Asmussen, because that's that's the one. Like the extra. People that are tuning in on a big night like Saturday um, that know Asmussen. Okay, they just throw Asmussen in in almost every race, you know. No question. Let's move to the sixth race. We've got uh, the Groovy for a really cool Texas spread. He earned one point three million. Won the Tom Fool a couple times. Won the Four Go a couple times. Second in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. So we've got three year olds here going six furlongs. Um, where do you start, Sam? I really wish they had made this race the seventh race instead of six. I know it starts at pick six. Um, there's a lot more money in these pick five pools. And I thought this was a really tough race. Um, I mean, I think there's probably a handful of horses in here that could win it. Um, I probably lean towards Dustin favored two back in the last race. I mean, when it says broke slow, he spotted the field eight or 10 links. I mean, and he closed into a pretty moderate pace. Um, it was a really good bounce back effort for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, stone cafe could win. I mean, they offered this horse to me, Back after Lone Star for twenty grand, I mean, what a mistake to not to not do that. Um, get spot here, yeah, yeah. And speaking of spending money on horses, I mean, they spent sixty-two thousand on Bobby Brinkley, the outside horse, and uh, I don't think he's going to win the race. I, I think, um, I mean, nobody can really move move up a horse off Brett Calhoun. I mean, he's one of the top trainers in the country, especially in the region. Um, 
They tried to, you know, turf route, dirt route. He's, I don't know. I think a lot of people are going to be on him, but I think if you really kind of probably pick a handful of other horses in here, Zone Cafe, Dust em, Silence to Oro. Maybe yeah, Silence to Oro is the one to me. He was so impressive last time out. Um, and, you know, his debut race was against Open behind Senior Buscador and that race that's come back very, very strong. He has every right to improve a little bit with that race under his belt. I don't think he he got the lead. He's pretty quick. Um, he might be able to press just off, but he he's going to be forwardly placed in here. So I think, yeah, he, he's another one that you have to use. Uh, um, I agree. I don't think it just you just need Bobby Brinkley in here at all. He's coming out of a lot of the, some of those open races, <laughs> the Texas Turf Mile. So he'll probably get uh, get bet off of those for sure. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the other ones, Stone Cafe, Dustin. Like really, no issue with them. I would love to see a race for uh, uh, maybe one more like recent race for for Lucky Promise. Um, I, the, the last one wasn't great, but it wasn't that like the best of trips that he got. I just yeah, this it feels like another one where there's a lot of those middle like I don't see a thirty to one winner, but there are look like there are you know maybe four horses that could be between like four uh, like five to two or eight to one or so like right in that middle range. Yeah, I mean if Dustin is near his nine to two morning line, I'll be all over that. I mean I think he doesn't want to close from ten lengths off. You know if he can sit. Yeah. You know, fourth and make a run. I think, I mean, closing into a 112, six furlongs when you're 10 lengths back is pretty impressive. They weren't, they weren't flying. I, if he breaks a little bit better, he's going to be pretty tough in here. Yeah. He, he's got much more tactical speed than, than he showed in his last couple. So, uh, dust him, uh, a must use in those exotics too. In the groovy race number six. Let's move along to race number seven. So as Sam was uh, saying, this one actually starts your pick five. There are eleven races. Uh, the stakes races go four through ten, and then there's one more after uh, after them. So start of the late pick five here. They'll go a mile and an eighth on the turf course. We get uh, that rivalry renewed with Sunlit Song with Redditore, uh, Muja B actually beat them in the Houston turf, and then you got uh, Singapore Flash, who's coming out of uh, open races and was pretty impressive last time out. This is a pretty fun race on paper. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'd love Valentine Street to win on the outside because he was the first horse that I've ever owned. I, mean, I don't think he's going to, but that would be awesome. Um, if you're playing horizontal wagers, I'm singling Sunlit Song all day, every day. I mean, I think he probably ran the best race Yep. last time, even though he got second. I mean, the rail just opened up like so wide, and Mujab Jr. just you know was able to get in there. If the rail, I mean, wasn't golden that day, then, then he's not going to be able to win. Sunlit Song, I mean, he's the best turf router Texas bred period um he's good yeah i single him move on if he, if he gets beat i mean there's another 12 percent takeout pick, pick four, four you can play right after um i think he's by far the best horse in this. the only horse i pro- i may use <laughs> along with him uh would be singapore flash uh, if you want to play other horses underneath i do think the six has got an opportunity to hit the board because um if sunlit song he's gotten a little bit more patient with sunlit song he's become a little more versatile as he got older he used to actually be pretty pretty speed uh speedy if he kind of lets the the six go a little bit, I could see the horse hang around and pick up a, a slice and maybe spice up some of your exotics. I'm not sure if Reddit Redditory actually ran pretty well, but I'm not sure if he's like moving in the right direction right now. Um, so yeah, for for other exotics, I I would probably play four, five, six, and and you know that Mujab will come closing if he gets the right kind of pace. But I agree with you. I think if you were going to look for a place to single in the pick five, this would probably be it with Sunlit Song, who just always shows up and run a good runs a good one. You're going to have to get either a really good trip or like someone will have to show up with like one of their better efforts to beat that one. Yeah, and I mean I think if you do single Sunlit Song, it's probably going to pay more than the six to five, just because people don't you know 
psychologically want to get knocked down the first leg right off the bat so it I, is it is one of those things it just happens yeah i, I kind of like singling in you know the first race of a, of a horizontal wager especially on a six to five shot well it's going to pay more than that um and especially if like you said when the, when you got another low takeout wager like if it's the pick five or the pick four you can come right back and play a pick four or a pick three and and it's not quite that way at other tracks because they, they'll have the 10 percent takeout and then a 25 percent pick four yeah. So you got to kind of, you know, weigh your options a little bit differently at that track. At Sam Houston, you know, you come back and play a twelve percent double <coughs> at the end if you have to. You know, that's that's what's great. You don't you don't feel like you're forced to be like you said. You don't have to be defensive. Like you 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 aggressive singling a chalk. Yeah, whatever. But you don't like defensive is is how you play your ticket. You're just going to be aggressive in that race and say, I don't need any more than the chalk. That's fine. Move on. We got op- We got more uh, a bunch of bullets that we can have later on. So uh, yeah, Sunlit Song is. Definitely on that top tier of Texas spreads right now Always cool uh, to see him back out on the track Let's get to the 8th We got the Barrel Lass Another Texas bred who was a graded stakes winner Won the Barber Fritchie The Santa Monica A 17 time winner And we've got Happy Sailor Who has won back to back for Kieran Jacks, we've got a couple of these Phillies who are going to be happy not to be seeing Star of the North, who's uh, <laughs> defeated them uh, a couple times recently. Um, we've got Sam Barita coming in from Open Company, mostly distorted, was right behind uh, Happy Sailor. Those ones will probably take a, a, a lot of the, the money in here. That's a lot of bling for Gustafson. Also wouldn't be that much of a shock. Where do you look? Yeah, I kind of like Austin's horse. That's a lot of bling at 10 to 1. You know, If I'm looking for a price... This is this is a race too where I think a lot of horses could win. Um, I mean, if people are just looking at the form. I mean, last that's a lot of bling. Just totally missed the break um, in the last race. I mean, by far. And I mean, nobody was going to beat Star of the North that day. She's by far the best. I mean, that was a a Texas Stallion Stakes race. So I think she's like a Minnesota bred, mm-hmm. but by a Texas Stallion. So she's not eligible for this race. Um, that's a lot of bling. Close. You know, probably could have beat Winks. Texas. She was kind of like going all over the course. Um, a lot of people are probably going to look too at the Happy Sailor mostly distorted race where they ran one two last time. I think I probably like mostly distorted a little bit more out of that race. Yeah, I um, do too. It, I mean, and watching that race, it, it really still looks like she might have won. Like it was a pretty bad beat, like a brutal bob. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of like you know for these younger horses, you can kind of sit off. And make a run. I kind of like those more than I have to be on the lead to win. Completely agree. Um, and with with Queen Texas, I sort of feel like they might try to get more aggressive in this one because they were behind chasing Star of the North back to back times. And you know, from the rail, uh, Texas Red Bell has got some space uh, speed also to go. So mostly distorted might be able to to kind of wouldn't be shocked to see that's a lot of bling trying to show a lot more speed after that slow start last time too. If mostly distorted tucks in right behind them. Um, no, could get a really nice trip. I agree. I think there's a lot of horses that they either need to be in the lead or right off it to have a chance to win. And and mostly the sword doesn't. Like you said, I mean, she might have won that race. I don't know what yeah, they were looking I, at. I know. Um, I think, you know, Lane Leslie's my guy. Like, I want him to ride all of my horses. But Leandro Goncalves has been awesome on the dirt. Really good. So um, I, that's a lot of bling at 10 to 1. I, it'd be a mistake to, to leave. Leave Rock your ticket, but yeah, I think maybe 
maybe two seven in here. It maybe spread a little bit more, but those are the top two for me. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna probably throw in Samburita a little bit. I think I can toss the last la- uh, last time out when they went a mile, and Doctor Francis is actually pretty sharp. Came back and won on the grass in a good race, and that one's won three in a row. And then those two open races before that, those Fashion Moon canoodling races, those are actually pretty tough um, open like sprint kind of races. Those horses, if they were in this field. They would stack up really, really well. Like they would be favored against this kind of a group. So I think she's a little interesting at sort of a middle price to throw in. If you're if you're playing the spread game and you're thinking about not using Happy Sailor, then I, I would throw her in also on the ticket. But I agree with you. That's a lot of bling is going to be on mine for sure. And I, I probably like mostly distorted most. Just kind of envisioning the trip she could get. Yeah. Let's move to the ninth race. We got the San Jacinto Turf in here, mile and a sixteenth. And uh, let's see uh, I, I guess it's really going to come down for the next two races On uh, what Carl does with, with I'm a discreet lady Because he uh, As I'm a discreet lady who just crushed A lot of these same on the grass Last time out I mean I would be I'd probably be surprised if he didn't come back in the turf With how good she looked against uh, You know Miss Perfecta No Mas Tequila Or, or the, the second and third choices And probably like the next big contenders in here And she just dusted them yeah, I would be stunned if he didn't run in this race just because of the shipper coming in from, from Gulfstream in the next one. Um, I Yeah, I would be very surprised if I'm a discreet lady who's not in this race. Um, but she's not my top pick. Uh, Miss Perfecta is my top pick. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a big benefit to this horse getting in the Asperson barn. The reason is Jose Silva doesn't have stalls at Sam Houston. So they were having to ship up to work, ship up for the race. She shipped in from Arizona to run in that race. Now in the Aspison barn, she can stable at Sam Houston. Acclimated, yep. Yeah, I thought she ran pretty well in that last race. She just kind of was battling the whole time. Never really got to, like, relax. You know, it was kind of like an in-between sort of trip. I'd prefer either just try to get real aggressive and go or make a decision that you're going to kind of take back a little bit instead of kind of being, like, pressing in between all the time. A hundred percent. And, I mean, Stuart Elliott, I mean, he's winning at 25% here. Um for a reason, I mean, the Asbjorn Elliott, they're winning at 31% when they're together. Um, I think Coraluna, her best days, you know, are behind her. Um, I mean, it really probably just comes down to I'm a discreet lady and Miss Perfecta, and I, I just lean Miss Perfecta in here. I think she's going to run a big one. I mean, I honestly couldn't I agree that the only horses I really was making a case for was for them to and possibly for Coraluna to bounce back and maybe need the race uh, connections. <laughs> Told um, uh, Martha Clausen when I spoke with her the other day Prior to the last race that they really wanted to get one more race under her So maybe they're just expecting her to run a lot better in here I might throw her in on one uh, pick four or pick five late But yeah, I, I prefer Miss Perfecta And if I'm a discreet lady in, is in here She's going to be really, really tough uh, You know, if she shows up with anything similar to that last type of effort And I, I, I would be surprised like you if she didn't show up in here Because she uh, she... Probably has a little more competition in the tenth, but it's just a great spot again for her to come to come right back. Yeah, I mean, and Corluna, I mean, really cool mare. I mean, made almost two hundred thousand as a Texas bred, but she was just never running against the caliber of horses like Miss Perfecta or I'm a discreet lady. Because I'm a discreet lady. I mean, she was a sprinter for for years. Miss Perfecta. I mean, her last her last uh, race was the first time in against Texas breds. Mm-hmm. But I think Corluna, when she was running well. Was they just weren't against as tough of groups Exactly Yeah, um, She might be so, a little tougher here Yeah, yeah. I probably Well, not probably She definitely will not be on any of my tickets I think I'd probably just use the two favorites in here I mean, I think for this late pick five I mean, I think it might be one where you just have 
10 horses on it and you don't play 50 cents and you do like a five a five dollar you know you hit repeat a few times yeah yeah i think your pup your pup agrees with you on that one too (laughs) (laughs) no problem they just want to get they just want to get in the show i had my i had a live stream their day and milo jumped on uh right and and was grabbing my headphones and uh and messing around they just get jealous sometimes you know yeah i think that's exactly uh awesome well uh we're gonna get to the 10th race with sam uh in a second just the uh, the yellow rose another hundred thousand dollar stakes race on the seven stakes race saturday card over at Sam Houston This is kind of the final of the the three big days And we've seen a lot of these horses run In the series now And we'll be seeing them run uh, at Sam Houston And then they'll shift over to, to Lone Star coming up But we only have a couple weeks left And this is the final stakes on Saturday So Bernie is the, the horse who's coming in from Gulfstream Park was at Keeneland Was at Charlestown uh, prior to that And took a shot in stakes races against Better And we've also obviously got I'm a discreet lady in here Who's cross-entered for Carl But we're kind of going under the assumption That that one runs in the uh, the ninth race Prior to that So um, Sam uh, who you, you, As far as the, the chalks are concerned Do you think the, the shipper in here is going to be tough? I really do I mean I, I think she's I think she's going to be tough I haven't talked to Carl But like I said I, mean, I think Carl probably thinks she's going to be tough and of the other horses in here, I just don't, I don't really see a lot else. I mean, no, I, and I agree on that. Are, and and she, yeah. at the very least, what she would do is go really fast and probably make it harder on a horse. Like I'm a discreet lady, unless she would want to maybe try to sit, a, sit a bit off. But I think she, she seems like she's kind of best when she's right up in the mix and kind of pressing uh, right in it. So I, she would definitely be making her work. The only other horse I I could include with those, if I'm a discreet lady's in here, um, I, I would use her. Uh, I, the Bernie is is you know going to be hard. It's going to be very quick and and probably tough to beat because you're trying to beat her. And it's like I think sort of bling would be my price just because she, you know tossed the turf last time out and she's been really really sharp. And after I'm a discreet lady and Bernie, nobody else in here feels like they would. You know, scare me off of playing Sarda Bling. So if Bernie for some reason just doesn't fire or uh, throws in a clunker, stops from the rail, you know, I guess she's our fastest would be a, another one. But she's she's just been behind. Um, uh, she's been behind a lot recently. I'm not a fan of horses when they start losing quite a bit. She's been facing yeah. Texas Preds, and she's kind of had a lot of chances in against Texas Preds. Yeah, I agree 100. percent I mean, I think I think it really just comes down to Bernie. I know Sarda Bling is kind of one of your favorites and Jessica Paquette's favorite. She loves her, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think she might be a little overmatched. She in might, yeah, she could. I just don't think like you like just like you said. Once you get past those top two, you start yeah. looking at everybody else. Like Gigi Sparkles isn't in the best of form right now. Um, Light up the devil is stepping up. Uh, she's our fastest too. Like she could absolutely win, but she's not in the greatest of form. I mean, Zaradella we haven't seen run in a long time. It's sort of like default. I just kind of think she's she's a horse who could run okay and and at least be a horse to pick up some pieces. It's it's all going to come down to. What happens with Bernie? Um, are we going to get the kite? Like, was she just in a little too tough? And you can, the thing about her is she hasn't run well in her last few. She's faced better. And those have all been races that have been f- like layoff, then back, layoff, then back. She puts two together now. So she'll probably be as sharp as we've seen her in a while. Yeah. And I mean, I know I've said this to you and to a lot of other people. The drop from open company to Texas spreads, probably the biggest class drop there is in racing. Um, just because I know the purses right now are, are great for Texas spreads, but when all these horses were were bred, I mean, they weren't. Like the allowances were $18,000. So 
it makes yeah. zero sense at all to breed in Texas. So if you have a good one who's been, you know, competitive, who's made $150,000 against open company, then she comes in and, you know, faces horses like she's our fastest. I'm you know, like light up the devil just ran for, for, for $5,000 state bread, you know? Yeah. And this horse ran against grade three company two back and Marinin, exactly. who was running in against graded stakes company out in Southern California. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, she could, she, I mean, she could lose the race. It's horse racing, but this is, this is a, a serious drop in class for Bernie. And she's got the, like, she's got the massive speed too. That's yeah. the thing. She's got big speed. She'll have like probably a length or two on the field and, and she's going to be really quick from the inside. She's probably one of those favorites. It's going to be pretty tough to beat. Yeah. All I could see was, uh, was one, two and five, kind of just assuming that I'm a discreet lady would be out and Bernie will be a, will be pretty tough. I just, I don't even like the two. It's just, you sort of like eliminate, start eliminating <laughs> others. And she just kind of like looks a little bit better than some of the others and you know, like off of connections and stuff too. Um, but the Yellow Rose is the final of those seven stakes races on Saturday. Sam, it has been a, a ton of uh, fun chatting with you again. I appreciate you you jumping on. Still have a couple weeks left, so maybe I'll I'll try to sneak you back in uh, one more time before the meet ends, and uh, and we'll see. Do you have any anything that you have planning uh, after this one this weekend coming up to run? Um, I think we have one entered uh, a week from from yesterday. Miss Aggie Blake, she's going to go okay. back in the training ranks. So it should be tough. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited for Saturday. I mean, it's almost a million dollars in purses. In, I mean, for Texas breads, which is kind of unthinkable. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really exciting day. I think some of the older horses, it's going to be exciting to kind of see them before they move on to Lone Star. Um, there's also, you know, a couple couple upsets that we that we could see. So, um, like I said, I think for the, maybe some of the horizontals, it's one to not just play the minimum amount. It's one to kind of, you know, Double up, triple up, yeah. yeah. And uh, you have good information if you follow on Twitter. You also have an uh, account now where you're, uh, where you're if, if anyone wants to subscribe, they can get your selections and uh, all sorts of horizontal grids and stuff like that. And uh, you'll always post that stuff uh, like day of because you'll get more information. You kind of see what the weather is like. You kind of check and see sometimes if there are scratches or uh, other uh, ways to, to approach the card. So um, Sam is always a great follow there on social media. Let us know again where can we follow you there. It's at Sherman underscore Sam. Uh, Gino, the forecast looks absolutely perfect for Saturday. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, so Love I don't think that. there's going to be any concerns. They'll be on the turf. It's going to be 75 and sunny. Awesome. Uh, I can't wait. You'll be out there uh, with the queso, I'm sure, and a couple drinks, right? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much. Uh, we'll try to link up one more time before the meet finishes up. And good luck. I'm sure it'll, Saturday will be fun. March Madness all day. Sam Houston will be firing away. Yeah, I, I didn't even I forgot about Mark. Mark right? Madden. Yeah, that's wow. going to be the, the first like sixteen games rolling yeah. on all, all day long too. So yeah, we will have a lot going. Oh man, now I'm have to bring an iPad or computer up to the suite. Great there you, yeah, call. screen to wow, screen. Saturday's going to be Saturday's going to be awesome. Screen to screen action. Sam Sherman, uh, great guest here on that's what she said. All meet long uh, throughout Sam Houston. Good luck this weekend with uh, with your wagers. Good luck with your uh, your horse running, and uh, hope everything uh, turns out well for you, Sam. Thanks, Gino. Look forward to talking to you again. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll uh, we'll finish up and uh, kind of wrap up everything for Saturday. Thanks, Sam, for helping us out, talking some Sammy Houston stakes races. So uh, let's roll through those again real quick. In the fourth race, I would lean he's a suitor on top. Um, you know, what are you going to do with good judgment? I do think Shot Soft is one to use. If you're going to go deeper, you probably want Gunner's uh, Elastic Man, Celestic Man. Gold Pilot and Best Little Man I'd probably include in some spots also. I've got He's a Suitor as my top selection there. In the fifth race, um, 
2442, Kanai Bob, and Direct Dial. Those are the only two for me in the sixth race. I love Silence Dioro. I do think that uh, Dustum and Stone Cafe are very logical. Bobby Brinkley is another one who makes a ton of sense. If you, uh, I don't, I don't love him. I, I like a few others more, but he's probably going to be tough. If you need a price, maybe it's uh, Island Sun. So uh, seven, two, three, eight, nine for me in the sixth. In the seventh race, uh, the Richard King. I've got four, five Sunlit Song and Singapore Flash all over the place. Um, below them would be the number six and the eight to use in under exotics and uh, deeper spread pick five tickets. But four, five for me all over in this pick five to start with Singapore Flash and Sunlit Song. In race number eight, uh, I love the two mostly distorted. This might be another situation where I would uh, take a single with mostly distorted. The six horse, Sam Burita, I'll use in a couple others and in some pick fours. The five, Wink Texas, I think deserves some inclusion. Happy Sailor has done nothing wrong, but at the short price, I would prefer a couple others in here. Like, that's a lot of bling. So two, six, five, four, um, and single in the two, uh, two, six, five, seven, single in the two, four more of an underneath to use and trying to beat on top. In the San Jacinto turf, I'm using the uh, four, seven, and eight. I'm a discreet lady, Cor Luna, and Miss Perfecta. Miss Perfecta, I would slightly lean towards, but I would use Miss Perfecta. I'm a discreet lady all over, and Cor Luna in uh, in a couple spots in the yellow rose. Um, I like sort of bling. If if I'm a discreet lady, isn't in here. Bernie will probably be pretty tough, but I will lean towards sort of bling, and uh, and you know. Bernie is probably one to use. She's our fastest would be the next one there. I thought the 11th and final was wide, wide open. Horses that I will be including in the late pick fours and fives. The three, Varnish. The four, Mist of Time. The five, Battle Shabivo. The six, Trade Deadline. The eight, uh, will also be on some tickets. The 10, Mr. Strange. And the 12, Uncle Artie. So just a wide open betting race in the finale we'll spread out there and we should be able to because we we're going to be shortening up in a couple other spots so a big night at sam houston on saturday night it's always a big night over at oldsmokeclothing.com this is a website created by people who love horse racing they wanted to develop quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing would be able to enjoy combining love for thoroughbred racing with a, a nod to the traditions and the the pageantry the clothing line and the products from old smoke clothing high quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience when you use the promo code gino you get free shipping on your order this is a company that was literally named after old smoke john morrissey the founding father of saratoga Racecourse. he was an incredible cult classic character to look up uh, a street brawler a gang member a cargo thief a brothel bouncer a political enforcer he served in the u.s congress and the new york state senate old smoke clothing is named after old smoke john morrissey they have a couple really cool features that i like they give you the opportunity with custom designs to create shirts with anything you want on them, any kind of slogans, any kind of funny sayings that you and your friends might have. Uh, maybe you want to just remember a horse that made you a ton of money or one of your all-time favorite horses. You can do any of that stuff with the custom design at Old Smoke Clothing. They also have the Clubhouse, which is a 
quarterly delivery system. For $500, you get four packages delivered to you, and each of them will include a t-shirt that's only available to members, custom horse racing themed gift, various package fillers, you'll get a piece of headwear, you'll get a designer outerwear, 20% off all orders at Old Smoke, and you get access to the Old Smoke Clubhouse Forum, where you can interact with other members that are horse players, that are horse fans, that are like-minded lovers of horse racing. OldSmokeClothing.com T-shirts with horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats for the big races, slogans, clubhouse, customs. Show the horse racing fan in you. And that promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order. Up next, we've got a special treat for you. It's Kentucky Derby season. There have been massive prep races all over. And every track really that has a prep left just has the one big prep. There are eight massive prep races left, so there's not a whole lot of movement to be made on the derby list for the the points. Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne joining me. We spend about two hours going over Greatest Honor at the top of the list, Life is Good, Mandaloon, all the way down to the horses with 10 points, all the way down to horses like Prevalence, Triple Tap, uh, known agenda, collaborate, who have no points or just a few points. We talk about 40, 45, three-year-old horses, thoughts on all of them, what they may look like in the derby, what their prices might be, do we like them, where they plays, are they plays against, everything, where will they be running next, you name it, we discuss it in as big of a Kentucky Derby triple crown look as you'll find anywhere, Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali join Racing fans, you'll love this. Enjoy. Oh, we've got the boys from the old wrestling rewatch, Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali joining me. But we're gonna put the put a little pin in the old wrestling rewatch for a week because it's uh, the week of March Madness. And so we'll, what we'll do is I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna use and abuse these fellas while I have them here to talk some brackets. We're also gonna talk about the Kentucky Derby current points list because it's it's a really good time to do so right now, guys. Um, after. The Rebel just ran last weekend It's sort of the the moment where we really have like one big prep left From all of these racetracks So there's really not a lot of time left And not a lot of time for these horses to get points Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne joining me here So uh, DZ, I know a lot's been going on in the Darren Zocali world of horse racing uh, With the horses that you own So big congrats on that Um it's it's just a fun. I mean, March Madness this week coming up. We got spring training and baseball. Uh, I know your Knicks are playing with some good basketball over there too. It's a it's just a one of those really great times in the year of sports, and uh, uh, we have a lot going on right now. Yeah, yeah, we're gearing up towards you know the MLB season. I'm I'm knee deep in going through fantasy baseball drafts, and yep. you know I have like head to head leagues, rotisserie leagues, different stat categories and leagues. I mean. It's like my mind is like completely spinning. And then you have March Madness, you know, getting underway and, you know, filling out brackets and survivor and surviving advanced pools and <laughs> betting the games. I mean, I mean it's just individual it's players yeah. pool. We have a draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, all that going on. And then, you know, like you said, you know, obviously with the with the thorough crowd horses and trying to now that all the racetracks are going to be opening again in the next month, you know, the summertime tracks, I should say trying to like map out spots for your horses is just so much more complicated than I remember it being in harness racing. Uh, so I guess thoroughbreds are a little bit trickier, but 
yeah, we, we have a ton going on. The podcast is still is still going along nicely as well. We gave out two thirty something dollar winners on the Friday card at Gulfstream uh, last week, which was really cool. So we're doing well there. We have a lot going on, but it's keeping us busy. And uh, you know, I'm about what am I? What's today? The sixteenth. I'm thirteen days away from getting on a plane and going to Disney World with the family too. So um, you know, I'm going to be very very happy to see their face when they uh, get to drive underneath the welcome to Disney world sign again for the first time in quite some time. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Things are crazy, but it's a good kind of crazy. And Andrew is going to be Darren, hopping Darren. on. A, yeah, I was going to say, Andrew, you're hopping on a plane uh, even, even sooner than DZ. And we're very happy to report that you've got your, uh, your second vaccination shot so far. So uh, congratulations on that. And thank you for uh, just as a, a fellow member of society, I appreciate you showing me that respect by you getting that too. So hopefully uh, all is well with you, buddy. I, I appreciate that. And I didn't mean to interrupt or jump the no. gun, but I have, I have a question. Uh-oh. When do you sleep? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got a lot going on too, for sure. Listen, man. Listen, once you have a kid, you learn how to just cope. Like you find your mechanism. So for me, I'm tired. Yeah, like you just you just have to like learn how to like push through the tire because but it, it's really weird because once you push through the tired and you get out of the tired phase, you find like this third rush of adrenaline that just like sends you. Yeah, it, it's really weird, and, and it takes a while to get used to it. But for me, listen, I have a certain routine. I, my day every day has to start with getting up. I'm at the gym at six thirty in the morning, and I'm there for an hour and a half. And if I don't do that by twelve o'clock in the afternoon, I am on fumes. Like I need that boost of energy. It's but yeah, I don't. I found a way to manage without it. Thankfully, the kids have taught me that. And, you know, one day you'll figure it out, Andrew. It'll get to you. At some point, perhaps. But right <laughs> now, I'm just thankful for some semblance of normality. I'm really looking forward to this week. Headed to Las Vegas. My first trip there since late 2019. Thanks to COVID, I have had to push back a pair of Vegas trips. Really going to enjoy this one. And I'm going to enjoy talking to you guys a little bit about the basketball tournament, a little bit about horse racing. Got a couple of hot takes in both categories. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm happy we're able to do this. As Gino mentioned, got my second shot earlier today. Other than a couple of chills, knock on wood, I feel all right as of right now. If I suddenly drop off, figure it's because I've, you know, had to either call an ambulance or chop off a third limb. That's I was going to say you grew an extra like arm Grow somewhere. out of my forehead. I don't know. <laughs> but just, at any <laughs> rate, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to get that done today. Shout out to the folks at the Oak Coliseum for all the work that they're doing. Shout out to everybody that's doing their part in the midst of this global pandemic. Not easy on anybody. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's not be stupid. Okay, so let's get into these uh, Derby points list. I sort of feel. Oh yeah, like, I forgot we have a Kentucky Derby coming up. Not to I was get gonna say, more yeah, no, and we're, <laughs> say, we're, didn't we just have one? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it feels like hey. it hasn't been a year. And uh, hey, listen, listen. As a, as a spokesman for Churchill Downs, the more derbies, the merrier. All right, the better now. Derby weekends <laughs> that you guys can get. The, bring them on, you know. Just and, uh, not the Breeders' Cup Derby. That is a non-starter <laughs> and should never, ever, is ever, 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 ever happen. Is that still a thing? Is no, that still it's a- oh, not. Okay. It is not a thing. Not. Bobby Flay and Bradley Weisford and a number of people tried to make it a thing and thankfully failed miserably. What, what, yeah. what motivation could people like that possibly have to create a Breeders' Cup race for inferior horses? Yeah. No. What a I don't know. <laughs> what could it be? <laughs> so we, I think the way it, it feels right now, at least to me, there sort of feel like three horses that have 
have kind of, like, I think there's like five that are in a, in a top tier, but I think three are sort of towards the top of that tier. Um, the the number one on the points list is greatest honor. I think he's in that five, but I don't quite have him on the 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 list from what I've seen from Life Is Good concert tour and essential quality. Um, but he's the type of horse who, with his running style, you know, if they go quick up front in a big field like this, if there's a few horses that are showing speed that are pressing. He could be, you know, really tough in the Derby. He's got the Florida Derby coming up next. He's your Fountain of Youth winner and your Holy Bull winner. DZ, what do you think about Greatest Honor? Yeah, the interesting thing for him is that he he's yet to be he's yet to run an exceptionally fast race. Yep. Uh, from from pretty much all standards across the board. I'm not gonna you know bore you with with just constant speed figures here, but you, you, on its face value, he has not run that fast yet. Now, despite that, he's still been able to win. So. And I think when you watch him from a visual standpoint and certainly from a pedigree standpoint, you get the impression that the longer he goes, the better. And mm-hmm. there's that old adage of, can he get a mile and a quarter? Can he get a mile and a quarter? And and the, the smart remark to answer to that is every horse can get a mile and a quarter. So some people do it a lot slow. Some horses do it a lot slower than others. Greatest honor might get quicker or might get faster as the races get longer. And look, in that last race in the Fountain of Youth, I don't know about you guys. I thought in the midway in the far turn he had no chance to win. Because I had Pop, I had Papet too, who went right yeah. behind, and I'm I like, thought, oh, I got nervous because I was like, yeah. oh, here comes Papa too, you know. And he, yeah, just- I bet, I bet the horse that was on the lead just because I thought there was a chance that he could steal the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought I was home in that spot too. So uh, he showed me determination. He showed me some professionalism. He showed me that will to win. These are things that do matter. They sound, you know, flowery and ridiculous because we're talking about a horse, but. That being said, horses of this caliber do need to show those things, and he is showing it. Mm-hmm. We just need him to get a little bit faster because, let's be honest, life is good right now is you know 12 to 15 lengths faster than him from a speed figure standpoint. But the thing that I think he has in his back pocket, as I said, is for him, the longer the race goes, the better. Yeah. The thing that I want to point out is I understand the speed figure crowd doesn't like greatest honor, and that's fine. The points there are logical. What I want to point out, though, is the Holy Bull and the Fountain of Youth are both constructed at a pretty funky route of ground at Gulfstream Park. Because of the short stretch, front runners usually have a decided advantage. Greatest honor has come from off the pace in both of those races. And in the Fountain of Youth, I thought he was completely hosed with a half mile to go. Drain the clock was on the lead. When a horse like Drain the Clock, who has a ton of speed, a legitimate seven furlong speed horse, and gets the first half mile in 47, 47 and change, whatever it was, Drain the Clock is supposed to win that race. And I don't think Drain the Clock stopped so much as Greatest Honor came and got him. I love the fact that the distance is not going to beat him, and the faster they go early, the better his chances figure to be. He reminds me a lot, and I mean a lot, of Orb. I yeah. heard that comparison he a couple of he weeks does. ago, and yeah. I can't get it out of my head. And it's I not just because it's Chug. I think the horse actually right. resembles he, him. Yeah, running agree. style. Yeah. Yes. yeah he, he, it, top to bottom, it's as good a comparison as you're going to get. I think he's got a big, big shot. Does he have to from a speed figure point? Maybe. But I think going a mile and a quarter, a bunch of the horses ahead of him are going to regress, mm-hmm. and that greatest honor doesn't have to improve as much as it looks. As of right now, I wouldn't be tossing him completely. No way. Because he he's the type of horse who, like, I would get very nervous if 
like Life is Good, Concert Tour. Uh, some of those horses are, you know, forwardly placed. And Greatest Honor could be the type of horse that could absolutely just swoop the field, I think. And, you know, uh, he'll he'll need to get that kind of a trip to run down some good horses. But there are no doubt about it in my head versions of this race where he gets that great off the pace trip, even though the Derby hasn't been playing out that much like that recently, where it's completely fallen apart because we don't get as much cheap speed as we used to with the point system. But with uh, a horse like the number two horse in here, who even with Baffert trying to get him to relax a little bit more in the morning, trying to get him to harness that speed, we have seen that life is good. He may not really be able to do that. Um, he, he may be able to sort of harness the speed, but I don't know if he could like relax off of other horses. And he's definitely a horse who has some issues late. Um, hasn't been the most professional late, but damn, Darren, he is super, super talented. There's no doubt about it. He's number two on the points list. He won the Sham, the San Felipe. He will be headed to the Santa Anita Derby next. He is one of five Bob Baffert horses in the top 15 on this point standings list. Yeah, I'll dive on him in just a second, just to add one little thing to what Andrew was saying. And, and the Go race ahead, is getting longer with, with Greatest Honor. Greatest Honor is by Tappet. He's out of a street cry mare named Tiffany's Honor. The dam of Tiffany's Honor is a mare by the name of Better Than Honor. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, Better Than Honor produced not one, but two back-to-back Belmont Stakes winners in Jazzle and Rags to Riches, and was the dam of Casino Drive, and was the dam of of Man of Iron, who won the Breeders' Cup Marathon when that was a thing back in 2009. What's my point? As we stand here right now, I would say greatest honor is probably more likely a Belmont Stakes winner than a Kentucky Derby winner, but definitely keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Now, what you were talking about with life is good. Look, we have not seen in quite some time a horse that is putting up these kinds of speed figures in February and March of that three-year-old season. And we've talked about this a lot in horse racing, where these three-year-olds are not as fast as they used to be, especially from a buyer speed figure standpoint. We used to have horses coming into the Derby running 105, 106, 108, mm-hmm. 110, big figures. And in the last 10, 15 years, horses have been coming into the Derby running 98, 99. Mid to high the, 90s. Yeah, we'd go through the field and say, okay, well, there's two horses in the race with a triple-digit buyer figure. This horse has 100. This horse has 101. Life is Good is now coming off of 107. And he did it while running as green as grass. You know, Mike Smith says that he shies away from the from the infield, you know, video, video screen, board. Which, which is telling you that not only is he he's shying away while still running exceptionally fast. Now, in years past, I would love to try to, you know, poke holes in this horse and say, yeah, well, when we get to the Derby, all of this is going to catch up to him. The 20 horse field, the mile and a quarter, the lack of a foundation at two. But as we've seen, this is a different world that we live in from Kentucky Derby horse racing standpoint. Those things just don't matter the same way they did 20, 25, even 10 years ago. It's a different game now. Life is good as we stand right now is much the fastest horse. What will that mean going a mile and a quarter? Will that all come together? Will he get a trip? Will the experience, you know, you can you can factor that all in. But make no mistake about it. This horse is insanely talented, and he's the one that they all need to run faster as we sit here right now. There's one word that comes to mind whenever I see life is good run. Ouch. Um, I am not an expert on horse confirmation. I know there's a head in front. I know there's a rear end in behind. I know you want an engine somewhere, and I know you want competent wiring on the innards of the horse. Are you going to say he strikes the ground very hard? Is that what you notice? 
I'm going to say he's not exactly smooth mover. I, I agree. Um, and Emily and, Gullickson, who we have have on the show a lot, pointed that out. She does a really good job of uh, paying attention to that kind of thing in the stride. And you know, she watches a lot of races and work. She's she mentioned that when when we talked a little bit about life is good uh, over the weekend. So I, and I'm not. I, I know. I know. I, I agree with you. It's it's sort of weird. It's kind of like uh, what was the uh the the mile winner last year? Why can't I think of it? The horse, the uh, Vacoma. Sort of a coma e like yeah. it's not that swim action, but it's just not a like when you watch from the head on, it's not like sexy like you would think for a horse like this. No, this is a horse that was not bred to be sound, and you can tell just by watching him run. He was bred to be very, very fast, mm-hmm. and he is very, very fast. If he continues to be very, very fast and can get a mile and a quarter, he is head and shoulders the best horse in his age group. However. I'm going to be the contrarian to Darren's point. I think there's a lot of ways in which, whether it's immaturity or any sort of physical things that the horse has, catch up to him at some point between now and the first Saturday in May. And that's not even taking into account the fact that we don't know if he can get a mile and a quarter. He's going to be favored barring some sort of catastrophe. That's just how good he's been running at his likely price. I can't bet him. He was the shortest. Is that right, Darren? I think the shortest future book horse ever, or like the at the, they closed the odds on the recent pool. I yeah. think it was like it, he was at he that was, time. Yeah, eight he to was. Five? He was eight to five with an hour to go in the betting. He floated yeah. up to two to one. Now, look, let's take two thousand and twenty out of the equation because obviously a September Kentucky Derby, where a horse coming into the race having won the Florida Derby, the Belmont Stakes, and the Travers, is a completely a totally different. Right. different yeah. Profile of the horse. So let's talk about traditional derbies. He went off a shorter price in the future pool that closed in March than any post time favorite has gone off in a traditional derby in the last 20 years since wow. Point Given went off at nine to five. That's insane. So That's listen, smart bet. no disrespect. If you're betting a horse at two to one, two months before the Kentucky Derby has been run, not even knowing if he's going to be in the starting gate. You are flat out out of your mind, and I want to know how you make your money, yeah. where you get it from, I, and how I can be a part of it. Please, because I don't mind lighting it on fire the way you just did. Yeah, I'll buck. Listen, send it up. Andrew, Andrew made a very, very astute observation. He's completely correct. He's bred to be precocious, which is a little bit weird because of how long it took him to get to the races, which mm-hmm. could speak to what Andrew is, is talking about. And listen. There are, there are racetrack surfaces that can be more forgiving than others on horses that don't have the smoothest action. Churchill Downs is not no. one of those racetracks. No. Churchill Downs is a racetrack that, if you remember, played havoc on a lot of very talented horses that ran hard. Holy Bull hated Churchill Downs. Skip Away hated Churchill Downs. And if you remember Skip Away... He was not the most fluid mover either. He had this big rounding stride to him that struck the ground very hard. Churchill Downs is unforgiving for horses that have kind of weird, strong action like he has. We'll see. But let's, you know, the speed figures say everybody has to run faster to catch him. But Andrew has certainly made some very good points. And listen, I don't handicap races to tell you that I like the favorite come the first Saturday in May. No. I'm sure 2021 will be no exception. Yep. Uh, as we get to a horse who 
He's the one who right now uh, He's going to be running this weekend in the Louisiana Derby Number 3, Mandaloon He's got 52 points He is the Risen Star winner He'll be headed to the Louisiana Derby this week It's going to be Star in My Dreams Right and Just, Run Classic, Proxy Hot Rod Charlie, Mandaloon Midnight Bourbon, and Obesos They're all entered in the Louisiana Derby Gosh, I love it when uh, when tracks put their entries out early It makes it a lot nicer for our uh, us handicapping the race Because on Tuesday Thank you, night, Fairgrounds Right, yeah, Tuesday night here We're able to talk about the, the Saturday feature and we're able to you know you know Talk about it a few extra days because of The timing of when he runs Darren and and if he if he Runs well again in the Louisiana Derby And and let's say he wins this Louisiana Derby this weekend what'll End up happening with him again is We'll see life is Good greatest honor concert Tour essential quality We'll see all of them again More recently than we've seen Mandaloon and he could kind of be forgotten about a little bit. I have no problem with what he's done right now. He continues to improve. I thought his last effort was really good. And he's kind of got that running style to where he doesn't need the lead. He can sit right behind. He's got enough positional speed to put himself in a good spot. That's sort of the style that's been very, very popular winning the Derby the last, what, seven, eight years? Yeah, yeah. You know, you want to be in a spot relatively close the last few years, you know, to be certain. Um this is a horse that I think is interesting. He regressed. Well, I won't say he regressed because he's run faster from speed figure standpoint in every race. Now, he lost the Lacombe Stakes, and a lot of people jumped off the bandwagon after that. But he rebounded nicely and earned, and earned a pretty strong figure mm-hmm. in the Risen Star Stakes. To run, to run a 98 buyer figure in mid-February of your three-year-old season is, is not bad at all by any stretch of the imagination. And, and it's worth noting that he added blinkers in the process there. Um, so this is a horse that is still improving. And like you said, I mean, he's buying into mischief, which is the same as life is good, but he's out of an empire maker mare. The bottom side of his pedigree is, is really got a load of classic potential. Um, he could be the horse depending on what he does in the Louisiana Derby. You know, if he goes out there and romps by six under a stranglehold, it could be different, but he could be the horse that flies under the radar. And you, a lot of people don't look at the Louisiana Derby at the same level of prep. But if you look in the in the not-too-distant past, there have been some really nice horses that have won this race, including, by my standards, including Gunrunner, uh, Peace Rules in 2003. I mean, there's been some really solid horses. When horses coming out of this race have run well in some of the others, I mean, that didn't even win this race. What, Country yep. House, uh, yep. War yep. of Will? Uh, War of Will, know, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's well produced- in, in- it's Other produced classics. some good horses. Yeah, it has produced some good horses. And and I think you're right. Someone is going to fly under the radar. And, and this, because of those reasons, this horse certainly does fit that mold. Now, keep in mind, it is still Brad Cox. It's Judd Mont. It's got a lot yeah. of sex appeal from that standpoint. It's going to it's going to attract dollars. But, you know, the Louisiana Derby is not necessarily viewed as, as the marquee prep. And that could be to the advantage of the, the backers that believe in this horse. It could be to the advantage of backers that believe in Mandalorian. Personally, I'm just not impressed. And I don't think he's beaten a whole heck of a Then again, you can say that about a lot of horses that we're going to talk about simply because even though there's only one major start that each of these horses is going to take, it's not as if a lot of these horses have a lot of foundation under them. So we don't necessarily know what we're seeing at this point. It's a case where we're definitely going to benefit as handicappers from having that one additional start between now and the Kentucky Derby. 
Mandaloon should win on Saturday. There's just no way around that for me. He should beat that group if he's anywhere close to the kind of runner he's shown he might be. So one thing that I'll add, Darren mentioned the bottom side pedigree, having a lot of classic to it with Empire Maker, obviously, as the broodmare sire for sure. I want them to try turf with this horse at some point because yep. the bottom side is all Judmont, European runners, black type producer, really high quality level stuff. And for those of you subscribed to this theory, there are some that say of the dirt tracks in the United States, Churchill Downs main track plays closer to turf than any of them that is not synthetic. So Mandaloon may well have a shot. I'm just not overly impressed by what he's beaten and how he's done it. Uh, Senor Buscador does nothing for me. I liked Santa Cruiser a little bit in the Risen Star. He did nothing and then came back, not running very well in the Southwest behind his equality. I, I need a big performance from on Saturday to be a little bit more bullish about his chances. Sure, but regardless of what he beats, if he goes out there Saturday and wins, you know, by three lengths and puts up a 103-104 buyer speed figure, I mean, at some point we have the conversation of, I don't know what he's beating, but he's still running fast. Sure, and if, absolutely. And if he's like your fourth or fifth choice, you know, come dirty. Which he, like, which he, which he probably will be. Yeah, because yeah, like, I mean, yeah. let's say the, you know, the horses we're going to talk about. I, in my opinion, right now, the three that I think are the betting favorites are Life is Good, Essential Quality, and Concert Tour, who we're going to get to right now, number four. Oh, so the four, five, and six are are all 50 points on the list. So they're all tied in, in that four, five, six spot. I'd imagine right now, based on what we're, what we're looking at, probably the top 11 um, I say are probably in right now, uh, like tw- like over 20 points. They're probably pretty safely in with just one round of preps left to go. Um, so we got Concert Tour, who is literally following the exact same profile that Nadal had last year. And he actually, his, the, like, the way he's won the races even are a lot like Nadal. Like exactly like the running style. In his second start, he kind of was pressing and he had to work a lot harder than people uh, would have wanted. Uh, and then in his third start, he they just said, oh, no, we're going to put you on the lead and you're just better than this group and you're, nobody's even going to come close. And when they sort of tried to to challenge him you know, towards the top of the lane, he absolutely just repelled them and kicked on. I, I actually have in the fantasy horse racing league, I don't know how I have... Uh, life is good and concert tour on on my squad. Um, uh, but I, I mean, I they're both very very good. It, it's it's amazing, you know. Horses like someone like Bob Baffert has five of these top fifteen. Darren and and people in this industry will try forever to get one horse as good as concert tour. It, it really is, and not only that, but Baffert just unveiled his half brother to American Pharaoh. Triple tap. Who, who, won, <laughs> who won over the weekend, who, by the way, is a three year old. And I'm not saying that that horse is running in the Derby, but it's like, eventually, it's like you look at this stuff and you're like, well, well I mean, this is just getting stupid at this point. Yeah. Like, how, yeah. how many three year olds can you possibly have that are that? Re- remember, good? the best of all of this, the one who was supposed to be the best isn't even on here. Oh, yeah. He, he ran once and it was terrible. Bezos. Yeah. Yeah. He Bezos. Was yeah. The best. He was the yeah. favorite in a lot of yep. the future books. <laughs> you remember? I mean, the, the, but we talked about future weird. I mean, the first time ever that a horse without a start was on the Kentucky Derby future wager, you know, which was put out by Churchill Downs, which was just amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Listen, Concert Tour is showing he's doing things that a very good racehorse does. And what I mean by that is he's showing versatility in how he's winning his races. Mm-hmm. And that is the sign of a very good racehorse where 
okay, in a certain scenario, if I want to lay just off the pace and stalk and pounce, I can do that. In another scenario where I think it's to my advantage to actually just fire off the gate and make the lead and play catch me if you can, I can do that too. That is the sign of a very good racehorse. Now, he has not yet run particularly fast. He didn't improve necessarily from a speed figure standpoint in the San Vicente to the Rebel, but man, did he ever pass the eye test him. And he put away Cattle River, who I think still is a talented horse, uh, like he was nothing. And nobody at the top of the stretch was ever a threat to concert tour. Now, the only one who made up any other ground was the other Baffert who picks up the points. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, listen, this horse has one more race to step, to take another step forward. He's going to go all the way to the Churchill Downs, and he's going to be flying in under the radar of his stablemate in all likelihood, despite <laughs> what whatever he does in his next start. Even, I mean, no matter, unless he wins by 15 lengths and puts up a 115 buyer figure, which is probably not going to happen, but just he's going to fly on, I won't say under the radar, but he's going to be in the shadow of his stable. Mm -hmm. And while the way he runs doesn't necessarily remind me of this horse, this is starting to have a very similar feel to me to Indian Charlie and Real Quiet, where Baffert came into the Derby with Indian Charlie who was a very rapidly developing, lightly raced three-year-old who was getting very fast, very quickly, that a lot of people were in love with. And then he had this other horse who was flying under the radar and, granted, was not doing the kind of things at all that Concertor was doing. He he was a hard-knocking, hard-trying horse that had been around for a while. But it reminds me of that scenario, and just from we have the prize pupil over here in stall number one, and then we have the other horse in stall number two, who could have every opportunity to be just as good as the big-name horse. So it's kind of interesting. We'll see how it plays out, but Concert Tour is the goods, and I have no doubt about that. Concert Tour jumped out right when he broke his maiden at Santa Anita back in January. I looked at that race, and there was a horse that I liked a lot going short named Mr. Impossible. I thought Concert Tour was very well meant that day, but that he had two turns to show his best effort. Well... He wins by three and a half lengths, going six furlongs and one ten and two. This is not your grandfather's Santa Anita, where claimers would go 107, 108. One ten right. and two is a darn good time for any six furlong sprinter, let alone a first-time starter. Concert Tour wins that race, winds up winning the Sani, and then ships to the Rebel, gets to go two turns, and jogs. Of the Baffert runners, this is the one that I think has the best. May even provide a little bit of value. If life is good, wins his final prep, he may well approach point-given type odds of 9-5. to five. And if Concert Tour is 3-1 to one or 7-2, to two, doesn't that hit you as a little bit of an overlap? Yeah, I, I actually think if if life is good puts up another race like he just did, I think he's going to be like six to five. I agree. Race. I think he's going to be five ish. And if I could pick, if if I had to right now, if you said you're only allowed to pick one horse who you think is the is the horse who is the most likely winner of the Kentucky Derby right now, I would pick this horse. There you go. Um, I think the, just like the, what he's shown me, just the way that he, just like you said, DZ, that he can sit off a little bit, but then hey. You know what? This is a race where I think we need to go to the lead. We're going to go to the lead. He seems like he's coming along perfectly. And with all the attention being paid that Baffert is sort of like talking about life is good. And I'm trying to do what I did with arrogant and American Pharaoh and authentic and all these courses. I just like con- concert tour just keeps checking the boxes and just keeps 
doing yeah. what he's supposed and, to do. And and, and and one other thing about it. So, like, life is good. I, he is yet to be tested by a very good racehorse. He has not yet been looked in the eye by a very good racehorse and had to dig down for something extra. And that's just because he's just freakishly fast. Concert Tour was already looked in the eye by Cattle River. Mm-hmm. Boy, I, I, despite the finish of the Rebel, I still think Cattle River is a talented racehorse. I just think Concert Tour is on another level. And, and we saw that in the Rebel Stakes. So in addition to what we've been talking about, you have one horse who has been virtually untested, and you have another horse that has already kind of been tested and shown you, okay, you want to put a good horse next to me, make me run fast early, look me in the eye, no problem. I'll put him away and nobody else is getting close to me, and I'm going to open up in the stretch. Now, if you put those two horses side by side and ask me which one of those two do I want, I'll take the one that has already been tested rather than the one that I'm not sure what he's going to do when a good horse looks him in the eye. It's funny, isn't it, uh, Andrew? And uh, sort of, you know, I guess you, you gave some thoughts on Concert Tour already, but it's sort of, at this point, he does feel like Nadal, and Life is Good sort of feels like Charlatan from last year. You know? A little. And, and it's funny because Authentic's the one who ends up winning the Derby, and they they both are nowhere to be found a few months later. But just from like a, a where they stand and sort of like the perception of them at this current moment, um, yeah, Concert Tour, he's he's you know he, he's excellent. I I really like him quite a bit. The number five and six horses on the list, I, I don't you know I'm not really that high on so far, and I, I don't like it when horses are doing what Helium's doing. He won the Tampa Bay Derby. And now he's going to run in the Kentucky Derby next It's just, he's got his 50 points I just don't think this horse has the kind of foundation To be able to deal with some really nice horses Off of that type of layoff I would love, I mean he's got points I would love to see a horse like this come back Even in a race like the Lexington if he wanted If he didn't want to do that He obviously could run in the bluegrass But um, they're going to train him all the way up to the Derby Yeah, this is a weird decision to me Um, I I don't really, I don't really understand it Uh, he only has three lifetime starts. Um, he's never gone more than a mile and a 16th. And he only has one race since October. So, listen, Mark Cassie is a, is a, is a very nice trainer, very good trainer. Um, but this horse is yet to run faster than an 84 buyer speed figure, which is mind that bird territory. You know, and I understand that that already happened once, but still, that's what we're talking about here. He's run a 76, a 75, and an 84. Now you're asking a horse who's never run fast faster than an 84 buyer figure to have one race in six and a half months to get ready to go a mile and a quarter where he's going to have to run a triple-digit buyer in all likelihood to win the race? I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, see, I don't see how this plan is supposed to work. I'm not saying that he's not a nice horse. I'm not saying that he can't develop long-term into being a nice horse, but... I don't I don't really understand it unless it's just from the standpoint of I mean he's by Ironicus, so he's an on he's an Ontario bred. And unless if it's kind of like, all right, well, if this doesn't go well, we're just gonna run in the Queen's plate for a million dollars. I mean, unless that's what they're thinking, I I, I guess that they don't wanna maybe they don't wanna empty the tank before the Queen's plate. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But yeah. this is just I, I Andrew, I just don't see how this type of game plan is ever gonna work. And and to be honest with you, as a fan of horse racing. I am really rooting against this horse because the last thing I want to see is a horse with one start since October to win the Kentucky Derby because that's only going to make these horses. The trend. Yeah. 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 We, and we've had enough of that. I, think. I hate every bit of this as yeah. much as both of you do. Um, far be it for me to second guess Mark Cassie. 
And Mark we all agree Hansen on that, right? Is, I, we all agree on that. Yes. Yeah. He's one of the best trainers of the but, last But we're all going to do it. <laughs> by any measure. And you know what? I'm actually not going to do that quite as much because maybe it is a case where the horse handle a race between early March and early May. I'm going to go back to the way horses are being bred. Horses are not bred to run 10 or 12 times a year. If a horse runs seven or eight times in a season, there are people out there that will call it a taxing campaign. These horses are just not bred to run as often as horses of previous years. There are people in New York that I love and respect who wax poetically about the days when the Bayshore was run in February, the Gotham was run in March, and the Wood was run in April, and horses ran in every single one of those races, going seven furlongs, then a mile, then a mile and an eighth, and the good ones went to Kentucky on the first Saturday in May. It is a completely different game, and I am going to take the breeding industry to task a little bit here, because horses are not bred to go a mile and a quarter anymore. They're just not. In a lot of cases, they're bred to go an eighth of a mile at two-year-old sales, yeah, like the it. one that's <laughs> happening right now. And I, I think that's backwards. I think that's wrong. And I wish it would change. But too many people are making way too much money doing things the current way. So is it going to change? I don't know. There was a lawsuit that was put out there by several major Kentucky farms against the jockey club who finally stand to limit full crops down to 140, which is still a lot of horses. And farms decided they didn't like that. Guys, this scares me. And it's not going to be the last time we. No, it's not. And, and it's kind of interesting because for me anyway. This horse actually has a more stamina-driven classic pedigree than a lot of horses that we're more going to talk most, about. More than most, yeah. More than most, yeah. I mean, Ironicus is by Distorted Humor, who I think is a brilliant stallion. The dam is out of AP Andy, and if you look on the bottom, if you look, I'm the dam of of uh, Ironicus is out of AP Andy, and if you look at the bottom, it's it's a mare that's by Thunder Gulch. You're talking about the Gulch line, the Saint Bellotto line. I mean, this horse is actually bred to handle this more than a lot of the others, which makes this even more perplexing now again i don't want to question mark cassie he's no. a trainer i'm not listen I, I we have a we have a great trainer ethan west who does great work for us you know if we have a disagreement on, on something i always yield to him because he's with the horse he knows the horse and i say look whatever you think is in the best interest of the horse let's you know let's follow your plan that's fine you know but this to me just well, seems like how do you make that decision so far away is my concern know. right like if he's training in the mornings and you're like hey we're gonna train him and we're just gonna take it and play it by ear and then in a week or two after the race you say oh you know what i think he's gotten a lot out of that race and we'd rather not that at least but it seemed like right after the race they said we're gonna train him up to the derby yeah well for for me and listen i don't want to i don't want to speculate because I don't know anything about the yeah. horse, obviously. But but when when you put this all together, a horse that's this lightly raised, you know, for Mark Cassie, who's who's a guy that's been proven to show you that he'll run his horses, you know, more so than a lot of the other trainers. But it makes you wonder how sound this horse is. And I don't want to speculate, but to have a Mark Cassie horse with three lifetime starts, who's only made one start over a six and a half month period, get trained into the Kentucky Derby, who is yet to run a race fast enough to win a claiming crown race, let alone the Kentucky Derby. It, it really makes you wonder what else is going on here that they're taking this course of action. And I, again, I'm not, I'm, it's not an accusation. I don't know. 
but it just raises flags. It raises a question. Why would you take this approach? And we can guess until we're blue in the face. But the only thing I will tell you is that I will be absolutely astonished if this horse finishes in the top eight in the derby, let alone wins the race. If I may add on to that really quickly, I'm looking at the workouts right now. There's nothing since his win in the Tampa Bay Derby a week and a half ago. Granted, that's not the end of the world. Maybe the race took a little bit out of him. It wouldn't necessarily be a problem if the trainer hadn't already said we're training up to the Kentucky Derby Mm -hmm. because that implies there's some training going on. And right now there's nothing. So that's something to keep an eye on, certainly in the next week, week and a half. And if we don't see anything on the work tab, then I think the questions go even louder and should, in fact, be pointedly directed at the people calling the shots here. Yeah, and I would be honest with you, and I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked if this horse doesn't even make the race, to be honest with you. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't shock me if they just decide, you know what, we've got our graded stakes win, let's retire him. <laughs> well, no, we'll go, we'll go, no, we'll go to we'll Canada go and run in the, the Queens, Queens play. Like, yeah. But like I said, it's just, it's like, I don't understand why you've already got the points now. Like, a, a run, if you want to run in the Derby, a run in the Bluegrass or the Lexington, even if you run dead last, isn't going to hurt you, hurt you and more yeah. than unless it hurts the horse, unless and there's some sort of an injury. But it's not like he ran a monster figure where you're worried about a terrible a bounce, bounce or, or anything. Like it, 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 listen, it, it just all goes to speak to the possibility that this is just a horse that just can't handle that many races in yeah. a short period of time, which if you can't handle a lot of races in a short period of time, if that's the reason. Chances are you're not going to handle a 20-horse field going a mile and a quarter for your first start in two months and your second race in six months all that well either. East, uh, no, we're on Weyburn now. Weyburn, who uh, was a big, long shot when winning the Gotham. Uh, he will be heading to, you would imagine, the wood next. Uh, Weyburn, positives, negatives, anything about Weyburn? To me, I just I, I got to see more. And it's been a while since these New York horses have really been competitive. Yeah, it, it has. Um, I can't remember the last horse. Who's the was Funny Side the last horse to come out of the wood that won the Derby? Is it that far back? Gosh, Sounds right. I think so. Yeah. My, my, that that's incredible. If that if I, if that's true. Um, because I'm going through my head. I mean, I remember Escandereo was the favorite, and he scratched. And there was um, it was I want revenge. I think Frosted won the wood. ran well. Frosted ran well. Strong came out of that race. Uh, yeah. Bellamy Road was favored and didn't yep. run a jump. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, look, the horse came out of a maiden race to win to win the Gotham. Um, the thing, the, uh, the, the figure came back good. Yeah, uh, he, he ran a ninety-five. Now, the problem for me is that this horse went from a sixty-nine breaking his maiden to a ninety-five, which is a massive jump off of a uh, three-month layoff. Um, now he ran an eighty-one in his uh, in his second lifetime start, so. But that's still a 14-point best. I haven't looked at the, the thoroughbred for the ragas and sheets, but I'm sure he ran exponentially faster than he had in any previous race. This horse is probably going to regress in the Wood Memorial, and, my, and, and we probably won't be t- talking about him as a serious contender. He does have a nice pedigree. He's by Pioneer of the Nile. Uh, the dam side is is got AP Indy. It's got Sunday Silence in it. Um, so it's, it, it's an attractive pedigree. Um, the race visually... Wasn't impressive, but the speed figure came back great. But it's kind of a, okay, I've seen it once, Andrew, but I think I'm going to have to see it again before I believe you. I agree completely. I don't think he beat a ton in the Gotham, though I am interested in seeing how one of those horses runs back, and we'll get to that in a little bit. The only thing that I have to add on this, good for Jimmy Jerkins, because Jimmy Jerkins is not a horse, uh, not a trainer, rather, 
that gets a lot of Kentucky Derby type horses. He mm-hmm. had Wicked Strong a couple of years ago, but he's a guy whose horses tend to run themselves into shape. He's an old school horseman. Obviously, his father, Alan Jerkins, one of the best of all time. Good for him that he may well have a Derby horse. How legitimate is I don't know. We'll see. Got the champ coming up next. Essential quality. He's number seven, 40 points total. He will be headed to the bluegrass next, which should be fun because I believe he's going to be hooking up with a horse named Highly Motivated, who I think Andrew might have been referencing uh, a, a moment ago. That's foreshadowing. A moment ago. DZ, it, it's sort of like right now, I feel, you know, as good as life is good, as good as Mandaloon, Greatest Honor, Concert Tour. If this guy just keeps winning and his prep was was really good, he showed he can win on an off track. He is about as versatile as they come too, where he can launch from way out of it. He can sort of track a little more if he has to, and that could come in very, very big for him in a in a big field where he might have to, you know, alter course, switch around. Maybe he has to be a few lengths farther back than normal because of a bad break. He just he's just a good horse. Yeah, I mean it's. It's kind of wild in the fact that, so let's just say for argument's sake, he wins the bluegrass. You could potentially have an undefeated Breeders' Cup winning two-year-old champion go into the Kentucky Derby and be the third choice in the yeah. wagering. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that legitimately could happen. Now, look, if you watch his races, I'm really not sure what you're supposed to knock about him. Uh, we talked about good horses doing things that you know show versatility. Uh, this horse showed you he can win ju- in just literally about any fashion that he wants. Um, he showed you in winning that it, the Southwest Stakes the way he did that it, he can win outside of Kentucky. He's not just a Keeneland wonder, um, so that's great. He ran back and basically paired up all of his speed figured numbers off of the two-and-a-half-month layoff from the Breeders' Cup to the Southwest, even though he missed, uh, you know, his the Southwest Stakes got postponed because of all the winter weather. So he, ha- he had to overcome uh, a little bit of that. He ran well on an off track. He's run well on a fast track. I mean, when you look at this horse's profile, what more could you possibly ask in a horse? Now, I guess if you want to try to knock something, you would say the bottom side of his pedigree is a little sprinty, um, you know, elusive quality, you know, I, I guess that would be something, but but his dam, uh, a horse by the name of Delightful Quality, was a was a darn nice racehorse who, um, you know, was Grade Three stakes placed. Uh, you know, went around two turns. Um, so I don't really see any reason to think that this horse, you know, should really deteriorate that much at a mile and a quarter. I mean, Andrew, if you want to try to knock him, but again. I think what people are doing in that situation is that they're trying to poke holes in a resume that just doesn't have any holes. And to be honest with you, if you like them, I don't want them to have any holes. It's like not he, wanting he can... to vote for Mike Trout for the MVP again. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, well, he's been yeah. there for a while. Let's let's take the new face, you know? Or like, Gino, uh... you shut your mouth about <laughs> Mike Trout. You but, shut your mouth. But yeah. <laughs> I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll give it to Andrew. Andrew, if you see something that you want to, you know, take a swing at this horse, go ahead. I, I just don't have anything negative nice. to say. Darren, why do you think I'm this negative person? <laughs> I don't. I just no. I I don't. I think I think here's what I think. I think you have a way of playing contrarian and devil's advocate very well, which, which I well think on speaks, shows and which and in which work and yes, stuff. 
which I think speaks very highly of your intelligence and the fact that even if it's something you don't necessarily believe in, you find the angles that somebody who has an, a, an opposition view could raise. So if there is an opposition view out there, I'm not seeing it, and I yield to you to tell me what it may be. I don't have one. I like this horse a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think essential quality. Andrew is not. To has, Andrew has no knocks. No, 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 no. <laughs> and you know what? I've actually got a positive that Darren didn't mention. And if he left this out so that I could have the layup, I appreciate it. You mentioned delightful quality of the dam. Well, the second dam produced another really nice horse as well in the form of folklore who won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies going yep. a mile and a 16th. So anybody who says that the bottom side is sprint heavy, that is not necessarily the case. Folklore was a heck of a runner when she was right. So I think there's a lot to like. Looking forward to seeing him run in the bluegrass against highly motivated. And if you're telling me that essential quality is going to be the nine to two third choice on Kentucky Derby Day, sign me up. And it yeah. might be more. It might be like Darren was saying, like if life is good as taking a ton of money, it might be like six to one, which is, which is insane. I hesitate to believe that simply because it's a 20 horse field. Money's going to go in a bunch of different ways. Do we know if there are going to be fans on site on Derby Day? Have they announced that yet? Yeah, we, there's a um, there's a plan. I actually think they they put together a plan to try to even increase it. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 35, 40% right okay. now. Is the plan. Yeah. That's enough for dumb money to start coming in. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think life is good is going to be six to five, three to two, eight to five. I could send a 20 horse field. I don't think we're getting six to one in essential quality though. By all means, if you know of anybody that's booking essential quality at ridiculous prices, give them my contact information and you know, we'll see because that's an investment. I have no problem. This I is would, a really good horse that's already accomplished a lot and showed a lot of talent. I, I would like to know. Let me see if I could find it real quick since we're talking about it. Right now, in well, I, this is wild. So if you there are race books right now in Las Vegas where you can get eight to one on essential quality. Where? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I will yeah. I will uh I will leave it to you to wow, this is wild. That you can you can go and, and find them, but I mean it's basically like a consensus. This is uh it's not telling me. It's not telling me wh which book it is. Okay, but it so is, I'm gonna it, need. I'm gonna need yeah. to take a look, and yeah. you know that's really timely because you know I mean? yep. it's it'll be out there. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, right now there are there are books in Las Vegas where you can get eight to one on this horse. Which now, granted, he hasn't run the bluegrass yet, so it's not as if he's in the gate at eight to one. But if you're telling me right now life is good two to one, essential quality eight to one, that's that's you know rather ridiculous. And yeah. By the way, one one thing I I think we we need to we'd be remiss if we don't bring it up. Um, you know, Godolphin has been trying forever to win this race. Uh, I remember because I bet on the first horse they ever brought over here uh, under the Godolphin colors, which was Worldly Manor back in 1999, who I swear to God, at the top of the stretch, I thought was winning the Kentucky Derby. Um, they've been trying to win this race. The Sheik has been trying to win it for 25, 28 years. But under the Godolphin banner, they've been trying to win it for about 22 years. Um, they've had a couple of, of legitimate shots. Frosted was a legitimate shot. I think without question. No matter what he runs against, this is by far uh, and could always be the best chance that they ever have of winning this. Completely agree. 40 points for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner, the Southwest winner, headed to the Bluegrass next. And this next horse, uh, Medina Spirit, you sort of feel bad for. Um, 
it's funny the way who, that who the, trains him? Yeah, Bob Baffert, 30, <laughs> 34 points. And uh, this Baffert uh, guy might have a future doing this stuff. So he's now got three of the top eight of on this list that we're talking about. It, it, the narratives are, with with these horses um, are, are funny because uh, when he when life is good beat him in the sham, a lot of people came out of that race very disappointed with life is good. Thinking, oh, he was supposed to be this hot horse And right. uh, Medina Spirit almost ran him down And Life is Good was kind of goofy late But then Medina Spirit comes back And wins the Bob Lewis Where he battles from the inside And he gets challenged by a couple others And he and he like battles him off all the way And then he comes back again And he might have, in two of his last three races Not necessarily been ridden with the intentions of winning Maybe ridden with the intentions of Finishing second and picking up some points um, And maybe not battling with his Stable mate life is good But I'll tell you this horse has a lot Of ability and he'll fight um, I think he's Headed to the Santa Anita Derby next uh, So he'll gonna you know he'll probably have to He's either headed to the Santa Anita Derby next Or he's gonna deal with life is good or the Arkansas Derby would be dealing with concert tour I'm kind of curious why Baffert wouldn't maybe spread him Out and send him to the bluegrass but um, Maybe he just figures we probably got Enough points to get in already we can pick up another Second and third and we're already in the derby But this horse has some ability DZ Yeah so it, I kind of Feel bad for this horse because yeah, It's like right. it's like Baffert is like Spreading everybody else but you you're gonna run against life is good each and yeah. every race. <laughs> You're like the redheaded stepchild, right? Yeah. Like we have, like, yeah. You and know. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that means that Baffert thinks highly of him, that he's keeping him in that company, or he's like, well, whatever. You know, this guy's probably like my fourth stringer at best, so I'll just get enough points to maybe run second in these races and get him in the starting gate, and you know, whatever. Maybe that, maybe that's the plan. I, I don't know. Um, you know, Andrew said something earlier about about a, another horse, Mandaloon, that I'm going to say about this. I think this horse might be a turf horse. Um, I, I his action to me, it, it it just looks a little bit turfy. And and if you go through this pedigree, you know, Protonico on top, Giants Causeway on on the dam side, you've got you know Brilliant Speed, who was a synthetic horse, Dynaformer. This horse to me might have a future on, on the turf, which is kind of interesting because Bob Baffert, of course, is not known by any stretch as a turf trainer. Um, but, and obviously a Bob Baffert three-year-old at this point who has talent is not going to run on turf. Um, but that being said, I, I do think that it could be in his future. Um, look, he's never run a bad race. Um, he's just run into life is good a couple of times. He's run to the tune of a 99 buyer figure in the sham stakes. I, I mean, there's nothing overly like impressive about him from a standpoint that jumps off the page, but it's because he's been running in the shadow of his stable mate. So it's really hard to get a real good feel about how he stacks up against everybody else because you keep seeing him running these life is good type races, which are very weirdly run races. Um, so to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure how good this horse is. Uh, I don't know if he wants to go a mile and a quarter, Andrew. I have no idea, and I'm curious to get your take on it. But for me, um, I, I would love to see a race that he goes in that life is good is not in so I can get a better gauge on him. In any other year, I know exactly where Baffert would send this horse. Sunland. Baffert, exactly. The yeah. Sunland Derby. That's this horse. That's this horse's M.O. He's not going to beat a Life is Good. He's not going to beat a concert tour. But they would send him to the Sunland Derby for a lot of money and a lot of derby points. And he would probably jog. Unfortunately, Sunland Parks has been canceled due to COVID. Thanks, pandemic. Really appreciate that. 
Now, as far as Miss Spirit goes, first of all, this is just a wild story because we envision Bob Baffert trainees as being these blue-blooded horses that look like they're chiseled out of stone. Medina Spirit was initially sold at auction for $1,000. The pinhooker turned them around and sold him at a Horses of Racing Age sale for $35,000. Like, that's something where, you know, you, me, you know, all three of us here could find seven other people. We could all find $3,500 and then bought Spirit. How stupid do we feel now? Because this <laughs> well, is a horse that has never run a bad race, and his only crime has been running into the other freaks that are in his barn. Um, now, as far as whether or not he can get a mile and a quarter, I don't know. Uh, Protonico was around forever. Brilliant Seed was around forever. It's a weird pedigree. He's a Florida bred, and there are a lot of Florida sired and Florida bred stakes races that he could potentially run in at some point. I don't know if he wants to go a mile and a quarter, but this is a cool little horse that's just getting completely lost in the shuffle. The next two horses are going to be running this weekend in the Louisiana Derby. The number nine, Midnight Bourbon, with 26 points. The number 10, Proxy, with 24 points. Um, As a horse... I, Midnight Bourbon is like a really big horse who uh, Asmussen had said from the very beginning of the series. He thought that as the series went on, he would improve and just get a little bit more foundation. Um, so I'm I'm a little curious to see how he runs this weekend because if he can jump up and improve, and if he were able to turn the tables on Mandaloon, he's got a nice like. The thing about him is with his running style, he wants to be forwardly placed. He's a big guy, so he's not going to be. Coming from five lengths off of it, I don't think he's going to be the type of horse who can get started and uh, get start stopped, and you know, and and have to maneuver around. But if he's able to kind of sit a, a three wide trip in the clear, or if he's up on the front end, he's an interesting horse with some ability. A proxy actually outfinished him when they raced against each other in the Risen Star. So these were your two three finishers behind Mandaloon in the Risen Star. Any thoughts, uh, positive negatives on uh, Proxy Midnight Bourbon? I think this is probably sort of the line DZ where it feels like these two are probably in no matter what, maybe even hidden stash are, are probably in no matter what the results of the next couple of weeks or the last round of preps are 20 is usually around that cutoff point. Yeah. Pro- proxy. We talked about, you know, horses being like, you know, the other horse proxy is actually the other Godolphin horse, yeah. um, you know, sending in, you know, they're, they're sending two quality horses uh, to the Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, look proxy, his buyer speed figures, you know, they're improving. Um, he's run, he's never run a bad race, um, continues to develop. He's got a good race going a mile and an eighth. He outfinished um, Midnight Bourbon, which I think mm-hmm. is, you know, to, to his testament. Yeah, that, that's a positive. Um, you like the consistency. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the pedigree. Uh, you know, tap it on top and include Mare. And while include was nothing sensational, you know, you talk about when you when you take a look at this horse's bottom side, include private account down there on the bottom side of the family. I mean, it, it's kind of a pretty cool, uh, hard-nosed, hard-knocking type pedigree that I like. Um, so he's an interesting horse. I like the fact that he's continuing to develop, and I look forward to seeing his next start. Midnight Bourbon, I'm a little less bullish about because I feel like maybe he just he caught uh, Mandaloon on an off day in the LeCompte, and he ran a great race that day. And things got a little bit faster in the Risen Star, and he wasn't quite as good. 
Um, and that that kind of concerns me, you know, just a little bit. Um, you know, the bottom side, now this is one I think we could say, Andrew, where while he's got Tiz now on top, I do think the bottom side of this horse's pedigree is a little bit, you know, sprinty. Um, you know, Malibu Moon, yes, it's true on the bottom, you know, has more miler type feel to it. And the fact that this horse did not finish as well going a mile and an eighth, I think, is a legitimate concern. Um, so I don't love him at the mile and a quarter derby distance. And out of the two, as we stand right now, I would prefer Proxy. I'm not particularly over the moon on either of them. Um, but out of the two, I, I would give Proxy a slightly a, a slight edge to right now. Yeah, you sort of took the words out of my mouth on a lot of this. Uh, Proxy does have bottom side pedigree that indicates he wants to go long. The broodmare's name, I have no clue how this got past the jockey club. This is yeah. one of those all-time face <laughs> poems. Panty Raid was the name of the horse. <laughs> a five-time winner, banked more than a million dollars and won several graded stakes races. This was a grade one winner, won both the American Oaks and the Spinster at Keeneland. So this was a mare that could absolutely run. So it wouldn't shock me if Proxy got better as the distances got longer. I don't necessarily think Proxy is a derby horse. He's another that strikes me as maybe a Belmont horse. Tappets go long. Any raid went very long. I think Proxy has a big shot the longer the distances go. And maybe he's the clunk up horse in the Kentucky Derby that always seems to run third or fourth at a gigantic price. And you're left wondering how the heck did that happen? Well, maybe that's this horse because if anything gets him beat, I don't think it's going to be the distance. Uh, Hidden Stash is number 11 on the points list. He has 22 right now. He, I mean, I, I, back, I played him in the Sam F. Davis and... He loomed up and he couldn't switch leads It looked like he was going to go right by And then in the Tampa Bay Derby He made a big sweeping move Bejarano jumped back aboard uh, He looked like he was going to win easily And uh, Helium was able to get the job done that day So Hidden Stash with 22 points Third in the Sam F. Davis Second in the Tampa Bay Derby You'd have to imagine Bluegrass feels like It's a great spot for him to go next If they want to continue on I don't think they're going to try to just run him So I do think they're going to Get a, a race under him um, Hidden Stash, you know, he's still a little quirky But I feel like one of those two races He should have won Yeah, you know, I, I I thought he came with a with a good run At the end of the Tampa Bay Derby But I, I thought I thought in the middle of the stretch He was going to go by Helium oh, I, thought yeah. he, I thought he was exploding home And then he kind of hung um, To be honest with you, he ran better than I thought he was going to Because I, I thought that the Candyman Rocket Hidden Stash race was a little bit phony And while Candyman Rocket kind of, you know, raced to that point, Hidden Stash did not. He ran well. Um, but I think he ran well in another race that was just rather lackluster. Yeah. Um, so for me, this is a horse that's just found a couple of spots that he's been able to run well in because the level of competition was below par. Um, and I, I just don't think he's anywhere near fast enough to compete in the Kentucky Derby. We're starting to get into horses where we yep. would really have to stretch in order yep. to see them being win candidates in Kentucky. I agree. Hidden Stash, nice horse for a very competent barn, has cashed in some big races at Tampa Bay Downs. But if you can't beat three-year-olds at Tampa Bay Downs, I'm sorry, I can't see you winning the Kentucky Derby. I just can't do it. The, the current horse is stacked from like 11 through 20. Um, I don't even know if there's like one win contender for me personally. Um, w- w- as we look at them, um, Hozier, 
who is number tw- uh, or number 12 right now is Hozier. Him and Crowded Tail are 12 and 13. They both have 20 points. Uh, that they Baffert both... guy shows up again. I was going to say, hey, Baffert, one more time here. Here's the fourth time Baffert's going to show up with the top 12. So four out of the top 12 horses on the list and four horses that are probably already in the starting gate come the first Saturday in May uh, because you'd imagine that one of the three horses in front of Hozier that's another Baffert is going to pick up some points. So it's probably not going to be a new horse from behind him that's jumping above him. So he's probably in, but of the Bafferts, he's, he's definitely got a different uh, profile, Darren, in running style. He's not nearly as fast as the others. And he improved quite a bit when he stretched out from a sprint to a route. So he, he feels like more of a distance type of the Bafferts. Yeah. It's, he's kind of like, uh, I don't. I don't want to say the opposite, but certainly, you know, not not a a prototypical Baffert horse yeah, by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. And it just goes to show you, you know, uh, he's really going to get this horse into the Kentucky Derby in addition to everything else <laughs> that he's I got know. in. Like, is that actually going to happen? You know, if I would have if I would have told you on February the sixteenth, hey, you see that horse yesterday that won his maiden? It was kind of like okay, yeah, he's going to be in the Derby too for Baffert. You'd be like, come on. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, he's a pioneer of the Nile, but you got Henny Hughes on the damn side. Um, I, I think he was just passing some tired horses in the stretch of the Rebel. I don't necessarily think this horse really wants to go that far, to be honest with you. I, I think I think somebody had to be second to Concertor in that race, and it just happened to be this horse. Um, he's also very lightly raced. We'll see how he improves from here, if he does improve from here. But, uh, yeah, for me, this horse, you know, for Baffert is not really at the top of my no, not at the top of my list at all either. Good second in the Rebel behind a stable. And a horse that actually debuted in the same maiden race that Concert Tour mm-hmm. ran in back yeah. in January, where I thought both of the Bafferts maybe wanted to go two turns. There's some class at the bottom of this pedigree. Mary Meadow was a very, very good horse. She was just a very good horse up to about a mile. So... I think Hoja, if they, obviously, if they get derby points, they're going to go in the derby. They're not going to pass that up. But I think this is a horse you may want to keep an eye on, potentially for a race like the Allen Jerkins at Saratoga later this year as like a seven furlong mile type for a horse that may still be figuring things out. We go to Crowded Tail, who was second in the Gotham. They will head to the wood next. Um, He's got 20 points uh, picked up. But again, I, I... the, of the wood, I, I don't know if I was intrigued by the top two finishers as much as I was intrigued by the third place finisher, who I think has a little bit of upside. Hey, Gino, DC. I don't know if you want to start over, but it's crowded trade. Not oh, did I say trade? Oh, did I say tail? Yeah. I wrote tail. Oh, I don't. I don't care. Crowded trade. Thank you for correcting me. We can. No uh, problem. Yeah, that, that's Just why. That's why you're here. You, uh, that's why you're here. Crowded trade. Yeah, crowded tail. Uh, I don't know why I have that one down. Twenty points. Um, I was like. Where the hell am I getting tail from, right? Milo <laughs> somehow. It's I was going to say, was I watching something and tail? Who the hell knows? Smoke another one, Gino. Um, <laughs> D- 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 um, it's not like he's done anything wrong. He's lightly raced with, with upside. It's just he, he feels like he's going to have to improve a lot to, because that's the problem with everyone here, right? If he's improving and everyone else is improving, is it going to be enough improvement for him to keep up with the others in front of him? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even gonna like hold it against him that he got beat there. No, you know, not at all. who came back because it was his second lifetime start and he ran well, but it was a second lifetime start. Um, this is a horse that you're going to need. You're going to be asking him to do a lot in a very short period of time. You have other talented horses in here that are going to come into races with 
you know, three, four, five races. It, it, I think it's really, I mean, unless this horse comes out and just runs this monster race in the wood, which I'm not really anticipating, you know, he could, he could win the race, but you know, the, the New York path, as we've said, has not been the path of champions for the last 15 plus years. Um, and I think at this point where we stand today, you need to get real creative to kind of, you know, land on this bandwagon out of all the horses with all the upside and all the things that we've talked about uh, to think that crowded trade is going to be the one that takes that step up into the next stratosphere. The next please, two, please oh, try ahead. turf. Please try turf at some point. Please will. try turf with this yeah, horse. They Buy will. more than ready out of a jump start mare. Chad Brown, they will. Yeah, that's yeah. all turf. Running those three-year-old turf races later in the year at Belmont and Saratoga, I think that's the type of race this horse wants. I'm not going to hold the Gotham against him no. too, too much, but he's getting a late start, and I just think he's not quite up to snuff as far as this derby is concerned. Now, yeah. as far as the Belmont Derby, Saratoga the Derby, Saratoga Derby <laughs> the Hollywood Derby later this year at Del Mar, yep. maybe. Those are the races, I think. Andrew, I, I think this is just, this is a prototypical horse that's trained by Chad Brown for, for you know, Seth Klarman and Clarabitch Stables, who they think is a, a very good racehorse, who they want to try to get him into a spot where they can say, hey, you know, from, from a stallion, a perspective stallion standpoint, he is a graded a grade winner, you know, grade two winner, grade one winner, whatever. On he won dirt. the wood and he, he won, won the dirt. Yeah. yeah, he's won on dirt. He's won on turf. He gives you everything. He's, you know, I really think that's kind of what this comes down sure. to. I, I have no doubt that I would be, unless this horse just turns out to be an exceptional dirt horse, which I'm not banking on. I really have very little doubt that this horse is going to end up in all the big three-year-old turf spots in the, in yep. the summer. Absolutely. We're in the same boat. The next two kind of feel the same to me. Um, Spielberg is 15. He came off of a, a a better race last time out when finishing second in the Southwest. That was probably because of the weather that day. Uh, he's your low South futurity winner. He has 14 points. The horse, uh, he has actually 17 points, excuse me. The horse right in front of him, keep me in mind, he has 18 total points. He was sixth last out in the Rebel. Now keep in mind, he is a horse who's had some issues over the last couple months where he was down there, was going to maybe run in the Southwest. That it, or I think there were also plans about him maybe running in the Risen Star. They changed plans a few times. They ended up um, in the uh, in the Rebel and the the race that he won. Well, while he was very good at, at two, the race that he won came has come back awful, awful. It was so lowly graded on basically all the speed feet, speed figures that you look at, and all of the horses who have come back out of it have not really run well. So I just don't know if he's heading in the right direction. He might be one of those horses, DZ, who was maybe just a little bit better than than most at two, and I don't know if he's improved, but I guess he's only run once this year, so it's probably uh, maybe too soon to completely say that about him. I'm really conflicted on this horse. Yeah. Um. You know, for from this standpoint, if you take a look back at his two-year-old form and you say, okay, well, you know, he ran second in his debut. Then he ran into Essential Quality twice and ran two very good races, finishing not too far behind him in the Breeders' Futurity and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Then he got away from Central Quality and won a stake race. And he had all kinds of issues this winter, getting in his race, his race being postponed. Where are we going to go with him? Are we going to go to the Southwest? Are we going to go to the Rebel? Like, there was a lot of indecisiveness here. Um, so... I don't think I don't think by any stretch of the imagination was this horse at 100% in the Rebels. I think he will improve. I, I just, like you said, I just don't know how good he is. Um, 
and, and I'm kind of conflicted because I think he has a chance to develop. I think he has a chance in the long term to continue to get better. I know that that Kentucky Jockey Club stakes did not come back good. But well, you uh, said he actually he the horses that he was competitive with before that right. have all run well, have run right. essential quality. They've come which back and run I'm, fine. Which is why I'm conflicted on him. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think listen, it it would take a a monster effort in the Arkansas Derby for me to believe in this horse. Um he's got a he's got a, a an interesting pedigree. You know, I, I'll tell you what. For a horse that, you know, was kind of a, a bit of a joke, you know, winning the Jim Dandy, breaking his maiden, Laoban has turned out to be a nice little side. Yeah, he's not, he's not bad. bad. He's not. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's thrown some nice horses. Um, and obviously, if you take a look at the damn side with Victory Gallop and everything, the horse, you know, should should be fine going along. Um, yeah, but Andrew, I just, I don't know what to make of this horse yet. And a lot on, on my overall opinion of him will ride on what he does in his next start. I'm going to say this and then I'll move on. Leoban may have been the best horse of his crop to win a graded stakes race trained by Eric Gio. Um, <laughs> I don't take shots at trainers lightly, but I think Eric Gio has, you know, lost any and all goodwill that any rational person could have ever had for him after some of the sagas that are on social media. So I'll say that and I'll leave that there. I liked me in mind a lot in the rebel because I thought, okay, this is a horse I did not like in the Kentucky Jockey Club because I didn't think he would get the pace he needed. He didn't get the pace I thought he needed, and he still won. Well, he goes to Oaklawn, first start since November. Perhaps he needed the race, just fell completely flat. Could I potentially give him another shot in the Arkansas Derby if there's a pace set up that could work in his favor? Maybe, but this is one of those horses, and we all have them, where we're always wrong. Whenever they show up, if we think they're going to fire, they don't. If we toss them, they either win or run second and break up your exotics. That's this horse for me, I think. It's early, and maybe we draw a line through the Rebel thinking maybe he needed the race, but there is a lot to go off of there, and he probably did need that race to a certain extent while still needing to move forward. Now, Spielberg is an interesting case because Union Wait, wait, so who's he trained by one more time? Uh, that white-haired guy, Bob something so or other? This is his fifth. Spielberg is number 15. Uh, so Baffert has five of the top 15. Yep. And last year, he was campaigned like he was Bob Baffert's best two-year-old. This was a horse that ran in back-to-back grade one races in September, despite being a maiden. Baffert does this sometimes, but usually with horses that he thinks are loaded and ready to run. The horse ran second in one grade one, ran third in another. He was third in the American Pharaoh and did not run well in that race at all. They keep him against Maidens. Looks great at Del Mar. Blitzes a field with probably the best race he's ever run. Horrible in the Bob Hope. Wins the Los Al Futurity, which is now a grade two. So he's a grade two winner. I didn't like his race in the Bob Lewis. I thought it proved in the Southwest. And maybe there's a chance he's figuring things out and he's obviously in the right barn, and they thought a lot of him last year, but this is another horse that I think is a really tricky read. I got to tell you, though, I'm just waiting until we get to the next horse on the leaderboard because this is a horse that has sparked several social media rants from one Darren Zocali with proclamation. Andrew has proclaimed this behalf. the Belmont winner. You're Ron, Belmont winner. Ron Bauer, who he uh, won. I didn't get to talk about Spielberg. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think about uh, Steven over there? 
I think he's the Derby winner. No, I'm kidding. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, top pick, man. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going right over my top pick. Uh, no, listen. I, I made an Indian Charlie real quiet reference before. In all honesty, if you're talking about a horse profile, this is real quiet. <laughs> this is a horse that that has run uh, eight times, which you know you don't really see anymore, especially with Bob Baffert three year olds. I mean, his last race was better, you know, from a speed figure standpoint. He had never run a, a fast race before that, if you want to call a 90 fast at, at this point in time. Um, it's just like it, he's such a weird horse compared to the others. Uh, I agree with everything that Andrew said. He's kind of in and out. He's almost developed a, a good race, bad race kind of pattern right now, which, you know, really good horses typically don't do. Um, you know, for, but from my money... If you're going to like a Baffert horse, this is probably not the one that you're going to land on. But, you know, if Baffert is trying to break a record of getting horses in a starting gate for the Derby, uh, you know, well, okay, might as well put this guy in there too. Okay, Andrew, let's get to your boy, Ron Bauer, who is the El Camino Real Derby winner. He's number 16 on the list. He has 14 points. Have that, Have they said San Anita Derby with him? I'm not entirely sure. The one yeah. thing to note with Ron Bauer, though, in the El Camino Real Derby gives him an all-expenses-paid trip to the Preakness. In all honesty, what I would be surprised with is if they run in the Lexington. Or, and what about Turfway? Maybe. Is he, do you know? Is he, is he even like a... Uh, yeah, he's eligible. Yeah, he's, not, okay. he's, not, he's nominated for the... Um, well, now it's the Jeff Ruby stakes, but yeah. you know, the, the Spiral or... Yeah. What was it before the Spiral? It had a cool name before. Binary? No, no. Wait, that was the yeah. Was no, it, wasn't it the gallery furniture race? No, it was some. What the hell was it? no? It, it, yeah, but it, that was it. The Jim Beam. It, right? Yeah, that was it. There we go. Jim yeah. Beam. That was it. Yeah, yeah. He is. He's eligible to the uh, Jim Beam slash gallery furniture slash that spiral. That makes sense slash... with his synthetic <laughs> win, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's I wouldn't synthetic when he goes there. Maybe wouldn't be surprised yep, to see him. And, and the way Turfway has played, I mean, Turfway's meet has been the kind of racetrack where. It's favored horses that have come from off the pace. You could win on the lead if you, you know, ration out your speed and you don't get, you know, completely pressured every step of the way. Or if you're, you know, the greatest three-year-old filly in the country, like Threat Level Midnight, you can go wire to wire. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, plug for thorough crowd. But no, there you go. I, I, I think, I think, uh, I think Andrew is completely onto something, and I think it would actually be a very smart move if, if that's the plan that they take. Yeah, I think they're going to run him once, and if he has the points, maybe they go in the derby. Otherwise, you've got a shot, in the, you take the extra two weeks, and you go from there. Gino hinted at this, and I need to expound, because finding a Belmont went far in advance has been my white whale. And this <laughs> been the case, going back to when I worked in Saratoga, and I saw a two-year-old named Commissioner break his maiden going a mile and an eight at Saratoga. I bet I turn to people next to me on top of the press box for Saratoga. This was in September. And I said, there's your Belmont one. Nine months later, commissioner goes in the Belmont 35 to one. Yep. He leads every step around the racetrack and gets nailed by tonalist on the wire. My bad. <laughs> horrid. Kill, Just kill me. Kill. Horrid. Um, so ever since I have been obsessed with trying to find Belmont winners very far in advance, the way Ron Bauer won the El Camino Real Derby. And I am not saying he beat anything in that race because 
other than Javanika, who's a decent three-year-old filly in the Godolphin colors that I think we'll hear from in some big spots later in the year, mm-hmm. I don't think he beat anything in that race. But I love, love, love the way that he did it. There's no acceleration with Ron Bauer. This is a grind-it-out closing type that will just keep throwing these 12-inch furlongs at you no matter how long you ask him to run. That's a Belmont-type horse. Yep. Is he a Derby-type horse? I don't think so. But if you get to the Belmont where the Derby and or Preakness winners just decide they don't want to show up, horses that aren't necessarily bred for the distance are being kept for races like the Haskell and the Travers later in the summer, this is the type of horse that you want. Now, for purposes of a Derby conversation, He's an outsider, and I don't think he's got that much of a shot unless they go bonkers crazy up front and the entire race falls apart. But not in the first Saturday in May. The first Saturday in June? I think <laughs> you've got your winner here. So, whoa, I think you have your winner. There we go. In, yeah. in, in, all, in all seriousness, I, I actually do hope this horse wins the Belmont Stakes because I would give Andrew so much praise for the I know. So would I. Shot. Six so months far. early. For, I know. I mean, for if you spot a horse in the El Camino Real Derby and say, you know, that is the horse I'm betting in the Belmont Stakes, and that horse wins, I will worship at the shrine of Andrew Champagne forever. We will have um, a second. <laughs> now, listen. Yeah. And, and, and I'm dead. Listen, we're all friends, and we have fun back and forth. Like, some people on social media get crazy, but we're all friends, and when we go back and forth at each other, it's really just kind of like usually to to, to, to spur a, a conversation exactly. or to have fun with each other. Bit. But yeah. believe me, there's absolutely no animosity whatsoever whenever you see me, Gino, or Andrew going back and forth about a horse race because we're probably simultaneously texting and laughing about it. Exactly. Um, uh, listen, a- Andrew was talking about like he wanted to spot a Belmont winner. Here's a very quick funny story. In 2009, I was earning my chops over at the Meadowlands, and I was um, I was given a lot of the looks in the thoroughbred stuff. Because Sam McKee was was a harness guy, Ken Warkington was a harness guy, Dave Brower, Bob Hayden were all harness guys. And whenever anything would come up in thoroughbred racing, whether it be the thoroughbred meet, I did a lot of work with Brad Thomas, uh, or when we did big simulcast shows like the Triple Crown or the Breeders' Cup, uh, I would also work with Mike Kersey and Brad Thomas and do a lot of the analysis for that. So we did a Kentucky Derby preview uh, back in 2009, and we went through the horses just like we are right now, doing a horse-by-horse uh, and it was for the MeadowlandsRacetrack.com website. This was a video podcast when podcasting was in its infancy. And we would go through these horses one by one. And we get to a horse by the name of Summer Bird. And at the time, I believe he had run, I don't know if it's two or three times. He had run a decent, I think twice maybe. He had run a decent third in the Arkansas Derby, closing from far back. Um, and Mike Kersey, who was hosting the show, said, uh, I forget what number the horse was, but he said, Darren Summerbird. A long shot for me, you know, I assume a long shot for you, whatever. And I, 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 and listen, I don't know if you could find this video, but this is documented where I said, listen, it's probably too much to ask this horse to win the Kentucky Derby. But based on what I saw in Arkansas, if you can give me a future bet right now on a horse in the Belmont or the Travers, I will take Summer Bird. <laughs> and the damn horse went on to win the Belmont and the Travers. That's a great moment. It was like, and and it was just like, it was just wild, (laughs) you know, to like call that shot 
you know, uh, before any of the Triple Crown races have been run, is probably one of the best shots that I've ever called. Uh, and of course, you know, I made I made good money on them in, in the Belmont. And the other the, the other fun of the story was that I didn't even get to watch the race. I'm in the Belmont Stakes. Oh, I was wow. going to dinner. I was going to dinner at Old Homestead with my with my mother in law and my and my soon to be fiance. Um, and it was actually the dinner in which I was planning on. You know, when I had a moment talking to my mother-in-law about asking her, you know, permission, because my father-in-law, I never met my father-in-law. He passed away when my wife was 18, um, you know, to, to ask her daughter to, to marry her. And I was going to find a way to do it at this dinner. And we were in the car and I'm driving the car on the way to the city. And I put on 660 WFAN back there when, when they were on AM where they played the call of the Belmont. Oh, the that's radio. great. That is and, great. And I'm listening to Durkin, you know. And and I and I finally hear him in the stretch say, Summerbird is making a move on the outside. And I'm driving the car up the West Side Highway. And all of a sudden I start going, Come on, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and my woman was looking at me like, What? And I'm like, quiet, quiet. And then he goes, Here is Summerbird. Summerbird. Go in. I'm going, yeah! <laughs> in the car on the West Side Highway, like a psychopath. All the while, an hour from then. I'm supposed to be asking this woman for her daughter's hand in marriage. <laughs> the, the, One of those moments in horse racing you gotta love. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> I gotta finish off a Belmont story because we've all had one. And uh, for me, it was just I, I was never that high on California Chrome. And so um, I was a big Bayern guy initially and uh, in Tonalist, you know, I play in a fantasy horse racing league. Andrew's been in it too. So we draft our teams a lot of time in January and you're picking a lot of the horses who you're kind of high on for the rest of the year. I had both of them on my lead, uh, on my team that year. So Bayern was actually supposed to run against California Chrome in the San Felipe, but yep. Bayern ended up having an issue, so he had to miss the race. California Chrome runs in the San Felipe, crushes. Bayern ends up kind of changing what he's going to do. Um, Chrome ends up winning the Derby, ends up winning the Preakness, and I remember standing at TVG the day, uh, I think it was – Three days before the Peter Pan And we're doing a little preview and I talked about Tonalist and I literally said sort of what you guys said I said Tonalist is going to win the Peter Pan And he's going to beat California Chrome in the Belmont And I remember being in my Living room what no, Like seeing when it was unfolding That Chrome was done and it's not like I Hated California Chrome or anything I just thought he was always sort of overhyped Over like everybody talking about him As he's all time great and I think It was situational Oh here come the Chromies so, oh no I, oh I, boy! If you could have had California guy too, I know this is from a California guy on me turning around to my dad after when when Tonalist won and saying like "f you everybody," <laughs> I'm better than you. You know, it was just sort of like what Darren was doing in his car. I'm like, I am the greatest. You all stink. <laughs> God, I'm not. You know, I'm just. It's like I'm the Gino, and I'm. Awesome. <laughs> it was one of those moments that I'll just I think I just laugh at so much. So we've all got Can I print. just point out can I just point out that I printed Rombauer would win the Belmont and that is the not even the craziest or second craziest thing that podcast <laughs> listeners will have experienced in the last five minutes from this show. I just want right. to throw that out there. You're right. That was great. Dude, so horse, uh, horse racing is the greatest. Where it, else do you get stories like this? I know. And, and, and like, I can feel what's funny is 
I could feel each one of our stories as they were telling them, right? Like I could see Andrew yeah. in the press box and I could see Darren driving down, sweating, screaming, listening on the radio. And <laughs> this is great. Um, Run by that rat on that bird. Come on, DeSormo. Exactly. I hate everybody from California. You suck. I'm just screaming. And like, oh, wait, that's me. I'm from California. So anyways, uh, having fun I'm here. from California, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so stop me if 17, 18, 19 Capo Kane, who was in the Jer- uh, Jerome winner He's got 12 points Papetu, who's got 11 points He was fourth in the Holy Bowl Made a huge sweeping move He ran third in the Florida Derby And then Moonlight Strike, who has 11 points Fourth in the Smarty Jones Third in the Tampa Bay Derby Any of those three do you have I mean, do you think has a legitimate shot, DZ? No, I, I don't really have anything uh, no. specific to say here uh, Yeah I mean, I'll, unless he, I'll, I'll go to Andrew in case he likes any of these. No, I don't. We can keep this. Yeah. Um, number 20, Hot Rod Charlie is going to be running in the Louisiana Derby this weekend. He's not completely without a shot to take a step forward and to maybe be a horse who could be competitive and hit the board. I don't know if, if his steps forward would be good enough, but I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about a horse in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile who was right behind essential quality and who finished in front of keep me in mind. So um, he wasn't like he was bad in his return race there. And he was in the Bob Lewis. He loomed up and he was only beaten a neck by Medina spirit. He sort of like was in between horses. I think too battling while when uh, Roman centurion came up and looked like he was going to go blow by. So he dug in, he's, he's got something there. I just, it, is it enough? Like is his profile going to be, Trending in the right direction to be like a real derby type horse. Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's got a little bit of a hanger in him too. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. I, I don't. And if you go back and listen, it's it's hard to say that about a horse that was like 95 to one in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. But <laughs> if you if you watch that race, there is a legitimate point where you think this horse is winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he kind of hangs in the stretch, and he did it again in his last start. Yeah. Now he did he did at least validate that that race was not a fluke by running. Well, but I think to go from point A where this horse, okay, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile wasn't a fluke to point B of he's a Kentucky Derby con- contender, uh, Andrew, I think that's that's a pretty big leap. It is a leap. This is a horse that I think does have some talent. In the Juvenile, yes, essential quality wound up winning the race, but you're looking at the stretch run and you're going, who the heck is this horse? Yep. And that's the horse that ran second there. Has some going to do. Uh, might have regressed a little bit in the Bob Lewis when third behind a couple of horses that were just playing better than he was. Does run in the Louisiana Derby. And if you run second in the Louisiana Derby, that's enough points to get to the Kentucky Derby while still eligible for a non-winners of one allowance. So more power to Team O'Neill if they can get him there. Next two, get her number sitting on go. Uh, they both had some good success at two. Uh, get her number... At least we can say uh, he has not raced in a long time. I think it would have been pretty crazy to expect him to to really show up with a, a good effort against horses like Concert Tour um, and uh, you know Cotto River over the weekend. But um, this is a Grade One winner at two. Sitting on Go has just been. It feels like Romans has a horse like this every year, right? One or two that are like just really good early on, and then they just don't seem to improve at all. Yeah, if I remember correctly, didn't like wasn't this kind of like a buzz horse last year at one point? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he won, was. Won the Iroquois, didn't he? Yeah, he won the Iroquois, yeah. and yeah, when, he went into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. You know, you're thinking that 
off of his Iroquois win, what? Why not? You know. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he won the Iroquois, and I remember a lot of people liked the way he won the race, and and he was getting he was getting hyped up pretty good, you know, as a horse that could be something. Uh, but his subsequent four starts are not good. No. Uh, we we talked about the Kentucky Jockey Club Stakes being a a poor race in terms of you know what finished behind the winner. Well, this horse ran six there. He was not a factor in the Holy Bull. He was not a factor in the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, it, it's hard to come up with any way for me that sitting on go is is gonna you know suddenly jump up. We get her number, you know. Listen, hasn't run in a long time. Talented horse, but again, you know, uh, maybe needed that race and and you know can do better next time. But uh, you know, we're into the horses now. Yeah, uh, from twenty to thirty, everybody has ten points. So from Hot Rod Charlie to um, number 30 dream shake. They all have 10. So they're basically like all in the same boat on the outside looking in. I yep. think there might be three of that t- group of 10 who we can probably think has a shot. Either of these two, do you like Andrew? Uh, not really. No sitting on go. I think more than anything else has established that he's a one turn horse because the Iroquois was at that one turn, one mile route of ground. Cut that horse back to one turn in the Pat Day Mile earlier on in the Kentucky Derby card. I think you'll see a much improved performance. Running against Jackie's Warrior in that spot, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think Jackie's Warrior has anything left in the tank, though? I don't know. I I mean, it could be that he's just not, you know. A two-turn horse. It could be. It could be that he just wants to go seven furlongs a mile. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we've seen it before. Yeah, we have, yeah. Um, risk, risk taking who won the withers uh, has 10 points. He's going to be pointing to the wood next. It's again, like no knocks on him. He just kind of reminds me of, uh, of crowded trade sort of not tail, you know, just sort of like a horse who is good, who has ability, but he feels like it's, it's a little much to ask for him to, to win the wood and then go win the derby. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him like, you know, later down the line in, in the end of the year, you know, be a better horse, but I just, I don't know. Right now, it's just hard to really love a horse like this. I mean, the, the way I, I think it's hard to love him for the Derby, but the way the wood is coming up, I, I think he can He's win a, the wood. Absolutely, yeah. especially because oh, the horse that we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, highly motivated, is going to be headed to the Bluegrass. So, I mean, who who even? It's it's him. It's probably uh, the horses uh, who were you know Wayburn, one and two. Wayburn you know? and the uh, the Crowded horse that ran trade. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think he's just as likely, if not more likely, winner than those two. Uh, I agree. I agree. He might. I mean, he might even be favored in the one. You know, I don't know who else is. I don't know who else is coming from out of town. I don't know what. You know, I, I think I read that Rombauer, like the wood, was actually like a possibility for him. I don't know if that's still the case. If that's one of the spots that they're thinking about. Um, but I, I mean, unless we see what else is coming from out of town, you know, I think he could definitely win the wood, which goes to tell you, I just don't think very highly of the New York horses. Um, yeah. yeah, I, you know, I, 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 it would be a lot for me to expect this horse to jump up and develop enough where I could consider him a, a derby contender, but you know, come wood day, definitely can win the wood guys. I miss when the wood meant something uh, um, me too. Yeah. as a New York guy. I, it, it's difficult for me. And the thing that gets me every year when the wood comes around are all of the people complaining. It's not a grade one anymore. Okay. Without looking me, the last five winners of the wood Memorial. Oh, I can't do that. Oh yeah. See? And that's why it's not a grade one. That's why I, other preps are grade ones, and this one is not, because the top horses just don't run in the wood anymore. And there are a lot of reasons for that. The New York Trail to the Triple Crown is not quite as populated as it used to be, which, in all honesty, is makes it the right way to go 
for a couple of horses that maybe have been running up against monsters on other circuits. Bob Baffert sent the runner-up from the San Vicente into the Gotham, for instance. That didn't necessarily go so well, but there was reason behind that. And I wouldn't be shocked if we see some out-of-town shippers come in for the wood, maybe a Ron Bauer, maybe a couple of horses from Southern California. Uh, Roman Centurion looks like he's as a possibility. There Um, we go. Brooklyn Strong is a horse who uh, is number 27 on the points list. He's actually going to be pointed there too. And on one of the probables I'm looking at, the timing actually wouldn't be off for prevalence if he wanted to maybe run in that race too. So um, yeah, the wood is the wood is a possibility for him because he's not he's obviously not coming back in the Florida Derby in, in no. two weeks. Um, you know, to to, to Andrew's point, I, I you had a run if you remember back. You know, from I mean, let me see if I can go through this in my head. Uh, Unbridled Song was 96. Captain Bodget was 97. Coronado's Quest was 98. I don't remember who won in 99, so it's probably nobody good. Uh, 2000 was Fusaichi Pegasus. 2001 was Congaree. 2003 was Empire Maker and Funny Side. 2004 was Tap It. 2005 was Bellamy Road. Um, you know, those are some serious horses. Now, in the years after that, the Wood did have some bad luck because they would have had the Derby winner in 09 and 10 with I Want Revenge and Iskenderia, who both yeah. the week of the Derby. But if you go through the horses that have won recently, uh, last year, uh, well, 2019, you know, Tacitus obviously never wins races. Irish War Cry was in there. You know, of the last 10 years, the best horse to probably win the Wood Memorial is Frosted. Yeah. Um, you know, they just don't do anything for the most part in the Derby. And, and it is very unfortunate. Uh, and it seems that that trend is going to continue this year. Um, I don't know what it'll take to change that, but it is very sad that a once very prestigious race that has produced some tremendous horses uh, has fallen as far as it has. Fun frosted story before we move on. Uh, That was one of a couple of horses that I put a Kentucky Derby future bet on when I was in Vegas prior to that year's Derby. I got frosted at 45 to one a couple of months before the wood. Nice. Frosted wins the wood. And I'm jumping up and down because now I know that even if Frosted doesn't do anything in the Derby, I've at least got him at four times the price that he's going to be in that race. And he looked fine winning the wood. He was bred to go long. I'm thinking, okay, I've got a shot here. I've got a live take. This is really good. Oh, yeah. Oaklawn is running later today. It's Arkansas Derby Day. Let me watch. Oh my God, what the hell is that? (laughs) And it was at that moment when American Pharaoh beat the Arkansas Derby field without breaking a sweat that I may as well have ripped up my fugits because (laughs) there there wasn't a three-year-old on the planet that could have beat American Pharaoh that spring and summer. So we we talk, I've talked about this a couple of times in in my podcast and we, and we talk about it as horse players. Horse racing is a strange game at times because there are good bets that you don't cash on, and there are bad bets that you do cash on. Yep. And what Andrew just spoke to is is a point of a good bet that he didn't cash on. He identified a horse that he thought had potential and had upside that he thought the price was over, that the horse was offering far too much value for what he potentially could be. And even though the horse did not win the Kentucky Derby, when you bet a horse before the Wood Memorial at forty-five to one who wins a Kentucky Derby prep race and goes off somewhere around, I don't know what he was, 12, 13, 14 to 1 in the Derby. Something in that range. Yeah, and you get three to four times the price in the Derby and the horse runs fourth, even though you're not cashing that ticket, that's a good bet. Yeah, you can't be Betting life is good at 
two to one in March, four months for, out, regardless of what he does in the Kentucky Derby, is a bad bet. Win or lose, and that's yep. something that a lot of people have a tough time um, accepting. Right early yes. on, like or even even things like you know, I like a horse at five to one. This horse is two to one. I can't bet them. I don't need a winner. What I like to is bet the value of the race. So I may even change my opinion on who I'm going to bet now because the value might be somewhere else, or I just skip the race. That's something a lot of people don't. I think it's sort of like you weren't brought up that way. You were sort of just brought up like, oh, let's pick the winner of this race, and. And it's not necessarily what it's all about. It's all about you know making the most amount of money that you possibly can. We're gonna try that. to do that. I did that uh, in the Breeders' Cup Sprint one year. You know who I bet in the Breeders' Cup Sprint in his fourth lifetime start because I thought he was a really nice horse. Wise Dan. Yeah, yeah, That's right. I bet yeah. Wise Dan in the Breeders' Cup Sprint before he was actually Wise Dan. Right. I, I have a I have a long history. A long history of betting horses before they become what they become. <laughs> so we are up to number 24 on the list. So 24 is Caddo River, 25 Candyman Rocket, 26 Highly Motivated. I'd say of the horses that are on the outside looking in right now, this group of three that has points is is probably pretty intriguing uh, because Caddo River, like Darren said, I don't think he's a complete slouch. Um, you might be able to... Forgive that race and, and think that he Has an opportunity to just be better than that um, Candyman Rocket I, I just wasn't as high on him but um, he, he didn't really run at all and then Highly motivated the one that uh, we've referenced a few Times who I actually uh, do think has a big Opportunity to improve off of his effort So uh, this grouping of three let's start DZ with uh, with Caddo River Well yeah I, and I think he's an interesting Horse to talk about because there was a lot Of back and forth on social media About the ride that Florent Giroux Gave Caddo River in the Rebels and the the issue that people had was that Cattle River's best weapon is speed. And Giroux did not engage Concertor from the inside. He allowed Concertor to clear him, move to the outside, and then held Cattle River just off his flank in second. And people believed that that particular move took the fight out of Cattle River. That could be true. But the counter to that is, do you honestly think that Giroux, who, by the way, sent Cattle River out of the gate, and if you watch it, was doing had his eyeballs glued to Concert Tour as they went under the wire from the first time, and quickly realized that Concert Tour was faster in the fir- in the early stages and had to make a decision. Do you honestly think that if Cattle River, if if Giroux continued to send him along and ended up going twenty two and four, you know, head and head or a half a length in front of of Concert Tour? Going a mile and eight in the Rebel, that that the end result would have been better. This horse is the nice horse, is a fast horse who ran into a better, faster horse in an unfavorable pace scenario. There was nothing that Florent Giroux could have done in that race. And you and I have been very critical of Florent Giroux many times. There was nothing he could have done. If he sends him, Concert Tour breathes down his neck. Maybe it takes some of the fight out of Concert Tour. I don't know, but it doesn't help Cattle River. And if you take the fight out of them, whatever. Now, listen, I still believe sitting second off speed is the best trip in horse racing. I, I don't necessarily think you want to be under a stranglehold. But what exactly what is he supposed to do when that horse is going a thousand miles an hour to his outside, clearly is hell bent on getting to the lead? What what game plan at that point is going to win you the race? And the answer is you're not winning the race because the other horse yeah. is faster and better. Yeah. So that's it. Now, Cattle River, he could be a nice horse. He could be a horse that, you know, down the line wins, you know, like a race, uh, you know, like the Haskell or something. Although Baffert, I'm sure, will send some kind of monster. But, you know what I'm saying? I he, Jim he's probably, either. yeah. 
He's Andrew. He's probably what we found out in the Rebel is that he's a nice horse. He's probably just not this good. I didn't like him at all in the Rebel. I thought he did nothing in the Southwest, and that's the reason I hadn't really participated in any of the debate on Florence Rideson because I thought he was hosed either way because Florent just didn't have the horse. So I do think Cattle River is going to win a couple of decent races between now and the end of the year. I just think it's going to be grade three type races like the Matt Wynn, like the Iowa Derby, races like that where Brad Cox has shown he can send horses to a whole bunch of different spots like that and make a whole bunch of money. There's no shame in running on that circuit. There's no shame in being four to five in a grade three race for $200,000. I think that's what this horse is going to wind up doing. He's a talented horse. I just think he's a cut below the best. And that more than anything else, the Rebel proved that. The number 26 through 30 horses all have 10 points. And uh, 26 is highly motivated. Who was third in the Gotham He was making his first start of the year He'll be headed to the Bluegrass Big Lake who just picked up uh, 10 points uh, Over in Arkansas He'll prob- probably be headed to the Arkansas Derby uh, Brooklyn Strong will be headed to the Wood uh, Hush of a Storm Who won at Turfway uh, Will be headed to the Bataglia Over at uh, at Turfway No, it, we, we just messed that up, right? It's not the Bataglia Were we just talking about it? it, is, <laughs> we, it we, is. They already had the, they already had the Bataglia They already had the Bataglia this Jeff is the Ruby stakes. The Jeff yeah. Ruby. So he'll be headed to the Jeff Ruby. And then um Dream Shake looks like he's gonna be headed to the Santa Anita Derby. So of those 26 through 30, uh, with highly motivated here, a horse that we've referenced a few times, Darren. Um, I'm I'm intrigued by him just because he was so good last year. Um, and he won on a day at uh on Breeders' Cup undercard. Very impressively Sort of against the track profile And I just think there's more Than what he showed in his last start Does that mean he's going to be good enough to Beat essential quality in the bluegrass And then win the derby? No But I think of a lot of these horses Once sort of we got past those like top five Who are really really good He intrigues me maybe as much as, as any and, and, and maybe it's just that I think he's going to be Maybe he'll be a good one turn horse Throughout the year But I think there's there's a lot more here than what he showed I agree. Um, you know, if you go back and watch the Gotham, didn't have a very clean start. I think he was farther back than he wanted to be. Uh, I thought he was in tight early in the race. Uh, there was a little bit of traffic in behind him that was caused by some stuff. Uh, then I think he was kind of in tight again on the first turn. He kind of took up a little bit on the first turn. Um, there was a lot going on from a traffic standpoint. And I thought, given what he had to overcome, I thought he ran on well, and I thought he showed late interest, and I thought he did what he had to do to pass as many horses as he possibly could, given the hand that he was dealt. Um, he's a horse that you can look at his his performance in that race, and I think you can say that there could be more in the tank there. And I am, you know, he's going to have he's going to the Bluegrass, so he's going to have a tough challenge against the Central Quality, and. I think that in the Derby, while I'm not necessarily bullish on him to win, if he runs like a, a, a good sneaky second, like if a central quality wins by three, and he's just like in a situation where he's good enough to pass enough horses to run second, where it's obvious he's not getting to, to the winner and they just kind of take care of him, you know, in the final furlong and get him ready for the Derby. He's a horse that could be 30 to one in the Derby that could really provide some value. Peaking, peaking the at the under- right time. In the yeah. underneath part of your exotic tickets. Now, 
we're a long way from that, and a lot needs to happen, you know, for all of that to play out to get to where I want him to get. But like you said, out of a lot of these horses that we've talked about, to me, this horse has more upside and more potential than a lot of the other ones that we've spoken of. So I'm going to do something that I really enjoy doing, and I'm going to give credit where it's due. The New York Racing Association has, for my money, the finest chart callers in the country as far as recapping what happens during a race and laying out trouble that horses might have experienced or just making points in a very artistic way. These are the notes from Highly Motivated's run in the Gotham, his first race in several months. This is all one sentence. I'm going to try to do this in as few breaths as possible. (laughs) Highly motivated, bobbled at the start, getting away towards the rear, got placed in a bit tight by wipe the slate near the 7-8 pole, forcing Atlantic Road to steady in behind and alter outwards, then got put in tight himself as wipe the slate once more inwards, nearing six and a half furlongs remaining and was forced to briefly steady along the temporary rail extended from the intersection of the clubhouse turn, lost about a length of position in total, (laughs) tipped out soon after and chased three wide from mid-pack, followed his barn mate through the turn, coming under coaxing three furlongs out, and advancing be just off the pace, swinging four wide into upper stretch, dug in under a drive, offering up a mild kick, to garner the show honors clear of the rest. Far more elegant than I did. <laughs> you, you know what we call that in horse racing when a horse doesn't win but has that kind of trip and is clearly, you know, building a foundation? We a call that back. <laughs> getting an education. Yeah. Now, yeah. I don't know if he is a bet back in the bluegrass because I think essential quality is just that good. He's a right. tremendous horse, and I think if he's right, the races for second. But where I think there's value is in the scenario that Darren just mentioned, talking about if he runs second in the bluegrass and gets enough points to get in the derby, he's 30 to one on the morning line, probably drifts up. And that's where you get some value. This is a horse that showed a lot of talent last year as a two-year-old. He ran a good second in his debut at Saratoga, won at Belmont, and won a key race on the Breeders' Cup undercard, the Nyquist, that produced a number of next-out winners. Now, if there's any hesitation here, it's that the pedigree leans to precocity a little bit. He's buying the mischief out of a warrior's reward mare, so they're not exactly breeding a horse to get significantly better as he gets older, but there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of talent here with Highly Motivated, and whatever happens here... This is a horse that I'd keep an eye on for a race like the Alan Jerkins, that seven furlong race at Saratoga. Maybe he's a Breeders' Cup dirt mile horse near the end of the year. Like if he doesn't win or if he doesn't run very well in the bluegrass, he'll probably be a tough like Pat Day mile horse. Woody Stevens too. That that to me jumps off the page as a potential target too. So either way, this is a horse you absolutely want to watch. And seriously, shout out to the chart callers over at the Naira Tracks. Being able to do that. Seriously, looking at this, that sentence, it's one sentence, and it goes six lines in the chart, in the footnotes section of the official Equibase chart. My goodness, that's just, that's a work of art, right? Do, do you guys think that Chad Brown is kicking himself at all for not getting this horse more points at this point? That he's I kind wonder, of in, that like he's kind of race. in this, yeah, that he's kind of in this spot 
where he's in a make or break spot with this horse. To, I mean, now listen, it's it's entirely possible that maybe Chad doesn't think that he's a Derby horse, but the horse is just he's run a couple of races that are good feels enough. Like that, it, right? Like, yeah, it like, feels I mean, like one you'd want to give a shot. Yeah, you know? and listen, you, you're training for Seth Klarman, who you've you've won a Preakness for. Um, you know, obviously they want to have a horse in the Derby. Uh, and I just wonder if you know they're they're kind of kicking themselves from the standpoint of man, maybe we should have given him another start. You know, maybe we shouldn't have given him four months off. Maybe we should have given him just three months off. You know, in between starts, I I don't know. Um, you know, the, the Warriors reward into mischief thing. You know, you certainly call into question as Andrew did. You know, not only is he going to get better because it's a precocious pedigree, but is he going to get better as the races get longer? Um, that's certainly a legitimate concern as well. But I, I do think that he's a very talented horse. Um, horses like this have run in the Derby before. Um, you know, he reminds me of a little bit, but not not to the same level of experience or fanfare at this point. But he kind of reminds me of Practical Joke a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Practical Joke was a talented, precocious two-year-old who – outran his pedigree in terms of how far he wanted to go. Uh, and I actually, I grudgingly bet him in the Derby, even though I didn't believe that he was a mile and a quarter horse, because out of all the horses, he had by far the best sheet pattern. And there was, it was very unlikely that he wasn't going to run a new top in the Derby. And he did. And and for, for what it's worth, if you have a spare two minutes, watch the ride that Joel Rosario put on Practical Joke in the Kentucky Derby where he was clearly riding a horse under the instruction of, look, you're riding a horse that's doing as well as he could possibly do, who does not want to go a mile and a quarter. You need to cut every corner you can possibly cut and save every inch of ground that you can save in order to have a chance to get a piece of it. And and the ride on, on Practical Joke, to get him to the spot that he finished, I believe he either finished fourth or fifth in the Derby, and it was a close was fifth. Yeah. yeah, it was a clo- it was a close photo with like a three horse photo for third, and I think he was right there. And he got beat something like three and a half four lanes for all the money. It was it, it was probably one of Rosario's best rides of his career that nobody ever talks about because he didn't but, win. Yeah, yeah. But this horse kind of reminds me a little bit of Practical Joke in the fact that he is bred to be precocious. He was fast as a two year old. He's talented. And they're trying to figure out a way to get the most out of a horse that probably doesn't want to go a mile and a quarter. And maybe that's the plan that they've taken. I think there's a good chance that the scenario plays out where he does get enough points in the bluegrass to make the derby field. And they're going to have to make a decision with a horse that they probably don't think wants to go a mile and a quarter. It's going to, it's one of those fascinating things that we're going to follow with this horse who I think has a lot of, uh, a lot of upside and we're going to hear from in grade one competition for the next you know year plus. I got to tell my practical joke story. Uh, one of my worst decapping beats came in the race they named after me at Belmont, the Champagne Stakes, that practical <laughs> joke won. Mm-hmm. I loved Cindergard. I Ugh. thought Cindergard was going to be a very special horse, and it just didn't pan out for him. Cindergard ran a monster race in the Champagne. He was ahead, a stride before the wire and a stride after the wire. Practical joke got his nose down on the wire. And that was one of those races that caused yours truly to like throw my phone spew in a couch. little. Oh, okay. It, <laughs> that was just, it, it, that was brutal. And the more I'm looking now that I've got Cinder guards PPs up, he was never the same horse after practical joke nosed him 
in that champagne stakes. It was oh boy. Every Hasn't time Joker brought up by, in quite some time either. Uh, yeah, Olson. but he's uh, <laughs> he's throwing some heat on social media at uh, Trevor Bauer though. See, he does do that. He likes to throw some blows on the on the social meds. Um, so those are your top twenty six. I'm gonna list the horses who are. But like on the outside, still looking in. Uh, mentioned Big Lake. He's got ten points. Brooklyn Strong. He's got ten. He'll be heading to the wood. Uh, you've got Hush of a Storm, who's going to head to the Turfway Prep. You got Dream Shake, who's going to head to Santa Anita. Super Stock right behind them. Terratino, Roman Centurion, Cowan. They're all horses that have like at least eight points. And then you've got some horses that. Have either fewer than that or no points You've got Rock Your World Who is going to point to the Santa Anita Derby You've got Collaborate Who is going to be pointing to the Florida Derby next You've got a horse like Run Classic Who's running in the Louisiana Derby Coming up this weekend We've got you know Prevalence um, Triple Tap uh, Freedom Fighter, Known Agenda They have you know five, two points Of the horses who I have mentioned Fellows, uh, let's talk about a couple That, uh, that pique your interest um, that aren't in the top 26 or so So who of those that I've mentioned Or maybe someone that I didn't mention DZ, um, give us a, a few that, that you're interested in um, of, of those Yeah, I'll just give you two uh, And it's an obvious two Because they've been buzz horses The collaborating prevalence um, and, and not from a standpoint that I like either one to win the derby But there are horses that have become very popular Based on looking good visually um, Collaborate had a very nice win In Maiden Special Way Company Going a one-turn mile uh, back on February the 27th at Gulfstream, the, the race came back quick. He earned a 90 buyer speed figure doing it. He won in hand. He won impressively. He's buying into mischief out of a quiet American mare. Safi Joseph trains the horse for, th- for three chimney farms. Um, so he's interesting. Um, again, interesting from the standpoint as a Kentucky Derby horse, I don't know. But he certainly has the look of what could be a nice horse. Prevalence on Pegasus World Cup Day was basically viewed as a you know, a Curlin-esque maiden-breaking performance. Um, now, he came back, well, uh, before he, I say he came back, he was supposed to run, potentially, in the Fountain of Youth, uh, and that didn't happen because he spiked a fever. Had a, I think he had a little bit of a cough, if I'm not mistaken. Missed a little bit of training, got back on track, and ran well in his subsequent start to win. Was not nearly as visually impressive, ran only an 86 buyer speed figure, and now the connections of prevalence, another Godolphin runner, are kind of up against it and where they go because the Florida Derby is out. He ran on March 11th, so he's going to have a start in either the bluegrass, which would really not make a lot of sense because Godolphin has a central quality there, or the Wood Memorial. He could win the Wood because I don't necessarily think that that field is coming up strong at all, as we've spoken about. And maybe that's the best spot for him to go to for that reason, if the goal is to get the horse in the Kentucky Derby. But for prevalence, I would really like this horse for them to give him some time. Whenever you have a horse like this on the Derby Trail, that you're up against it from a time standpoint where he made his debut at the end of January, you need every single thing to go exactly right. And you probably need a couple of the main horses to to not show up or to to kind of uh, falter along the way, not make it, maybe get hurt, maybe a hiccup, you know? Yeah, but ju- just for this horse to actually be able to run as close to his best race as he can in the Derby, you can't miss training. You can't have a quarter crack. You can't have a fever. He's already had something that interrupted his training that pushed a race back a couple of weeks. Now, you might say, oh, Darren, big deal. Who cares? He already ran and he won. But 
He ran two weeks after he was supposed to. He's now on a different path. The connections need to kind of scramble to figure out what to do. I understand the lore of the Derby. If I had a horse who had a remote chance of getting to the Kentucky Derby, I would want to do that and experience. This is not some young guy in Staten Island, New York, doing a podcast in his basement. This is Godolphin. <laughs> they already have proxy. They already have an undefeated two-year-old champion who is on pace to be second or third choice in the Derby. I don't see the need to have to rush this horse to get him into that race. And, and, I, and I would like them to take their time with this horse because I do think he has a bright future. And I do think he could have a very nice three-year-old season if they don't rush him and don't force the issue. Darren, did you just call yourself a young guy from Staten Island, New York? <laughs> you understand you're the oldest of the three of us, right? <laughs> I still, in this industry, I feel I, if you're under 68, you're still young. That's, that's, that's true. true. If you're not that's collecting social security, you're a young upstart. That's true. There you go. All right. I still got time. Now, Collaborate, who we've talked about a little bit, gives me really strong, really weird social inclusion vibes. You guys remember that horse from Manny as Pura and an owner that turned down ridiculous sums of money for this horse after he thumped honor code? Well, collaborates from a bit more of a blue-blooded standpoint. Three Chimneys bred this horse. They retain part ownership in this horse. Safi Joseph Jr. is a guy that, if you're on the national scene, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. Uh, He does a lot of work in South Florida, had a couple of Naira starters uh, on that circuit last year. Collaborate, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him in a race down the line. Prevalence, I really liked in his debut win, but I didn't like him as much as he won by. That was downright freakish, and it was a case where a lot of people thought that was a loaded maiden. There were mm-hmm. some good horses in that race, legitimate prospects moving forward, and Prevalence handled that field very, very easily. I love the pedigree by Medallia Doro out of a ghost zapper mare. There's some stamina in this pedigree. Brendan Walsh is an astute horseman whose horses tend to get better as they get older. Will we see in a derby points race? I, I don't know. Maybe this is another type of runner that they run in a race like the Lexington right. and I, the Preakness, with as a fresh horse. Maybe that's the way you go with him. Maybe if he's doing well, you ship him to New York and you run him in the wood. I don't know. But if they want to run him in a Kentucky Derby points race of any legitimate renown with uh, enough points that'll get him there, they're going to need to rush. And that's, I don't think, in the horse's best interests long term. Right. Short term, could he be a factor in the Derby if he makes the starting gate? Yeah. Does that any guarantee that he's going to do anything after that? Maybe not. So it'll be really interesting to see what they decide to do with him because this is a very, very talented race. Can you think about how many times, you know, we talk about Godolphin trying to win the Derby. How many like fast three-year-olds that have put out freakish performances have we seen them put out over the years? You think about like horses like Discreet Cat. Right. Remember, yeah. uh, you remember Afrashad? You remember what that thing looked like? where he was like a, he ran like 108 or something like that, breaking his maiden at six furlongs. They've had some three-year-old bullets that they've never gotten to the Derby with that have been like just freakishly fast horses. Even Maxfield last year. Yeah, yeah. With the the bad luck with him, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really rather, it's really rather interesting. I I Was Afrashad the one, I'm trying to remember, where Durkin called the race 
the horse was out in front by so much, and he was like running so fast it was insane. And and the, the Dirk and Cole was just great. He goes, "This is a fast horse." I think that was. <laughs> I I think it was off Rashad. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think it was. But yeah. And I think this horse has the potential to be like that. This horse could be like the brilliance of a, of a discreet cat if they handle him correctly. And, and, and he, you know, from a pedigree standpoint, he might even, you know, relish going longer more than that horse. But, yeah, to Andrew's point, to my point, take care of this guy. He's not your only horse that will get you to the derby. You already have a legitimate contender and a fridge contender. I get the appeal of getting brilliant horses to the derby. Give this horse the time to develop because it will reward you in the long run. There are eight major preps left. We've got the Louisiana Derby on March the 20th, the Jeff Ruby on March 27th, the Florida Derby on March 27th, the UAE Derby on March 27th. Those are all 100 points to the winner, 40 to second, 20 to third, and 10 to fourth. There are four more 100 points races, the Bluegrass at Keeneland on April 3rd, the Santa Anita Derby at Santa Anita on April 3rd, the Wood Memorial on April 3rd, big day at all three of those racetracks, and then the Arkansas Derby on April the 10th, the last chance for points at Keeneland is the Lexington April the 10th for 20 points to the winner eight to second four to the third and two to the fourth place finisher so we've basically talked about uh through the top 30 on the points list and another 10 or so that are on the outside looking in fellas I appreciate all of the research and all the work you put into this and this was a lot of fun we'll have to do this when the field gets set in about a, a month or so um once we know what the field will look like and we'll uh, we'll preview uh, leading up to the uh, the derby once we got the uh, the finalized like 20 and maybe the the three or four on the outside looking in yeah we'll have a lot more clarity in terms of what the field looks like and get a better idea of of where the the value might be in some of these horses uh and, and where we uh you know find horses that we think we want to fade this is always a lot of fun this time of year. It's 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 funny because if you think about it, how often we bet races and handicap races from day to day, and yet here is a race that we literally handicap for the better part of three months. Two, where, we just spent two hours, two, two yeah. months, two months out, <laughs> not we even watched, knowing the field. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing. Like if you think about how we open up a, a racing form or you know, whatever tool you use. And, and we look at the, you know, what's written down on paper. And yeah, we, you know, I, I'm a replay guy. I go back and watch replays. But this, all of a sudden, we're all workout experts. I know, like, right? All, all of a sudden, expert. it's like, yeah, yeah where, you know, it's like, did you see his workout though? Like, like <laughs> I, I thought he switched leads a little bit late. He looked like he was kind of goofing around out there. I thought, I, I, I didn't think he finished the work as good as he started the work. Like all of a sudden we start like using all these different tools at our disposal to handicap this one race. And in the end, it's a horse race and we shouldn't, we we shouldn't (laughs) shy away from what we do every other day. Yeah. It's a unique race. It's a special race. And those are great talking points for shows like this. But my advice to everybody out there listening, when it comes to handicapping the Kentucky Derby, stay in your wheelhouse, everything that you do for other races do for the derby or don't don't do, yeah yeah you know if you want to if you want to listen to an expert which i am not on workouts you know tell you you know i didn't th- this horse did not look as good in his second workout as his first workout if you want to listen to that that's fine but don't start pulling out workouts and trying to analyze a horse's movements and things yeah. if you, if you don't just, do that already if you yeah. don't do it already there's no reason to do it for this race it's not going to help you just just do what you always do and and, and don't you know, for handicapping purposes, not necessarily discussion purposes, for handicapping purposes, don't overdo it. 
be the handicapper you always are. Yeah, co-sign with a lot of that. And the other thing that I'll stress, don't force an opinion that's not there. If yeah. life is good wins the Santa Anita Derby by 20 lengths and suddenly looks really sound, there are about 9,000 other races on Kentucky Derby Day. Yeah, and Oates Day offer, the day before. Yeah, you know. Yeah. They all offer wagering. Also, let's not forget the Thursday before the Kentucky Derby with the prerequisite public service announcement. Thurby is Thurby. not a word. Do not <laughs> use it. Do not utter it. If you do, I have very little respect for you as a human being. Uh, so, Darren, feel free to carry that to you know CDI superior. I'll, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell Ed DeRosa. Yeah, I'll tell Ed DeRosa and see how that plays out. Oh <laughs> yeah, that'll all that'll go over real real well. I'm sure. I uh, love Ed, but uh, anyway, the the kidding aside, the point is, don't force an opinion that's not there. If a horse looks ten lengths the best and is two to one. Is it really worth going against that sort of horse with as much bankroll as you decide you want to put there when you have much stronger opinion elsewhere on the card and the card before that? No. Manage your money, pick your spots, and you're going to come out or at least have a better chance of coming out a winner than you would if you put your money into lower equity options. So just make sure you stay true to your handicapping principles, exercise sound bankroll management, and you'll have a better chance than most at turning a profit. To Andrew's point, it's kind of like the Super Bowl. Like if you're a sports better and you're betting on NFL football all year long, just because it's the Super Bowl doesn't mean it's going to represent your strongest opinion of every football game that existed all season long. In fact, in fact, the Super Bowl has more dumb money. Yeah, it has more dumb money bet on it than anything. And I mean, a lot of a lot of very prominent sports bettors that I know and talk to tell me that they don't even usually bet the Super Bowl because it's such a weird game. So the Kentucky Derby, I'm not telling you not to bet the race. Yeah, bet the race. But you know, like Andrew said. Don't don't just find an excuse to bet a horse. Follow your opinion like you always do. But treat it like a Thursday night at Sam Houston. You know, do what you always do. If you like the favorite, accept it. You know, try to build some value in multi-race exotics. Try to find a horse like highly motivated that maybe you think can hit the board at a big price and, and try to and try to work out from there. You know, don't don't second guess your opinion and don't change your opinion because you're influenced by other people who are telling you, you can't like that horse in the Kentucky Derby. Because the last thing I'll say, Gino, and, and I think and I think this is an interesting point, the Derby has really changed over the last six, seven, eight years, mm-hmm. where it used to be a race where, you know, you could find crazy prices that would work out trips and get up and win. I know Country House got put up via DQ and stuff, but in all seriousness, you, you didn't have stretches where, you know, you had horses favorite after favorite after favorite after favorite. Not only running well, but winning. That that never happened before. And the Derby is kind of becoming just like another race in terms of how it's run. It is. It's a lot more formful. It's a lot more formful. So it's not the race anymore where you say, okay, well, it's the Derby. Anybody under under 10 to 1, I'm automatically throwing out. I got to find somebody who's 24 to 1 to win the race. In modern horse racing, it just doesn't work that way anymore. Darren Zocali, find him at the track seven on Twitter, Andrew Champagne. You find him 
at Andrew Champagne. You can get all of the information there on their Twitter accounts. Uh, anytime Darren released a podcast, anytime Darren has videos for uh, Twin Spires, anytime Andrew releases a podcast or has any written work or uh, gambling uh, uh, selections for um, any of the publications that he does work for, uh, there's the, the command center to follow the both of them, and I'll be using them for some double duty to talk uh, a little NCAA basketball that you're also going to hear this week on That's What G Said. So a big thank you to Andrew, a big thank Houston! you to, D- to Houston DZ. Houston to the house! Oh, here we go! A little a little teaser, a little preview as uh, we uh, will head and talk some more sports on That's What G Said, but don't go anywhere, folks. Plenty more still to come. Great stuff from the boys. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Uh, they were very well prepared. We were able to get you a little bit of everything, uh, what horses have done, pedigree information, sort of projection, pace stuff, and uh, talking about all of Baffert's uh, runners that he's got in there. We're also going to talk to you a little bit about Cindy Carava, the full-service realtor, because one of the most stressful events in life is moving. Everything that goes into the process of relocating, all of those different factors you have to worry about, Cindy Carava can help make your life easier. The website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. You can get all of her information there. Uh, She, as a full-service realtor, can help you in many different ways. Selling, purchasing, leasing. She can help you find vendors like handymen, painters, landscapers, gardeners that she's personally used in her own home. If you need help getting pre-approved for a loan, she can connect you with lenders that she works closely with and can highly recommend. She covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. Maybe you're just curious to find out how much your home is worth. She can do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, reviews on Yelp and Zillow. But the website, CindyCarava.com, that's the best place. You can get all of the contact information there, all of her listings, everything you need. Make sure to let her know that Gino sent you. When you get in touch with her, she'll take great care of you. I promise, folks, one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet, Cindy Carava. Check out her website, CindyCarava.com. We're going to head over to... Talk some wrestling with Chad Cooper. This week in Wrestling with Chad, we've got SmackDown, Raw, AEW. Talk a little bit about what's coming up this weekend for Fastlane. Koopa Loop, Scoops Coop, joining us on This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is. Your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Coop loops, scoops, scoops, scoops. Chad Cooper back for another uh, installment of this week in wrestling, and we'll also talk. Uh, gonna give a. a, a a pick or two for uh, March Madness. I know Chad's over there and a fan of Houston, so maybe we can ride Houston to the Final Four. We'll get to that in a bit, but we got to check out what happened on a little bit of SmackDown, a little bit of Raw, a little bit of AEW, and even some NXT. We're going to go through quickly like we do, but we're going to give some thoughts on each. And, uh, I mean, w- before we get into the specifics of everything, right off the bat, we got to just give the shout to to Brie and, and Th- uh, Britt and Thunder Rosa because, wow, that was an incredible women's match, Coop. The best one that they've had so far. You and I are just a little frustrated at the result because we want Britt to be the focus of the, the women's division, which she sort of is without the title, but uh, awesome match from the two of them. They really left it all out there. 
Yeah, it's sort of odd that she continues to lose matches, but she still continues to be the quote-unquote ultimate badass. And what's what she tweeting? Face of the division? She yeah. keeps tweeting out with the bloody yeah. picture, you know? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I definitely thought it was better than the exploding barbed wire match. Oh, yeah. Pay-per-view, much better than that. Didn't like the result. You know, you got to give them credit for uh, going all out. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it was Flair Steamboat like, you know, some people thought it was. But uh, I think I, th- I think what because the in in the nicest way possible, the bar in their women's division has been set so low. Oh, absolutely. That absolutely. everybody was just wanting something sort of like this to get behind. And so yes. I think I think that's yes. that's kind of what happened is everybody said, oh, oh, wow, they finally gave them the main event. And and they actually I will say we they were um is like bloodied up and and uh, like intense of a match male or female that you might have seen in uh in AEW for a while and you don't see the women in WWE generally no. uh, doing stuff like this at all so i guess in that sense it was just different you know it, than w- it was it was and i'm yeah. I, and you know i i didn't think it was uh like as you said you know the bar has been set so low in that division but the anticipation was there um, you know, they, they delivered, I was really supply, surprised about the blood, especially coming from, you know, Brit, who's a, who's a doctor, a dentist yeah. in real life. You know, that was surprising. Somebody uh, was like, Hey, look, that's my dentist on TV. You know, I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the interesting part of it is going to be, where does it go from here? Because yes. now you've raised the bar, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So let's not go two steps back. And this is almost funny like this is almost a baby face kind of making performance for Brit. Yes. It's it's one of those where it's like she just can it was like a Mick Foley kind of performance, you know, where she just keeps getting thrown into thumbtacks and bleeding and just you can just see the blood gushing out of her head all over her face all over. So it was like it was hard to to like hate on on Brit after this, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, sure. So I, I just want you know what what are the you know, where do you go from here? That's my issue. You know, that, where's the title stand? You know, and, who, and that's who gets the problem the because these women feel like they're above it, and they are, and they are. So that I, I know we we feel just <laughs> like the, the I would have liked it a lot more with just because if are you gonna go all in with Thunder Rosa? If you are, that's fine. But we're gonna get Thun. Are you gonna get Thunder versus uh, Sheeta next? You know, like where I uh, does that make as much sense? I don't know. You know, um. So and yeah, you still have, and you still have Thunder Rosa, who is still with NWA, NWA. Who apparently is going to you know start back up on Fight TV. So I, I I don't know, I don't know where we go from here. But the bar was raised, and uh, you got to give the two competitors credit. I didn't like the outcome, um, but they you know they gave everything. And, and we've been uh, we everybody that listens to this show knows by now how big a supporter <laughs> we are of Brit. You know what I mean? Oh, so absolutely. It, and we've yes. been singing that we've been singing this tune for a while. So you got to see how talented she was, but we yes. kind of scratch our head at the result again because it's like if, does this end this feud? Does this rivalry continue again? Um is it gonna be one of those, you know, flare steamboat deal where it's just forever in their career that they they can go back to each other. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, let's just keep on the AEW, hit a few more things okay. while we're talking about this yeah. right now. Uh, at the beginning of AEW, we got the Cody-Penta stuff, and the match is fine. I don't really like it when, you know, Cody's look gets the shoulder busted up, and then he, he gets the, the quick pinfall. I just, I kind of talked about it last week. I, 
I think this will be fine and eventually we'll get a couple more good matches from the two. But I don't like when we have sort of a clean result match to start a feud because Cody got him clean. He pinned right. him clean. And now so I mean that now obviously they want to extend this feud because Cody uh because Penta made it personal and he after the match and everything. But in, in just a sense of he beat him clean right off the bat. It's just not my favorite way to start a feud, but I love making Penta more of a badass. Yes, and it, I, I, you know, I like him outside of a, of a tag team, you mm-hmm. know, as well. Um, you kind of felt like that Cody was probably going to go over. You said it last week. You nailed it. You said you don't want a clean pin here. I don't like the way that Cody's shoulder was injured a lot throughout of the match. You know, he come into the match injured, injured, and he does get a clean pin. That kind yeah. of like. You know, wins and losses matter. We talked about this last week, and I, I the match was fine. I had no problems with it. I don't think it was five-star. I thought it was solid for AEW, but I did not like the result. But maybe we get some kind of stipulation match out of this going forward. I will say uh, Jade looks like a star right now. Uh, sure. She, I, sure. she has come out of, of that uh, tag. I think she, she got a little bit of the rub just being next to Shaq. She could have gotten yep. a lot more if we got a little more of it, but... She does have a good look. So, you know, I guess in the sense of like a few weeks ago, this women's division really struggled. And, and you know, you look at someone like Jade, you look at uh, the women and, and how they looked in the main event. Um, so at least there are some positives with their women's division moving forward out of this. And, um, you know, something to keep an eye on. Like, I just feel like I feel their divisions in a little bit better shape than it was just uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they're, they're starting to define it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I did not watch AEW Dark Revolution. Me um, neither. The Monday know, night I, show with, with Paul White. I, 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 You know, it was t- two hours long. I looked at the results. And, it and just, I looked at the card, and it was it, not... No, no. I, I would have expected, it, like, you know what would have been nice is, like, put a Cody Penta or one of these kind of matches on that yeah. show just to draw yeah. people, even at least the first time. You know, yeah, and you, and you had four women's matches, which you know that kind of is like a continuance of AEW Dark on Tuesday. But uh, you know, it, it's uh, you got two women's matches on AEW Dynamite, including the main event. If if that's a start, um, let's be positive about it and go forward. Let's just not take the steps back now, right? Yeah. Uh, one step let, forward, let, two steps back. Yeah, kind of let, let's let's get the title. Let's get the title moving. Let's let's put it on the right person. Even though you know it, it's probably not going to be Brit now, um, but yeah, you know Jade gets the win over Danny Jordan. Nothing wrong with that match. Um, you know Dark Hat. You know uh, uh, Dark and uh, Revolution had a lot of women on it. But now let's start putting them a little. Uh, you know, let, let's elevate let's, them. Let, yeah, let's let's yep. let's let's move them up the elevator a little. Uh, and the. One of the positive, I mean, we've we've nitpicked plenty <laughs> of stuff about AEW, but one thing that we've been positive on for a long time is MJF, oh, and it's, uh, it's just, just it was another good moment for him to come out, cut a great promo. They look good, they look sharp, um, and I, I mean, I like this going forward. It is it is kind of funny. I I heard somebody uh, refer to it on a on a show somewhere like it's sort of like prison in in, in uh, AEW. Like everyone's got to have a gang, you know, yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got like you look at everyone and there's just like you're you're all tied to someone but this is good and I think we were worried about a uh, about uh, MJF kind of moving from a faction to a faction but I think if right. he gets to be the face of this faction and, and yes. The, yes. like like this 
um, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know, the, we, we have a new name. Uh, they're the Pinnacle. I was kind of concerned, and it still may happen down the line with this Four Horsemen gimmick. Them, But at least be- they didn't immediately go there. No, no. And, you know, right. Tully's doing the Four Fingers, but I'm with you. MJF uh, is gold, and this feud coming with Chris Jericho is going to be just El Magnifique. As Jericho says, I just think that both of them are great on the mic. It's not going to be a five-star match. We don't want it to be a five-star match. It's going to be very good. Um, As long as MJF, you continue to put the spotlight on him, whether it be a match or a microphone, we're going to get some gold with him. And I'm, again, you know, I'm hard on AEW. We both are. We we were worried about him going to another faction, but it kind of worked. No, it does. This worked for me. It does. It does. I like it. it he he's got to be the face. It was and and they explained things well. And I, I will give AEW also credit is they do something. Um, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, we kind of saw after the barbed wire exploding match. But WWE when they sort of mess something up or botch something, they don't really ref, they don't really like go back to it. They kind of just act like it never happened. You know, and they just right. kind of move on. AEW will try to explain their way out of things. Which I appreciate, you know, they'll they'll do that uh, and, and even when they make a mistake Like there was some weird stuff with Hardy and Paige And how that kind of made sense They kind of tried to explain their way out of it The MJF, Sammy stuff They try to sort of explain their way out of some things that don't add up So I think they will actually look at some of the fan criticism When they say, hey, this doesn't make sense And they'll try to do their best to Make it make the most sense as possible And I give them some credit for that also Because that's something that WWE it's kind of like, you know what, Vince is just like, let's just move on. <laughs> you know, like his, yeah, his attitude yeah. feels different. Yeah, the, 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 you know, the, the angle that comes to mind, the storyline is, you know, Buddy Murphy and Rey Mysterio's daughter. It just completely stopped. Right. Uh, and, and they, and they do it. And they've always done that. I don't like it, but yeah, you know, give AEW credit. They do try to explain some things. It doesn't work all the time. And sometimes it, it, it would be actually be better doesn't. if they did what WWE did and just kind of right, just right, move right, on. Right. But I think it's a it's something that Tony and and the guys in charge there, they really do want the fans to feel even to a detriment to like feel like they're hearing them. You know, they want it to always feel and, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's it, like sometimes it the what some of us that are in so inside the wrestling bubble are thinking doesn't really matter, right? Like it, you're if you're trying to to continue to grow and gain these other fans, um, you maybe don't always have to appease us, the most hardcore hardcore wrestling fans. So it, it's like it's a very it's a tightrope you have to walk, you know, to try to do both to kind of try to serve both sides. So um, we got a couple more promos on AEW later on. The I, I actually I like Moxley and Eddie Kingston themselves together. I thought the promo was a little goofy. Um, when they were going, but but goofy and real is better than goofy when it feels scripted. Like it felt like this came out of their mouths. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they just thought of this goofy thing. They're talking about googly eyes and uh, on on one <laughs> one of the, the I don't know. You know, like a toy. It was it was just hilarious. But they um I, I like them together, and this is a good. It feels like a good spot for Moxley once you kind of have to drop him out of the main event feud. It kind of gives him a little bit of something to do for a while with Kingston where they can maybe tag up and and have a little fun. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of the Good Brothers. Always have, always will. And and now we kind of see why they they lost the Impact titles a couple of weeks ago. I I don't think 
uh, AEW is ready to see the, even though we're going to get Rich Swan and Kenny Omega here coming up on a, uh, an impact pay-per-view, uh, next month. But, um, I, I, I was completely fine with it. I, I love Carl Anderson. I thought yep. the match, I thought Anderson and Kingston was a little clunky in a couple mm-hmm. of spots, but you know, um, that's four really good workers, and I'm okay with it. I don't know where it goes from here, but I do like Moxley in a tag team. And uh, we got um, before that uh, Christian cutting a promo. Um, and I guess like one thing I, I liked about this too is sort of what I was talking about before. Like Christian came in and said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to go after the title, but I do got to get some wins first. So that's it's something that he at least addresses and makes uh, makes a note of that we're all kind of thinking, "Hey, you can't just come in and, and go after the title." Um, it did seem strange. I don't mind the backstage promo versus the in-ring promo. It just did seem strange that because AEW does a lot of the in-ring promos or the out on the stage promos. I thought it was it was I don't know just different that they chose to have Christian backstage this time instead of out on the the stage again or in the ring like they've done with they tried to do with him last week like they do with Sting like they do with a lot of their bigger promos. But this was that was fine and you know I I don't know I. I Maybe I, maybe they were worried if he wasn't going to get as big of a pop as as they would have wanted right now, or, or or who knows. But he's um, it, this is fine. I just feel I sort of feel bad for him because I think when they when they you know set it about uh, set it up for the big surprise, people inevitably want to think the biggest surprises. Right. So it, it right. was we were hearing John Cena, Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker, CM oh, yeah. Punk, you know, and, and so Christian, who if you wouldn't have. If you wouldn't have ever said there's going to be a surprise and then Christian just showed up, people would have been excited. Ten times better. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing that you can tell with AEW and those backstage promos is most of the time they're not live. You can tell because the production is not smooth. And I'm not trying to nitpick. It just... and him being the the workhorse of professional wrestling, that kind of, I I agree with it, and I have no problem with the promo. It just kind of felt like, okay, are you coming in to put guys over? Are you coming in to really have a legitimate title run? Because I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks that Christian is going to beat Kenny Omega, and he may, and we may be all shocked. But ah, yeah. you know, I would have rather seen him debut on the pay per view. Um, or no one say anything at all, and he shows up, and then the following of Dynamite, you put him in a match. I, I just think he's better served in ring than instead of the backstage promo hearing from him for the first time. I com- I agree with that. If if his thing is going to be outwork everyone, why we, work. we've then seen work. him three times now without working, right? You know, so it, it's come in, give me something, and then and then work. You know, so uh, I agree. Yeah, that that's a that's a good point there. And this was not bad. It's just. No. When you bring in a big star to make a big splash, I just it, it seems like they did this with Sting too. They they go very slow with these with these, and it's like I don't know, like even even the Sting promo that came after this after he there's just too many times where Sting's just kind of standing around and he you didn't know, say like, anything. He didn't. He's say out anything there at all. He doesn't say a word, and no. so we get Archer comes out, and then it looks like Cage is now gonna. Yeah. Stick up for Sting Is he going to split or is this maybe Like a ruse all along For him to just kind of be Messing around and then eventually they're going to all Turn back on Sting and and beat him down Um, I don't know like we said It was just mixed up with like I like all of these guys I like Starks, I like Sting, I like uh, You know um, Cage I like you know they're they're all solid It's it sort of just felt like we've been In this now for a while 
right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. And I look, I like the you know, I like the joke Archer said, you know, basically calling Darby a indie riffic or whatever it was, indie riffic joke or whatever. So I don't know if we're going to get Darby and Archer. Uh, maybe, probably. Um, I don't know if we get Archer Sting. Sting never said a word. I thought that was odd. Um, and it definitely looks like Team Taz is headed for a breakup here pretty soon, too. So, um, AEW, some positives, some negatives, like every week, but ending on a very high note with the girls, it just it ends on like something that could have been a 10, I if for you and I at least, and I think for a lot of people with Britt winning, because it just seemed. Like you said, the NWA stuff with Thunder Rosa um, Is she going to have to go back there? Britt is one of your That you've kind of been behind for a while You were getting behind her, then she got hurt And you started to get behind her again And it just feels like it would have been The, the perfect moment for hit, her to win there And off of that, go win the title um, we'll, we'll just see where they go With the women from there But as right. far as what they did uh, great job from them uh, Great way to end their show And it's got a lot of people buzzing and talking about it uh, The days coming out Let's head over to WWE uh, Talk a little Smackdown What was coming out of there So the stuff with the Edge and Daniel Bryan Has been kind of interesting Like the way Edge has been acting it, It's really making you think That Daniel Bryan might find a way To get inserted into this match I don't think he was he's going to beat Roman Reigns At Fastlane no. No. But, but the way Edge is acting Like a lot more heelish It's almost like he's being the tweener Roman the heel and they want like Daniel Bryan to be the super baby face I'm curious if they're almost Concerned about the response Roman's gonna get is Roman Gonna get cheered you know like By a, a like a, a a Group of people at Wrestlemania that have Been wanting to see this version of Roman And they've never had the opportunity to, In in the stadium To see Roman like this before I wonder if they almost worry And they go we need we need someone like Daniel Bryan who is yes. going to get cheered no matter what. So at least the reaction will be kind of split and mixed for everyone. That's a good point. You know, know, we talked about it over the last couple of uh, weeks about this is the Roman Reigns that everybody wanted to see, right? Um, it, he has been spot on. He has been perfect. Uh, so is Paul Heyman, the head of the table gimmick. It has just been. Uso been, with them. Yeah, as his henchman. Uh, so to speak, uh, and then you insert Daniel Bryan, and then you have a special enforcer. It's either going to be Edge or Uso, and we'll find out who that's going to be on SmackDown. Um, you bring up a very good point here. I don't, I don't, I just don't know right now if Edge walks out of WrestleMania with the world title. And I thought when he won the Royal Rumble, I thought that was going to happen. Yes, and, but I am and convinced now, the otherwise now. Yeah. Now I, I don't I don't know he doesn't he doesn't feel as hot no as he no. did a month ago um and I don't know if that's because they've kind of you know Daniel Bryan's been in the mix it's with him true. you know and, and people they're gonna be split when you have two guys like that because a lot of what Daniel Bryan says is true I've been around here wrestling I came back too I was gone I came back I've been wrestling too you know Loved like it. yes it, it makes sense it's real um. And so yeah, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a, a pretty good SmackDown coming up on Friday. I think they may have been wanting to stack it against the tournament games or something sure, because sure. Uh, yeah. we got. Um, I think we're gonna get uh, this Edge versus Uso match, 
And the winner of that is going to be the special guest enforcer at Fastlane, which is actually coming up on Sunday. So uh, there should be a pretty good SmackDown coming up on Friday. Pretty good uh, pay-per-view coming up on Sunday. Our boy Reginald and Nia <laughs> with the shopping spree. And you know what? I, I, I had heard some people uh, that were griping about Reginald being with Sasha and Carmella in the, the main women's title feud. And... And that they said, yeah, I don't know if we need that in the build to WrestleMania with those two. Where he is with Nia, I like a lot better. And if he's in a feud with the tag stuff, that's fine with me. This was a pretty woman segment here. And uh, we saw Reginald show up again later in the night. And uh, he actually ends up helping the, um, um, Natty and Tamina get a win. The one thing I don't like, though, is I don't like seeing Bianca and Sasha Especially Bianca getting pinned right now no. Even if it's that way slip on a banana peel Stuff it's just I don't like when they do That kind of stuff because she should be kept strong Right now heading into mania Yeah this is the you know there's several knocks We we have with with All the promotions one of the biggest for Me is this WWE Seems to always if you're Building a storyline between two Workers whether it's two women or two men uh, and they have a match coming up at a pay-per-view, regardless if it's a, a small pay-per-view or a WrestleMania. I don't like when they put them in tag matches. You just we did saw it with it. Cross and Finn, too. Yeah, I, I did not like it. Even You, you know, uh, we've seen it with Drew McIntyre. I, I don't like it because they uh, somebody always loses. We know yep. it's not going to be the champion get pinned. I, I just, it does not, look, it probably in the long run, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. things. But. But it, man, that's a big match for WWE coming up with Sasha yeah. and, and Bianca. Don't don't do that to them. Don't don't, don't make up, up. And don't make the don't. baby face look stupid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I hate that. Yeah. It's like Bianca. Don't make her look dumb. She turns around and she get because Reginald. She's distracted and stuff. Like I just I like Reginald. I like his involvement. He he's a fun character to have. And I, I actually think with Nia, he's funny. He gives her a little personality and stuff. That's cool. But I the the, the making Bianca look bad. I, that was. Something I, I didn't really like uh, at all um, I, I do like uh, Rollins Cesaro I think that should be cool um, And it looks like uh, you know we're, I, we're probably going to get that at Mania And maybe some Murphy and Nakamura involvement Not Rollins kind of gave a look to Nakamura Maybe we get Rollins Nakamura at Fastlane I know maybe there's something on Smackdown this week That, that sets that up I, I feel like we probably get that match at some point And maybe it's Rollins Cesaro at Mania Yeah and here's here's Another thing, and I, I, you know, as I get older, I forget a lot of things. I think this is, I don't know, it just seems like WrestleMania is coming up here pretty quick on us. Yeah. Does this seem like they don't have a lot of matches Absolutely. set in stone yet? And I know we got two nights, but even if I it's think just the one fast night, lane, matches. the fast lane kind of thing in the middle here, I, I know I is it because they, of that? I wonder because I think it's a I think technically they need this on Peacock, right? I think it's it's a show that will be like a test for them just to make sure there's no streaming issues, there's nothing live cuz they they'll get a good amount of good people point. but it won't be like a WrestleMania audience, you know. So that way yeah. they'll sort of be able to test their servers on everything. But as what but as far as what it's done to the storylines and the build for WrestleMania, I don't think it's been good overall uh to be honest at all. E- because we've had so many things Kind of take a detour instead of getting that nice couple of month build, um, which is good for WrestleMania. It is. It, it like they usually do a pretty good job when they have a, a while of of building the things and getting you excited for a few of the matches at Mania. And uh, I think the the days leading up to it, we probably will. 
But like a month out um, With a show coming up this weekend That sort of looks a little lackluster On paper I mean we're going to get Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns that should be good There's going to be a couple other matches that'll be good on paper But I mean there's nothing that I'm There's nothing that I'm like dying to see this weekend And I think it just I really feel like it messed the build up Because I agree with you It just doesn't feel like A lot of these don't feel like we're We're you know gearing up for a big Wrestlemania match Between Cesaro and Rollins No and we should be right Um, And and as we we go into Raw It's like okay AJ Styles We asked asked last week What does AJ Styles do Well now you're going to put him in a tag team title match Which is is really are we going to do this him and Omos really and, and it's like we it? if that was going to happen why don't you have them start wrestling as a tag team for a month and, right. and at least just right let us see that as a tag team build a couple things up i get they want to like i guess have the Omos wrestling on a big stage maybe that's like a reveal that they want you know you'll see this guy right. um i hope i if that's if that's what they're going to do but i i agree it just they're sort of they don't seem, and maybe it's pandemic stuff, and maybe so they had to wait a little longer before they wanted to go, you know, a, like really official with anything. But the build has not been all that strong for a lot of things. Um, I guess one thing that you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I love Biggie. I love the promo he cut. Um, he comes, and, and I love when Biggie is able to kind of turn it up to like the fired up Biggie. And so him and Apollo should be should be pretty good if. if um, if that ends up happening at Fastlane And then you know we'll see does it continue on To Mania but I like what they're doing With both of these guys I just yep. It feels sort of weird because One of these guys is going to have to lose And I don't Apollo shouldn't be losing right now And Big E really shouldn't be Losing right now unless it's going to be like A loss that elevates him So I'm, I'm just a little worried about who has to take the L eventually between these two guys? Yeah, and I and I thought that it's if if you're going to do this for WrestleMania, the match, which I think it would be better at WrestleMania, why have it at Fastlane? You know, yeah. I, does Apollo win it at Fastlane and we get the rematch at WrestleMania? That doesn't seem right. I know, you know, rematches usually don't happen at WrestleMania, so this is just the whole Fastlane um, game In the middle right of everything. Now. Yeah, it kind of skews things uh, a little bit, and maybe we'll get all the answers we need after Sunday. You know, yeah. But it sure seems like they're forcing some things on us. Uh, I, I, yeah, look, Big E, um, Sammy was fa- was fantastic on SmackDown. Uh, you know, uh, an open challenge match. Um, but the way they're going with Big E and Apollo just seems like fantastic. I'm I'm not the biggest uh, a New Day fan. Of course, they won the titles, but. Biggie by himself, I thought he probably needed to be by himself, and it was a great move to him to get uh, drafted to SmackDown. I just think this match needs to be WrestleMania, and hopefully it's not a squirrely finish where it goes back to WrestleMania because then it won't be special. No, no, that that that's my yeah, that's my issue because like on Fastlane right now we're gonna get Nia Shayna versus Sasha Bianca. I'm worried right. about what's gonna happen there with Sasha Bianca, right? Like if they're gonna lose and how they're gonna lose if Reg like I don't want Bianca looking bad again. Um, no. Alexa versus Randy. I mean, what <laughs> what's this going to be? You know, obviously the Fiend will probably show up here, but th- this will be uh, bizarre. Big E versus Apollo could be great in the ring, but I- I'd rather have this at Mania. You know, um, Drew Sheamus. We've seen it a couple times. It's going to be great inside the ring, but there's nothing really on the line. And then we got no. uh, we've got uh, Roman versus D. Bry. Those are the five matches that are listed, and that should be great too. And, and maybe something interesting happens there, but. You know, I don't think any of us think that Daniel Bryan's going to beat Roman Reigns a month before WrestleMania heading into it. That really wouldn't make a lot of sense. So 
It just feels like an unnecessary pay-per-view to have. Yeah, and were you surprised at all that we had a the tag team titles? Yes, because that's, and that's a great point. So let's like shift over to Raw. Um, Lashley's your champ. Sure. The Hurt Business is supposed to look really strong, and the and then they lose the tag team titles. And wh- where's Lashley out there? Like, if he's <laughs> your, the big badass champ who can everyone should kind of be scared of, like, why isn't he out there ringside making sure they don't lose the titles? Doesn't it make him look better when the guys next to him have the belts with them? I mean, so they lose immediately to New Day, and then, like you said, AJ comes out with almost and cuts. So it was it was almost like they were just. I don't know what they were doing to immediately get the It was so quick to like oh Hurt Business loses the titles New Day wins and we're already beyond the Hurt Business We're moving straight on to AJ and almost at Mania That was kind of weird Yeah and no uh, no rematch Of course we may get a rematch Maybe at Fastlane or something But they've already set it up for Mania So we don't think they're going to win Yeah and and it's so odd It's like you know I know they kind of tease the Hurt Business You know splitting up but why would you do it right, right before WrestleMania? You know, lose the titles at Mania. I, I just, that, I, I don't know. I, I just, again, we hammer AEW for some silly things. WWE has been doing some really odd things over the last They don't get weeks. a clean, they don't get it easy either. We just, no, we don't. just give it, we'll just give it fair to them when they do the positive. I think that's, that's <laughs> yeah, the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's I the difference. That was, I thought that was odd. You Look, you got to put AJ somewhere on WrestleMania. I hate that it's in a tag team. Um, but I'll take it. And it's like, here we are again with another odd Shane Braun segment. This was terrible. Green slime. This was terrible. Like Nickelodeon. I mean, you can't who do the that hell is Shane to be beating the crap out of Braun like this? Braun. Like, I mean, I, he's, he does the elbow. I mean, he just leaves Braun laying out there. He's calling uh, him stupid. Like, he called him stupid, and then he made him look stupid. Like, why? Like I know they want to, they're trying to make Braun, I guess, like the sympathetic baby face, but you don't. Have why to. do we feel bad for him when he literally just got outsmarted? Like Shane called him dumb and then made him look dumb. It's it's two back to back horrible for that storyline. We thought we were going to get it at Mania, which I'm sure we are. But here we are. We got it on Raw, and it ends I mean, the, in but the bell what? didn't even ring in this. No, it was, you know what I mean? It wasn't even like a. It was just. So that's that'll be their way to give it to us again. This was awful. And it what was. the hell is the green Horrible. slime? They did it with Miz and Morrison. Did it with Braun before? But it's like, is that I, I don't I don't not like this at all. No. Um, not at all. And then you know we had the Alexa challenging Randy Orton. I can't imagine this is going to be really much of a match at all. This is just probably no. going to be a wait for the Fiend to return. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, you called it. You know, months ago, uh, you know, we're going to get a Morrison, Miz, Damian Priest, Bad Bunny event. Morrison with the uh, mullet, mullet Morrison. Yeah. Oh, that hair he's got going it. right I now. I love it. I love oh, it. this is great. Yeah, I love it. It, it, it. We finally got the Miz, even though the guitar really didn't break on Bad Bunny. I, I thought it was weird that Bad Bunny gave the title to our truth. Um, yeah, that if, was if Bad weird. Bunny is going to pin people to win it and you want to make him look strong. I guess that's the way to do it. But. I just didn't like that either. I didn't either. I he could have <sighs> went and given it to uh, Pierce, right? And said, yeah, let him lose. Yeah, you know, or hey, you know what? I don't, I don't need the title. I'm going to have to defend it. I'm going to be in this match at WrestleMania with uh, with Priest against Miz and Morrison, you know, so you can give it to someone else to face. That's fine, but just giving it to somebody else, I'm never a fan of either. Um, I will say that one of the unsung heroes, uh, the last thing we'll talk about wrestling, and then I want to get your final four before I let sure. you go. Um, 
Sheamus has been damn good in the ring the last few weeks. He had another really good match here with Lashley to oh, end the show. Um, it was great, and the, his stuff with Drew has been really good. He's feeling it right now. I think he's just a little like he's probably happy to be elevated and in sort of a main event picture again. And I'm sure him and Drew will have a, a strong 15 to 20 minute match this weekend. Yeah, a hell of a main event. Uh, always been a Seamus guy. I love the the gimmick. He goes from the Celtic warrior, the big spiked, you know, mohawk to the more of the, you know, the old school bruiser, uh, you know, fighter. I, I thought it was a great main event. I thought they beat the heck out of each other um, during the entire match. So I'm, I'm sure Seamus and Drew is going to be fantastic on fast lane. I, you know, again, Raw was okay. They, they had its moments. It, it, uh, you know, Riddle and Ali, the ret- retribution has to end, right? Yeah. Ali, and, Ali and Riddle, what do you do with Riddle now? I don't know. But it ended on a high note. That was a great main event. Uh, it was. looked strong, and Bobby Lashley was as good as ever. One of the funny things I, at the beginning of the, I just have to mention this, the, when Miz comes out to interrupt Lashley at the beginning and he's trying to get a, get another rematch and he says, hey, we've got one of the greatest rivalries of all time. And I just started laughing right off the bat. He's it's the like, best, that was man. just so he's great. Amazing. He's amazing. He so, he's so good, man. He is. Um, okay, Coop, it's March Madness this week. Yeah, oh, it is. Next week. We'll talk about NXT because we can preview. Uh, I want to spend. I don't want to just spend twenty seconds on NXT because sure, sure. I'm really excited about what they've got going for their two nights coming up in a few weeks. So next week we'll spend a little more time on them and we can preview because it'll actually be the week before. Uh, or they got their big show coming up in just a few weeks. Uh, their two nights. So yeah, um, March Madness. The bracket. I'm sure you filled your bracket out. Uh, we talked about Houston just a little bit last week. They got a, a nice number two seed, and I really like their draw. Give me your final four. Man, you know, as, as I go through this, um, you know, I, I, I like some Texas teams. I, I think Texas Tech has a chance to be sneaky good. I do too. I, I, I got them at least reason, in the Elite Eight. Yeah, for some reason, I think they may make a run. I'm not sold on the University of Texas. Uh, I think they have an interesting matchup with the Southland Conference center, uh, Abilene Christian. I don't think ACU beats them, but, you know, Texas is known to lose in the first round. Maybe, uh, maybe some... a spread to play against uh, maybe sure, a little sure. ACU. There's some, big... As much as I wanted to do a Final Four, I kind of like went with – I looked at some sneaky good games. I think Wisconsin may have a chance to be sneaky okay. good. Yeah. Uh, you know, an intriguing matchup is Villanova, Villanova. And Winthrop, I, I I think that's intriguing. You know, Georgetown is the hot number. Syracuse and San Diego State's going to be an interesting game. I think Rutgers can beat Clemson. And I like two other ACC teams. I like Florida State, very athletic. And I like the team that beat Florida State in the ACC tournament. I think Georgia Tech can be sneaky. Of course, Gonzaga is just loaded good. But I'm going all in on Kelvin Sampson, man, University of Houston. I'm going all in on it. I've got uh, – I, I, I'm going with them with the spread. And I put some future money down on it as well. But something tells me that Texas Tech is a sneaky tournament team. We've seen that with them. Uh, Beard's a great coach. And I think they can make a run at it and, and be a, Cinder, a Cinderella-type team. I'm I'm with you, and I hope you're right because I've got Houston in the Final Four also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think they got a great draw. I love what they've done on both sides of the ball. They're well-coached. Let's root for Houston, Koopaloop, yes. my man. Yes, Thank you so much, buddy. I know you got to get out of here and head off to a meeting and uh, have a great weekend. These next couple days are some of the best days in sports. So um, I'll be going back and forth with you, and we'll, uh, we'll talk some wrestling again next week. You got it, Gino.
Koopa Loop, Chad Cooper, make sure to give him a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Koopa Loop, my man, always helping us out on this week in wrestling. Big thank you to Chad for helping us out each and every week here with this week in wrestling. Thank you to Sam for helping us out with Sam Houston. Thank you to Andrew and to Darren for that great, great breakdown of everything happening with the uh, Horse racing with the three-year-olds, all the analysis for them, and uh, and where they're headed. So, hope you enjoyed this episode of That's What G Said. Hope you all have a very profitable weekend with your horse racing wagers, with March Madness, with everything fun happening. We'll be back next week with plenty more. Don't forget the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier begins uh, this week on Disney+. Plus. So, starting next week, we'll have some recaps of that show with Tim Kelly and we'll continue on with all of our Marvel recaps too so best of luck this weekend everyone enjoy the madness